0: Listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and
1: Jeff Hughes. What a busters didn't know what happened to them there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down home cheating. Good down, good down home cheating, sure.
2: Welcome back to another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. It's true. The snow has fallen
3: here in wintry Winnipeg and Halloween is come and gone and we're ready to bring you King Kong Bundy as caped. Crusader, no, Cheek, Iron <laughs> Cheeks, the Cape Crusader, and he's a Caped Abraham Lincoln.
2: That's right.
3: Going back. <laughs> Fully <the> nostalgic. <laughs> the nostalgia, the second ever, that iconic Halloween. I always yeah, think the, about the third the series, wrestlers. main event is
2: the Halloween main event. The third one. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah. Too bad yes. they didn't do it again. I wish it was like an annual yeah, yeah, exactly. They couldn't pull it off. So no, we're not here to talk about the 1985. They never equaled it Yes. They no. never equaled it. No, they nothing. couldn't Couldn't touch it. And you know, how many, how
3: many years has it been now? <laughs> yeah. You would think that the WWE would have tried, you know, to dress up, you know.
2: Um, they Maybe they did and they failed. Because <laughs> yes. nobody could like it as much as Volkov and Sheik as the dynamic duo. <laughs> That's right. That is right. And Elizabeth is Jane. <laughs> That's right. They got oh, nothing. They got nothing. So here we are. Now you've gone through. Hopefully, <laughs> you've gone through two premiere episodes of 1987 goodness, getting us to WrestleMania three and this March 14th Saturday night's main event edition from Detroit in the Joe Louis Arena, I believe it still was called at the time. And it's just on the doorstep. The you know right before WrestleMania three and that last episode, which we haven't even as of this recording, has not even been released yet. Uh, it was Jake heavy. But really, you know, was was our intention. And I think we're quite happy with the result of the sort of how it rolled out. We could have rolled out, you know, we could have covered it in 10 minutes. Yeah. But but we felt like digging in deep. He was my favorite wrestler at the
3: time. So I'm glad that we took the time because I certainly had the enthusiasm and we hope you enjoyed all that focus on Jake Roberts. He's now a headliner. I mean, like, within one year, the guy stepped right up to like the major leagues, especially, you know, it's so interesting to think that within a year, people were chanting for him over Hogan and, you know, in one particularly bad attitude town or whatever. I mean, (laughs) if you picture like those, the, those, frat boy style crowds the oh, yeah. shouting ECW type of people. Well, up.
2: I'm thinking of like late 80s Chicago NWA crowds that would like always cheer the the villains. Like it was hilarious. Like watching like, you know, the dynamic dudes like, you know, Shane Douglas and uh, Johnny, whatever his name is, like against like the Freebirds, you know, which is the, with the Garvin version, you know, they're not popular anywhere else. But in that crowd, in that, that night, they were cheering for Michael Hayes, pop, punching those baby faces in the face. Absolutely. Uh, for the record, let's just uh, get Joe's little brother proper. So we're talking about Road
3: War Animals' little brother.
2: Larin- yeah, jo- uh, John Laronitis. There we go. Yeah, the yeah. the the suited uh you know general manager type position guy on Raw or whatever years ago and
3: Yeah, and I always remember being bored as hell until I kind of like I just kind of dug his, you know, like yeah. straight-laced just a guy in a suit and he wasn't really trying to be crazy and zany.
2: <laughs> and at that point, I was I liked him. Laurinaitis? Laurinaitis, Yeah. Laurinitis, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, Joe, of course, Animal and yeah. and as we found out there was the uh There was the third brother, the shorter brother, the Terminator character or whatever. Yeah, yeah. if you look up uh, a picture, you'll see. Yeah, exactly. All three of them together. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, Laurinaitis has got the, John's got the height, Joe's got the power and the size, and the youngest brother kind of was a mixture of the two, but no height and no power. (laughs) Yeah. Hard to match up to a road warrior, that's for sure.
4: Okay, here we are.
2: Before we can jump into the Saturday Main event, though, we want to have fun with a few things. And the first thing is, hey, wait a minute. The mailman came by. We've got a fun letter that we would like to... Uh, for you to enjoy now, so...
3: Hanzo Hattori broke the ice. Thank you once again, and now we have another... And, and Ron and Ron joined in yes. on that. Yeah, yeah. sorry, I, I shouldn't do that, but Ron's our pal, so... Yeah, yeah, it, it, we're, it, we're more deeply connected to I'm, Ron. I'm only trying to be modest when I, you know, don't mention Ron, yeah. because, you know, it doesn't feel as... Uh, when, when a stranger reaches out to us, then we know we've really connected to somebody, but yeah. uh, thank you, Ron Moore, for listening to us and supporting us and uh, sharing your fan base. We swapped shows recently, and uh, lots of ro- love to Cookie Moo. Anyway, yes, so a Canadian, a Canadian named Jeff, no less, has written into us. Here we go. Hello, Legendary Wrestling. I found your podcast a few months ago and have been catching up ever since. Over the past several years, I've been bouncing from wrestling podcast to podcast, generally enjoying them all, but eventually feeling the need to move on. Perhaps its age or similar experiences, but I felt compelled to write in hearing some of your stories. Like yourselves, I was a huge fan of wrestling in the late 70s and through the 80s and 90s. While the shows I was watching were a bit different from yourselves as I grew up and live in the Toronto area, I can certainly relate to many things. Mainly the painful wait for access to those early super cards. From Starcade 83 to 86 and WrestleMania's 1 and 2, it was the painful wait for VHS releases and snippets in magazines and brief recaps on syndicated TV. But for WrestleMania 3, that was all going to change. In the summer of 1986, I spent most of my time with my grandparents in Hamilton. The neighbors had a boy my age and we became fast friends. I realized that he was a wrestling fan and his dad had a satellite dish. Promises were made and a plan was struck to mail me a taped copy of WrestleMania 3 that year. I even left them a new blank tape to put the show on. As the months went by... The anticipation for this event grew to epic proportions. The match list came together, and as the unthinkable showdown between Hogan and Andre neared, I lost my mind. Finally, the biggest show ever happened, and I promised myself I would wait to see it all on that tape. I avoided the news of the show and prayed the tape would show up before the next weekend's TV shows. My parents reminded me that it would take a little time for the tape to arrive. I was generally the first one home on weekdays and usually had no interest in checking the mail, but I was obsessed and checked each day, at first knowing there was no chance and then eventually getting antsy with each passing day. Finally, after a full week and no sign of the tape, I made my mom phone the grandparents to ask the neighbor if they had sent the tape. The answer we got was the worst day of my young life. The neighbors had moved. The family didn't live there anymore, my big chance was dashed, I was crushed. Like most people, I waited for the Colosseum video release and got what info I could from TV and magazines. The 1989 Survivor Series ended up being my first chance to watch a pay-per-view the next day as a school friend invited me over the next day to watch the show. I still think the hunt, the chase, the longing, and the waiting is what made me so hungry for the shows and why I love them so much. Uh If watching them was as easy as turning on your TV, I'm not sure I would have been as obsessed. Keep up the good work. I'm loving the coverage of this glory period of wrestling and some of the matches I've never heard of and had no idea happened. I also nearly died laughing at Jeff's story about almost tripping on the ropes of a wrestling (laughs) ring at a parking lot show. My friend embarrassed the hell out of himself at an indie show in the early 2000s in a somewhat similar situation. Thanks for the effort, Jeff from Toronto.
4: Uh Aha! Much
3: wow. obliged, Jeff. Thank you for writing in. And we'd have we'd like plenty more people to write in at uh, what is it? Legendary Wrestling Obsession Le- at gmail.com? Correct.
2: Legendary Wrestling Obsession at gmail.com.
3: That's right. The bronze medal is still available.
2: That's right. <laughs> it can go to you.
3: By the way, that reminds me you're in the presence, the audio presence of a bronze medal champion pre- representing the nation of Canada in the sport of <laughs> frisbee throwing. <laughs> The most spectacular national sports attraction card draper. He went to a tournament and they won the bronze medal. And where did you go? What country?
2: Uh, well, we got to go to Lecco, Italy. Uh, you traveled to Italy. Yeah, for the World Club Championships. I do have to qualify that because that's not as elite as just a world. There's two types of championships and that's... The World Club means you can have more than one team per country. From the okay, so division. he brought home the IC bronze medal. That's right, that's right. Intercontinental. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and what year was that? Well, we uh, qualified in 2013, and we went to Italy in 2014. Was that strike? That, no, that, was the, that would be the men's team. That was uh, I was an old guy by the time I started playing competitively, uh, so I was playing in what's called the Masters Division. So we were, at the time, Flood, and I played with that team for many years, and that was my swan song. My trip to Lecco, Italy was kind of my retirement tournament from that team. I kept playing competitively Ultimate, but for different teams after that.
3: Well, there you go, folks we have a national sports hero right here yeah
2: not quite but <laughs> but i had a lot of fun with it and it was a yeah big big part of my life so enjoyed that no it's great to hear it, you know i it's, wow like when i first saw the letter from jeff first thing i'm just thinking is that like just reinforcing the idea that like we're not the only one with stories here Every, everyone's got stories and and it's unique and there's uh, and But there's this connection, like, you know, we don't know this guy, like, and we wouldn't have anything in connection except for with this connection of wrestling. And we can sort of share these things. And I have like sort of a very similar, different, but very similar kind of type story from WrestleMania three. So my hockey team. Went down to a tournament in Minneapolis. Not pardon me. It wasn't a tournament. It was kind of like an exchange. So they there was a a, there was an we went in grade seven and we went I think two years later. But point being is that our hockey team and a team from Minneapolis made these plans and so our team bust it down or whatever with our parents and then we were billeted, meaning that we actually stayed with the players from the other team. So. And what they were smart about it. They they put you in partners. So me and my best buddy, Grant Mitchell, uh, who was, uh, you know, the guy that got me my first Sirens Man event tape, and I've talked about him before, we were put together and we stayed at a house with one of the players and another one of the players on their team also came over. So it was like a four person sleepover, you know, all weekend. And <coughs> it was really smart to pair it up because it, you're with strangers. So it would be awkward. But because there was like four of us and there was like two from each team, it kind of, you know, we got along great and we had a really fun time and we realized that this kid the host he was the best player on the other team so the first game on the saturday they they beat us by a couple of goals and then grant and i hatched a scheme so we kept this kid up all night <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. We stayed up till five in the morning, and we had an eight AM game. Oh, you villains! And we won the next game. <laughs> so you sacrificed two mediocre oh, yeah, players, for two very, one, very mediocre players, one elite player, one elite player. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, Jimmy Hart's in the background saying, right. "Okay, baby, here's a plan. We got soda pop, <laughs> we got popcorn, we got video games. We going to get AM,
2: baby." <laughs> I love it. That's so so good. yeah, that was, that was pretty awesome. I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> oh, you villains! Okay, yeah. but wait. You but you, where's the comeuppance for you, little rat? Cheats. They didn't. He didn't really. I don't think he knew that we did. He just thought we were all having fun. (laughs) He was being a good host. (laughs) I love it. So there's no real. (laughs) There's no comeuppance. (laughs) The the bad good guys won. (laughs) Jesse Ventura would love it. And they won it. They won the first game. So hey, it was like we split. We drew. It was a sixty minute draw. Broadway. (laughs) Pretty good. Yeah. So the point of all this is just like uh, Jeff from the letter. As we were, you know, leaving, we had to get back on the bus, you know, mid-afternoon. I can't quite remember if it was the weekend before WrestleMania 3 or literally the weekend of WrestleMania 3. And we were leaving the day of it or the week before. Either way. One
3: last thing. Whose plan was it? You came up with the idea. You or Grant? Grant.
2: Oh, that's a good question. I th- Who's I
3: th- the real genius and who's the thug?
2: I think it might have been Grant. I think uh-huh. that was... That's
4: I what
3: I was just going to say. I, you Grant are was the, the one who talked to me about Corey it before is- we
2: got back to the house. Like He was like on the way back from the, the first game. He's like, got a heart
4: of gold. You yeah. can't
2: just push him in the wrong direction, though. No. <laughs> well, this kid scored like three or four goals on us, and it was like, nobody can stop him. <laughs> and Grant was like, we'll stop him. <laughs> okay. Okay, back to WrestleMania 3. So... Very similar idea, you know, my mom was talking to his mom, and all of a sudden it came out that what a big wrestling fan I was, and they started bragging about how they were going to watch WrestleMania 3. Now, I don't know if that means they had pay-per-view, or what other way they were getting their hands on it, but they were going to be recording that show, and they promised they took our address, and they were going to mail us a tape of WrestleMania 3. And every day I came home, and I looked at that box, so excited, and after about 10 or 12, 13 days, my mom finally, you know, made me admit to myself that the tape wasn't coming. <laughs> it never did show up. And I was just like, oh, oh, it was devastating. All right. Well, now
3: this is the person who was supposed to send you this tape was the victim of your evil scheme.
2: Right. Who didn't.
3: Okay. Are you seeing any little moral I, universal? Uh, yeah,
2: but he promised to send he, <laughs> he, he promised to send that. They promised <laughs> to send that. Hold on. Hold on. All they these years later this, you can't see? They promised to send that tape after that whole thing happened. So I don't, you know, and I don't think they like. Yeah, but cosmically. Well, maybe. Maybe karma. Maybe. Yeah, yeah they just, they you just you know, forgot. Water. It just you know I mean, they just still didn't, all they didn't innocent do it. right? You it's know? all very innocent. <laughs> no,
3: but I'm just saying you got away. You think you got away with it, but you never got your tape. Yeah, you're
2: right. Maybe you're yeah. right. <laughs> just, I love the story. It's just so good. I
3: mean, I'm not happy you suffered as a kid, but I'll bet yeah, you yeah. Jeff likes it. <laughs> Jeff's probably killing himself. I hope yeah, you're having yeah. a good time, Jeff. Yeah, that's
2: right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So yeah, that was, and then it was, you know, and it was a full three years later until I finally, like I said, we've talked before about, you know, getting access through Ken's dad to stuff. So it was like all those years of like just waiting and waiting. And like Jeff said, like it made it more important that I I, couldn't just watch it immediately. How did we finally
3: see WrestleMania three? I don't remember. I rented WrestleMania
2: three and taped it. I don't know
3: how I got my hands on it
2: or watched it. Yeah, you, the, first the only I, you way know, you could have watched it is by renting it. I guess know? so. I, I yeah. just don't remember cause it's... you would have already seen it. Like I mean, I, I know you'd already seen it before we were ever friends, so you you must yeah, have rented it with somebody. Rem- I, I don't like you. I know I you don't have go. strong memories of renting tapes, but you must have rented that one.
3: I guess so because I, I you know I. I know the matches. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't have the strong memory like I did. I went to go see, you know, the big pay-per-view at the Winnipeg Arena of WrestleMania 2. That's right. But I didn't do that for WrestleMania 3, and I don't remember how I finally got a look at it.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so, yeah, we encourage people to step up to the plate, fill in the blanks. uh, Tell us about crazy matches you saw. You know, your... Tell stories. me how I finally saw WrestleMania exactly. 3. <laughs> Phil and Jeff on his own life. <laughs> but, you know, it's just uh, I, I think we can see that it's, you know, a simple a simple story. Uh, shared can you know can cause a lot of good things to happen on our show. So we enjoy it. And uh, <laughs> Evil genius young Corey. Pinky in the brain. <laughs>
3: That's Grant right. Grant and Corey. Cheating. <laughs> <Genius>. International scandal. <laughs> Hope you didn't take that. Hey, wait a minute. Did you? Wait a minute. This bronze medal. I want to know who <laughs> you
5: were bunked with over there in Italy and what kind of shenanigans you pulled the night before <laughs> your big
3: tournament. Let's cause off the whole thing.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. You're in trouble. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Before we get into more stuff related to the show, I wanted to look back and have a bit of fun. So, a show or two ago, we were having a bit of a laugh about um, ring announced pardon me, commentators, wrestling commentators having like Dungeons and Dragons alignments. <laughs> and uh, I ended up releasing for fun uh, on, uh, on Twitter and a couple of other places a little meme I had made about such a thing. And why is it not coming up? Of course, my thing, just
3: what comedy? Hide, uh, Corey hides all his comedy genius from me. He only shares it with his hockey posting buddies, and I'm like, "What is all this? <laughs> you know, you have got graphics and comics and cartoons." And I'm like, "What is all this stuff? I never think, you know, and hockey gags too." And I'm like, "I watch hockey. Would you, why you show me this stuff?
2: What the hell? What the hell?" Okay, so for people who follow us on Twitter, which I suggest you do, and we'll uh, be hearing later in the show about how you can do that. Yeah, I put out this post, and uh, it's kind of these, like, commonplace memes. There's been so many of them made, so they take... If you're not familiar, Dungeons & Dragons has basically nine alignments that you could, uh, you know, choose for your character between good, evil, and neutral. But then there's a secondary characteristic, which also kind of, you know... So you could be lawful good, or you could be chaotic good. You know, like, there's
3: a a range. Yeah, like, think about the, uh, you know, the the old south and the sheriff who had the badge but he was the actually the bad guy right yes, that's right. awful evil right yeah so, something like that
2: yeah so and i i've seen a lot of people have taken this sort of you know i stole this kind of meme and then re, you know replaced it with wrestling commentators but yeah. you could do it with like actors or musicians or bands or sports teams or you know
3: Bookmarks. That's the one I like the best. Have you you seen the bookmarks? I don't think so. No. no. Right. Like, well, Chaotic Evil is like bending the actual page of the book. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Lawful Goods is like nice, classy, you know, bookmark that's, you know, something else. And Neutral is just like a uh,
2: receipt from Walmart. It's just like, you know, your bookmark, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Okay, so starting top left corner, we got our lawful good. So I went with uh, our man Tony Schiavone, uh, with his TBS days and his mustache, and uh, you know I think he's a, he's a pretty you know clean baby face. So he's a good example of that. Right. I was going to just say that you got also David Crockett, who's got, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think he's on the. Is he, is he on your list? Yeah, he was. Well, he's. I, I added some commentators on the either side. So if you look at it, it's kind of like a Family Feud or a probably right. uh not Family Feud. Uh, Hollywood squares or whatever where right. they're like yeah so with the, anyways they're they're kind of lined up in their bo- one in each box and then I just have some other commentators off to the side sort of like where would you put these guys or who would you replace or you know what would what would be a better example of different commentators and I'll admit in some cases I kind of force somebody into a certain box which maybe isn't a hundred percent fitting but hey you That's know nine yeah can't having, be having fun so, neutral good, I went with Jim Ross because Jim can get excited for the bad guys too. He can get excited about their athleticism yeah, or their like, the good moves. Yeah. Oh, so devastating. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we had to go Vincent Kennedy McMahon for chaotic good because he's like, he's cheering the good guys, but he's also like just cheering all the cheating. Yeah. <laughs> he loves it. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter if the crowd approves, he's all for it. So. Under lawful neutral, I'd put Ed Whalen from Stampede Wrestling, and somebody pointed out to me online that, yeah, that wasn't, you know, he's lawful good. And I, I, I admit, like, he's he's pure babyface. He doesn't fit lawful neutral very well. Somebody else would probably be a better example. And then, of course, we me, have Taz. Hmm? Taz is a totally different era. I'm just yeah, trying to think yeah. of, like, somebody Sometimes so many, he was a bad know. guy commentator. Sometimes he was good. I guess it depends yeah. on what era you look at, yeah. you know? I didn't really hear him do it. I just imagine. Hey, anyway, go on. So the true neutral is the Dean of Wrestling, Gordon Soley, so Mr. Florida Championship Wrestling and, you know, the original Starcade and he just, you know, he comes across as like a Walter Cronkite, you know, for, for wrestling. Yeah,
3: yeah. He made uh, wrestling seem legitimate because he, you know, just reacted as if it was like, you know, what's it to him whether one team or another actually wins? He's just really right. even handed about it.
2: yeah. Uh, he, 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 he
3: like sort of like unemotional <laughs> you know which but in a good way like you right know, whereas i was just gonna say I, and i, I we asked a little bit earlier the most emotional guy which is why i wanted to ask the guy i think is like could be david crockett yes who, yes who, who, who sometimes he talks like a 13 year old he's like but but that, that's not
2: fair <laughs> that's right you no
3: good stinking road warriors! <laughs> you know, like, so where'd you put David Crockett?
2: I left him off to the side. I kind of okay. thought he was probably like a lawful good kind of guy because he's so cheery So against. earnest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so under chaotic neutral, I got his lordship, Lord Alfred Hayes. Because occasionally, occasionally he does sort of slip into like heel um, commentary style, depending on who he's working with almost right. and who's in the ring. Yeah, he, he often comes across as a good guy as well, but he's kind of all over the place. Now this is probably the easiest one. Lawful evil. Jesse Ventura. Well, of course, you
3: know, that's the uh, contrast. You've got Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Uh are good... Uh, you know. And then yeah. lawful evil Jesse, who is always he's ninety percent of the time he's able to make his case on technicalities and that's be right. actually yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, one out of ten times he's kind of just gotta Ignore, like he sh- ignores
2: it, or he, just pretends it's not a thing, or you know, yeah. And
3: then he's got to say, it, "Well, okay. you know," or something like that. So, <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, it's all about Jesse calling out McMahon on his yeah. blatant rule breaking endorsement because the fans (laughs) are cheering and 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 jesse's like how come i'm the only one saying we got rules here? that's right yeah yeah and there'll be plenty of that in this episode
2: for sure for neutral evil i just was stumped i put a question mark because basically any bad guy commentator is biased so you can't really call them neutral evil. So it's really it's a tif- it's a difficult field to fill in a you know a heel commentator or personality in wrestling. So I couldn't really think of somebody that would fit that.
3: Yeah, it's a, that's a tough one also in character wise. Like Robin Hood is you know chaotic good. Yeah, because he robs the rich to to give to the poor. Yeah, and uh, Sir Lancelot was uh, lawful good. Yeah, pre,
2: pre-Guinevere, pre uh... <laughs> <laughs> good point.
3: Yes, but there are also so many tellings of the tales, but... Yeah, uh, I but mean, like, Bob Backlund, you know, yeah. championship run, he's lawful right. good, you yeah. know, like, yeah. speaky right. clean. The purest knight would be Galahad's son. Of course. Gala- uh, sorry, Galahad, who is Lancelot's yep. son, and he's the one who finally succeeds in the quest for the Holy Grail, yeah. for which
2: he gets to go to heaven! Yay! Right away! <laughs> right Immediately. now! Yeah. Come on, here we go! <laughs> Zap! <laughs> And then under Chaotic Evil, which you know, as kids playing D D, everyone loved Chaotic Evil. Paul E. Dangerously, because he was just kind of psychotic. He was great on the mic as a as a commentator, and him and Jim Ross were such a good team up in the late '80s. And you know, they wanted they pushed him to get back into managing and doing that stuff, and and didn't want to pay him any more money because he he was getting paid a certain amount to have a certain schedule, and then they wanted to put him back on the road full time without changing his salary. And he that they ended up kind of coming to uh, you know falling out. At the time, of course, he ended up being back in time for the Dangerous Alliance and stuff like that. But I think I think that the NWA slash WCW uh, missed out on some great stuff if they would have kept Paul Lee with Jim Ross. That was like a, a brilliant grouping. So on the side, there's a few commentators I threw out. There's Bobby Heenan, David Crockett, Lance Russell from like Memphis fame. Got to be ad- admit that I've only seen a few shows of theirs, so don't have a huge familiarity with him. Bob Cottle, who's kind of the... Well, uh, perhaps Heenan could be your neutral evil. Yeah, a little bit, but he's so biased. Right. You know, that's the problem, right? He's definitely, and I don't really call him a lawful evil because he's not like Jesse. He's not like, you know, worried no. about the rules. He's worried about ignoring the rules. <laughs> when it suits him. Yeah. Gorilla Monsoon. You know, Monsoon maybe could be that lawful neutral, you know, you never know. And... Uh, he wrestled
3: it as, as a heel, I'm sure,
2: in his day. Oh, he definitely. Had a he had a, he did He did have a run. And then from the AWA we got Larry Nelson and of course there's dozens of other commentators so if you've got any uh, jokes or ideas that you think you know share them on social media with us or email us and send us in your thoughts of uh, where somebody should fall or where, where we could place somebody better but it was it was a fun thing to do uh, not everyone played Dungeons and Dragons as kids but that's okay you don't have to you can get the gist of it the idea of it you don't have to be a uh, card-carrying nerd to (laughs) enjoy a little fantasy? Heck no. Okay, before we get to the actual Saturday Night's Main Event broadcast, we would like to touch on a couple of things that we didn't uh, get through. And one of them would be there was a segment with Mean Gene and Roddy Piper. It took place in the seats of an empty arena. And I guess it had been hinted on in previous syndicated TV, but Roddy Piper announces his retirement from wrestling pre-WrestleMania 3. Win or lose... He's going out, and he's going to give it his best, but he's going to go try it out in Hollywood. Right. Well, I recall it from the uh, back in the day,
3: and it was my introduction to Frank Sinatra in a meaningful way.
2: Right. Yeah, that's going to come up on the show. So, you know, taking that in, and I think that you can see now, like, why, again, going back to the Piper's Pits with Hogan and Andre, why Piper was so uninvolved, why nothing really was going on for him, why he became kind of vanilla here at the end of his run because he wasn't working towards, you know, that next feud, that next payday. He was actually moving on, and as I've seen in interviews, I think there was a Howard Stern one, I'll probably find some audio from it and include it somewhere in the show, but Roddy Piper basically had a big falling out with Vince McMahon over over wanting to go do the movie They Live, and McMahon immediately offered him a different movie, that he would get him another movie, like that week he would get him a starring role in another movie that Vince McMahon had more control over, but Roddy Piper didn't want to give up the opportunity to work with John Carpenter, and he's like, "Yeah, you can give me another movie, but you can't, you can't deliver John Carpenter, <laughs> like you know." So that was when Mac- McMahon basically told him, apparently, that you know, there's no place for you here anymore. And it's interesting that we even got as nice of a exit as we did. The whole thing's considered. <laughs> that's true. Because the whole thing happened to
3: Hogan. People must know by now that he was offered the Rocky movie and he accepted it. And Vern said, nope, you're not. Not Vern. It was Vince McMahon Sr. He was, in, the, right. he was in New York. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Vern Gagne picked up Hogan after exactly. he was fired by the WWF. It was Vince McMahon Sr. Yeah. Right. Okay. Verne and Hogan had their beef uh, on other issues That's later many on. Other, many other yeah. issues. <laughs> but uh, Hogan, I think, did the three years or so uh, in the AWA, where he really caught fire, obviously. Yeah,
2: 81 to near the end of 83, yeah.
3: Yeah, quite so. So interesting how uh, the first senior and then junior didn't want their top draws going off to movies, and they went off and did them anyway, and then they came back anyway yeah, in yeah. Both cases.
2: But I do think that Piper's... Mm, story in wrestling forever changed. Like if he'd never left to go do They Live, I I think there's something different would have happened to him. I think his character would have evolved differently. I think that he would have had a. I'll I'll save it for the end of the show. Something, but I, we'll come back to it. I I like I think there's this alternate reality that could have existed for Roddy Piper that I've never really talked with it about anyone about. But I think it's kind of fun. So we'll, mm, we'll talk sure. about it. At the yeah. End.
3: Right. Well, that's fair enough. Right. Well, you could say the. Best is yet to come for Piper. Well, but I guess that's not. I'd say no. Actually, no, it is. No, his his best was definitely like WrestleMania yeah. one and yeah. Those he years. gets it, Well, he a titles in his future. But yeah, that's, but that's not the top of the bill. Yeah, that's the main event.
2: He, the titles meant a lot Agreed. more back then when he had the title, but still doesn't and it, doesn't it wasn't for him being a main event guy. And it wasn't
3: the way that Savage had, you know, or the I or Warrior took yeah. that traditional path of you get the IC belt and you get the world title, and
2: move your way onto the yeah. world title, yeah.
3: I guess those are the two best examples of that. Uh, you Yeah, know. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I totally accept your proposition that uh, even though Piper is going to win the IC belt later on, I feel that Piper's at his best with AC baby, Cowboy Bob or right. side. <laughs>
2: That's right. Absolutely. So one quick interesting note was that that tag match we had fun with with Hogan and Steamboat versus Savage and Honky Tonk. When I reread something, I noticed it was Steamboat subbing for Andre, oh really? Yeah. So in in the book, you know, they had booked, even though Andre wasn't actually rest- back wrestling matches yet, they had booked Hogan and Andre versus Savage and Honky. Can you imagine that?
3: <laughs> wow, that's funny. You could have done that on our on that video game. I love the the coin operated one. I wish there was an option that you could just play anybody, but you had the you got DiBiase, Andre,
4: yeah,
3: Honky, Boss Man, Ogan, Warrior, Savage, and Duggan. Yeah, WWF Superstars.
2: That oh. style of graphics, I love. Like, I, I you can take I, your you can take your modern graphics and shove them up your butt. Like, I don't care when I play a wrestling video game. I want little cartoon guys. This is other. our wish.
3: Somebody out there, take that format and give yeah. me the whole roster.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I said it when we talked about exciting hour several weeks ago, and I said like, yeah, just like take my money, just like take that old platform and then plug like forty to fifty like '80s wrestlers into right. it and and just give them the little, like, special moves and stuff, and I would just, you know, yeah, sign me up.
3: Right. I I think about uh, the other game before I think about Exciting Hour, just because you've already got, you know, your, yeah, right. your players are there. already there. Yes, that's right. And then it's, how easy would it be? Because, I mean, like, what each wrestler is made up of about 17 pixels. I mean, how that's difficult right. would yeah. it be to do the rest of them, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Come on!
2: But they—they they were great little likenesses of them. They you were, know, and and I really—I thought they were. The game was really hard, and it was really fun to play.
3: Oh, I love putting my quarters into did that. You, did you ever finish the game? Sure, I yeah, I was able to beat the Mega Bucks. Did you?
2: Did you legitimately
3: beat the game? Well, remind me of what happens at the. Uh, that must have been. A well, Magic I mean, land. I mean,
2: beating beating
3: uh, Andre and D. B. Austin. Beat three, yeah, beat him three times. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I, I could never actually beat them. The only way I beat them was to go to a place called Magic Land where you pay by the hour and you have unlimited plays. So I could just keep hitting the button to give myself health uh, back because point. I could I couldn't figure out how the hell to take I down Andre.
3: Yeah. Um well okay, so my memory is too fuzzy as a okay. So if you can beat a game on one quarter, that's your highest achievement. Of course, yes, yes. I don't think I ever did that probably because yeah. you know, that was very difficult. I see what yeah. you're getting at. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there was very specific tactics and you know like anything like Donkey Kong like you know they're they're they have patterns and that's what that game had something with in regards to how you wrestled Andre you couldn't do like 90% of your moves to Andre so if you tried to engage with them he would just beat you up yeah and I didn't know how to do what you needed to do but if you continually gave yourself you know your health back you Constantly, catch, you could catch then DiBiase he, you eventually. Can, well, you, you could even Andre. You would tire right. him out. Basically, yeah. it was you know you would tire him out from him kicking your ass, and then yeah. eventually, eventually he would get him. <laughs> but yeah, that game was super fun. Of course, the predecessor to the one that would come <laughs> down the road, our Royal Rumble, uh, you know, game that came out in I think it was like ninety one or two. Pretty great. Pretty great game. And that, that one, one too. was like you know again it, that one expanded mm. the roster a bit more. You know, bringing yeah. in like Mister Perfect and Jake and yeah. different people and like and uh, and it was great. It had the, it had the tag option or oh, the awesome. or the Royal Rumble and I remember I would being at uh, university and some people that I went to high school with were in the same class as me and one of them coming in and just saying like, have you seen this game? And I was like, you, you can imagine me, like, you know, mm-hmm. these guys aren't even wrestling fans and they're excited about it. Right. <laughs> and I'm
3: like. And also what was so awesome was that you had to work your way up to wrestle the Legion of Doom. That's right. Yeah. Uh, even though I prefer them as the road warriors and not yeah. in the red and black shoulder pads. Yeah. So what? Still the same guys.
2: That's right. Yeah, it was, it was super fun. It was great. Unfortunately, all the games that came out in the home home video game era, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, you know, even the early PlayStation, they were never really able to deliver a game on any of those consoles that I enjoyed as much as exciting hour, that I enjoyed as much as Superstars of Wrestling, or as much as I enjoyed that Royal Rumble. Like the Royal Rumble like Sega game or or maybe it was a PlayStation One game or whatever one it was it was playing. It was it was this weak version of that Royal Rumble like arcade game. And it was just like, you know, I remember Hogan was Hogan was super lanky. He looked like he he looked like he weighed about 160 pounds in it. It just it looked funny.
3: I'm working my way through Hogan on Joe Rogan. Rogan on Hogan Hogan on Rogan <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so Hogan's into the cannabis now. Oh, okay, yeah, yep, interesting. You know, we uh, haven't really been too much about that, but uh, if Hogan can say it, well, we can say it too. I, I spent some time promoting the health benefits and other benefits of cannabis in Canada, and it's legal here in Canada, so that's part of my sketchy past. But so anyway, <laughs> Hogan's now got his uh, brand, yep. and they're promoting CBD oils, and you know, right, we're talking about. Uh, how much damage the wrestlers... I mean, boys, yeah. Hogan really gives you an idea of... Oh, Boy, I
2: feel bad for him. He's talking about all his surgeries and all yeah. the pain... Well, also and, uh, I think the, the stuff that was going on in TNA, he was doing procedures that were having zero effect. Like they were like right. it was a really bad like he finally, after eight or ten different procedures, finally had a different type of procedure. And actually that one worked, you know, like to a degree. Right. And had he just done that one in the first place, like, you oh, know, jeez,
3: yeah. Well he, he was, was talking like about fentanyl, you know, fentanyl yeah. it seems killed Tom Petty, killed Prince, could have killed Hulk Hogan if we hadn't if it hadn't been a superhuman. Yeah. So anyway, I'm working my way through it, but just quickly, who do you think was the first person to ever knock out Hogan by accident?
2: Oh, not to knock out Hogan. Knock him out. Yeah. And I think think it would be pretty early on. So like, I'm trying to think of like his, his early heel days and him going around. So geez, I don't know. Like, okay. So not
3: go later. Oh, okay. Okay. Go. Uh, I'll I'll give you that clue just so you can make a wild guess. Um, I'm going to say post WrestleMania four.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: Yeah. Surprise eight for, eight, no, for 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 starters. I'm um, gonna think. Well,
2: geez, like Savage.
3: Well, with that kind of hint. Sherry Martell was Whoa. the first one to knock out Hulk Hogan because she caught him on the ear and he tells this story on Joe like, Rogan. the purse or what? I, some kind of strike where, the, wow. you know, it was accident, but he said he, he, he like, roo, roo, and he just plopped on his ass and like for 30 seconds he was kind of like had the Tweety Birds around <laughs> his head. <laughs> you know, like circling like the cartoons. Isn't that wild?
2: That is insane. Crazy. Crazy insane. <laughs> so Savage was there. Yeah, Savage yeah. got out of the way. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
3: and some kind of botch. And you know, Hogan a, took a clip on the ear from Sherry. <laughs> and and, and it, I, so he didn't go, they didn't have to wake him up with smelling yeah, sauce. Yeah. But so, you know, listen to Rogan's podcast uh, here, Hogan telling it himself. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. The whole thing's. And I'm, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. talks for, yeah. But anyway, he's, he said he's now only has to take a couple of Tylenol as opposed to fentanyl, right? And these yeah. like drugs that'll just kill you.
2: Yeah, that's right. Wow. Okay, yeah, we don't want we don't want our heroes dead yet. No, they stick no, around for a while. people are
3: pretty hard on Hogan, but geez, he's a human being. Christ, he brought all these people all this joy. Come on, that's right. He deserves yeah. A yeah I always quality look of at life.
2: It there's the per- there's the person, and then there's the character. And if you can't stand the person, then maybe remember the character. <laughs> you yeah. know, like you know. And it's
3: easy, you know. It's easy to like the guy is so successful. You're going to make some enemies. I'm sure he made some bad choices that he regrets, but. Anyway, I'm I'm just listening to him on Rogan. It's yeah. kind of hard to be sitting there going, "Oh, you jerk!" Like That's I'm, right. you know, because yeah. and I'm not. I'm, I'm I'm listening and and like I want to hear what he has to say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's doing a lot more sort of podcast stuff and interviews now than ever. So there's more and more of him. And you know, people tease him because he, you know, like anybody, he embellishes. A lot of these wrestlers get their shit wrong. Like he's not the only one. <laughs> a lot of them will misremember the dates and the years and the what happened. And <laughs> we were you know, in Montreal. No, Jake, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're trying to help here, Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to Detroit. March 14th. Saturday's main event. It's a nice quick
3: one after the last one. It's only like a month and a half, or it, what?
2: Well, it was uh January to middle of March. So but you know, like we said, there was so much happened in that January, February first half of March that it uh it's, incons- made it's,
3: it's inconsistent, isn't
2: it? Well the scheduling for the show. <laughs> The scheduling for the shows is fairly consistent in terms of like you basically end up with a let's call it an October, a November, a January, a March, a May and then start again even okay, though this so whole thing started in a May. So it's, <laughs> I like to I, go May to right. May to March, but they okay. go they go like October to it's May. It's an odd consistency,
3: you know, yeah. like one month And there will three become months.
2: some years where they add in a summer main event. A summer Saturdays main event. I think they do go up to a maximum of seven in the same year, but it's never. Some people will like incorrectly say, Oh, it's monthly. It was every month. It's like, No, 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 no. There, wasn't 12, there wasn't 12 Saturdays main events a year. Come oh, on. if only. If only. Come on. But
3: we have now the Prism cards and we have, That's right. you know, yeah, the well, Prism cards. The year, they had their monthly narratives the that they're trying to.
2: And yeah, you could piece it all together. It was there. You know, like those. this stuff was happening. It just wasn't put on TV in any package for us. But we could have seen it, could have, could have watched it. Okay, more to talk about science main event. Let's hit those NBC chimes and get on the road.
5: Wrestling means each man out for himself. My main objective to get even with Andre the Giant. When you tore my shirt, when you tore the cross off my chest, when you tore the heart and souls out of all those little holsters—that was the reason I got in this twenty-man battle royal. You broke the rules, man. Now there are no rules. Survive with the fittest. Bodies flying out over the top everywhere. My eyes, Andre the Giant, main concern will be focused on your 7 foot 5, 500 pound, big nasty body. And sooner or later in the Battle Royal, it's going to be just you and me.
2: After we see Hogan, we go to Heenan with Andre, getting ready for the Battle Royal. And Heenan's there to say, that's right, you're going to have your eyes on this gentleman, but he's going to have his eyes and his hands all over you. (laughs) I love it. And uh, Andre puts his hand in front of Heenan's face like at the right, just at the right time to show you how big his hand is.
3: Right. Well, speaking of hands all over, Innuendo abounds as Elizabeth makes her appearance third. She got Hogan, Andre and Elizabeth and she's on her own. Explaining how the stipulation for tonight's match is not just a title contest, but also her services air quotes are. Oh my God. Yes, well, I mean, you'll see. You yeah, watch the yeah. card. You <laughs> yeah, know, There's, right. there, there, it's a ten thirty on a Saturday night. <laughs> Elizabeth says that she she goes. It's the first time I've ever been the
2: prize in a car.
3: Well, she doesn't have that thick an accent. They even
2: bring up the fact that it's a love triangle. Yeah, <laughs> like. What? And then she <laughs> says,
3: you know, whoever wins gets to keep me. Whoa, fourteen-year-old
2: imagination's running wild. <laughs> All right, then we get to see those jerks, the Heart Foundation.
1: <laughs> if she thinks she's scared, imagine how Tito Santana and Danny Spivey feel when they <laughs> meet the Heart Foundation for the first time. A Saturday night main event with the world tag team titles at stake.
3: It may be our first
1: time, but it'll be their last time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then Jake has his promo where uh, there's a lot of eating. It's all about eating. <laughs> and there's a lot of eating to be done. King Kong Bundy provides quite a big meal. So, uh, Jake is rocketing to the top of the popularity, and so here he is taking on the guy who main-evented WrestleMania too, Hogan's biggest
2: challenger, Amir, right. you know, almost a year ago. That's right, yeah. And then we hit that reel, and, the, and we, we love it, we had the file for the whole show, original... So we get the real music.
3: That's right. Yeah. Well, we must sound like a broken record, but it's just such a letdown to hear your memories. Our, our, gra-
2: our greatest hits. Yeah. <laughs>
3: our greatest hits of complaints.
4: That's right.
3: But uh, yeah, so I love watching it. Thanks to whoever posts that stuff, and I'm, you
2: know, please don't take that down. And it was interesting watching the Rio happen because because of the battle royal there's so many more people that got to squeeze into the you know images right so like there's like instead of just being like eight or nine wrestlers you see you end up seeing about 20 or something like that like it's just one after the other after the other after the other so it's you know pretty neat no kidding I
3: mean think of how many wrestlers make their Saturday night's main event debut
2: Absolutely. And, uh,
3: you know, uh, one of the most notable would be, I think, just, you know, demolition considering what they go on to
2: accomplish. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And as we saw in the match, uh, some of the stuff we saw from the previous cards, Smash is there and it's Barry Darso, but because he's got the short hair and he's got that different makeup. He looks so different. (laughs) He doesn't look like Smash. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so we come in as welcome to Motown. Vince McMahon's letting us know where we are and what's happening. And, of course, he turns to Jesse and gives a great line, which is the Jesse, does Jake the Snake know you're wearing Damien's sister?
3: Ha ha ha! Very funny, McMahon. And he retorts something about uh, his penguin tuxedo look. Yeah,
2: you're you're stand doubles for Burgess Meredith on the ba- on Batman. <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, Jesse looks like he does for the Predator movie, so you can't get much cooler than that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, he's it's right under his costume. He should have been holding his uh, his big I don't know what that machine gun was called, but uh, <laughs> he should have had that. Right. Yeah, he was
3: awesome in Predator, Jesse Ventura.
2: So they start talking about the Battle Royal and, and, you know, of course, really focusing on Hogan and Andre and they bring up a graphic for the Battle Royal. And I'm going to start talking about this now. This is the first main event where we see this proliferation of all these graphics for each of the individual wrestlers. So in the past, we've seen a Hulkamania logo, let's call it. I think we've seen the hot rod or the, you know, something with Piper. We've seen his thing, but this show, basically anybody who's in a match gets some sort of a like little cartoony logo, and it's an overlay on the screen, and it's just kind of neat. So, they have one for uh, the tail of the tape, so to speak, of Hogan and Andre. And Andre's is kind of funny because it's a, uh, it's like a, his, his logo is like a, a tape measure. It's like Andre the Giant in letters with this like tape measure beside it, trying to show you how big he is. Yeah. I did have to look twice to be like, what is this logo? It didn't quite <laughs> stick. And so, as they're talking about this, they're going to send you to here with Mean Gene with Hulk Hogan.
1: Later on, but right now let's pick up two of the participants in the twenty-man over-the-top battle royal. Let's pick up Hulk Hogan and let's pick up Andre the Giant. These two former friends, indeed, live life the same, saw life the same way, but now, indeed, I'm sure there has been a parting of the ways of their relationship. As a matter of fact, right now, me and Gene Okerlund is standing by with a Hulkster. All right, Hulk Hogan, this is it. Tonight, it's gonna be the first confrontation for you with Andre the Giant, albeit with 18 others and a 20-man-over-the-top
5: rope battle royal. Well, you know, there's a lot of those people out there, men, that say, why are you doing it? Why don't you wait for a one-on-one confrontation with Andre the Giant? Well, Mean Gene—those few people who say that—they aren't Hulkamaniacs, man. The Hulkamaniacs know I like living in the danger zone, man. They know that after Andre the Giant tore the heart and the souls out of all those little Hulksters, I'd take him anytime, anywhere, any place I could. I don't care if there were 450 men in that battle royal, I would still have my sights set on Andre the Giant. I don't care if all of Heenan's men came after me at the same time, I would still have my eyes set on Andre the Giant. And this is the first confrontation, Andre, and I hope I get my hands on you and anybody else that's in the Heenan family. I don't care how dangerous it is, I'll get you for what you did, Andre.
1: All right, what more
2: can I say? Let's go back to you, Vince. Oh, I <laughs> yeah, love it. Gene is, like, talking about his mental peak, so that's when Jesse comes in. Mental peak? I'd say he's a mental moron. <laughs> Jesse's awesome. Yeah, he's digging in whenever he can. So now we're going to take it backstage, as me and Gene has a series of interviews as we set up our Intercontinental Championship title defense.
3: Well, they show us clips of the previous Saturday Night's main event where uh, that bozo George the animal steel <laughs> where he uh, kidnaps according to Jesse Elizabeth and that's the context so this is the third I think deja vu all over again Randy Savage versus George the animal steel yeah, our and, third
2: Saturday Nightmare event match and Wrestlemania 2 so four yeah. matches four key like yeah highly publicized scene matches right so I gotta say that
3: clearly for me it's not what I want from a Randy Savage match. I when we think about these Ricky Steamboat, Jake Roberts matches, this is like my favorite stuff about wrestling. And these matches are are completely different entertainment spectacles. This is all. Yeah. It's not. It's not about the. Uh, I mean, when Jake and Savage, they just showed how exciting a wrestling match can be. That's right, in my opinion. And uh, these matches are. I I like them for what they are. But yeah,
2: there's entertainment to be had. Yeah. But this one in particular, of all of them is the one that could have been removed. Like, the original Science Main event one kind of sparks the feud. And WrestleMania 2, I would like to have seen a different opponent, whatever. The last one with Steamboat coming back made sense, like, why it's George, so that's the vehicle for which to bring Ricky Steamboat in as the surprise, and the fluff and everything, and it was just too funny. I think that when we wrap this up with a Lumberjack match down the road... That's unique enough in its own right that it's kind of like, that's okay. But if they would have given us a different opponent here, and we saw some great, like, prime time or wrestling challenge matches with uh, Savage against different people, like against Billy Jack Haynes, against Coco, against, you know, there's a you know myriad of different people he could have wrestled. Hell, he could have wrestled Tito. You know, like, he could have wrestled so many different people here. And I think that Steamboat still could have lent his, you know, presence to the match with or without George.
3: Well put. So really, what we're saying is this match wasn't necessary. Having said that, (laughs) I do notice that these two fans, I think it's the same guys that were harassed by the big muscle-bound guy for the Dream Team bedsheet when they were two fans okay. hold up a, a, a sign supporting the dream team and then this 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 guy with huge arms you know starts like pulling down their sign from behind
2: in this particular episode no that, this time it's
3: back. a yeah okay. this time these guys have a macho man but it's the same two guys holding their bed sheet and nobody's bugging them but I'm okay. like those are the guys that were you know like yeah okay they're, they're, like,
2: it's almost like the cameras behind it so it's hard hard to even read what's on their sheet because like we're looking through their sheet almost
3: no you can read this guy okay. pretty well okay. and that uh, it's they've done a drawing of macho man holding the ice belt okay. and they, they had drawn beefcake and valentine on Neach. their other sign yeah, yeah you know but i mean it's cloth it's textile i think yes. it's a bed because like and then they yeah and then like it's like if five feet by three feet so (laughs) when they're holding it up you know at the on their entrances they're blocking the view of people and that's what led to this one huge big black guy was like hey put that shit down (laughs) and you know the guys were like huh but
2: we're cheering our you know and anyway I yeah when in 97 or 8 or whenever it becomes the thing where like every single person in the raw audience has a sign and like nobody can see i'm like how is this fun (laughs) why would you want to go it's just like you're just looking at the back of a sign all night (laughs) yeah
4: exactly
3: Elizabeth has a lovely red and gold sequined outfit with uh, this kind of a circular pattern as if she's like wearing a bunch of uh, necklaces or something, but it's uh, right, as yeah. classy and, mm-hmm. and elegant as usual. Savage is the original of these, there's a trilogy of little promos or interviews and the first one everybody's there uh, as in Randy Savage, Elizabeth and Gene and Randy Savage has got uh, a robe that's got patches and uh, it's Technicolor Dreamcoat Rainbow Coalition. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really cool. Always Gene talks to Elizabeth as usual. <laughs> macho man doesn't like that. He asks Elizabeth if she's scared. Mach man interrupts and is like, you know, what do you get to be scared about? Blah, 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 blah. You know, he's just in there. But but things take a different turn when Gene's talking about, like, well, some say that Elizabeth, you're more than a manager. And then (laughs) I've never heard this insult before. Have you ever heard anybody call anyone a duck pin? No. No. Well, you little duck pin.
5: I'm going slap your face right there. through through that Saturday night's main event. Yeah.
3: He calls him a duck pin. I know where that came from. Yeah, a... it's
2: the sign on the wall. I love it. Throw slap you Slap me it. right now. <laughs> yeah.
3: And then this is, you know, he says the line that I really crafted my entire Macho Man impression around. I'm going to take that hairy bozo, George of the Animal Steel. hurt him real bad. But the actual quote turns out to be, I'm going to take that hairy bozo, George of the Animal Steel. Put him down, put him. One, two, three. hurt him real bad. <laughs> so it's just missing a little bit. That's where it all started for me. Nice. Then Randy makes his entrance. He tries to bully Liz, but oh no, Randy, oh, says Gene. Yeah, she's not allowed to go with him. No, the rules are that Elizabeth will uh, not escort Randy or George to the ring. So Randy makes his way.
2: It's funny because they send it back to Jesse and uh, Vince, and I'm like... Gene, this is your chance. You can talk to Elizabeth without Savage interrupting. (laughs) uh
3: Yes. As Randy approaches the ring, there's a guy who's got the iconic t-shirt, the purple t-shirt, and he's waving at Savage, then he almost kind of thrusts it at Savage and, like, spins him around. And, like, yeah, like, the guy, you know... Could have grabbed the belt, you know, if he hadn't been (laughs) holding the shirt, he could have grabbed Savage's belt and yanked it off him. So Savage sort of had an interesting reaction. He looks back, but like, you know, he's a heel and this guy's got his shirt. So, you know, how do you even, how do you respond to that? Yeah. So we cut back and yeah, it's now Gene's chance to be alone with Liz. (laughs) And of course he's like, oh, Liz, you look ravishing. (laughs) But uh, George makes his way into the ring he only speaks mostly one word at a time or can string two words together, but yeah. there are promos where he puts five or six words That's together. That's right. you can pull it off. Yeah. yeah. Daddy! You like to say <laughs> daddy a lot in those times. <laughs> yeah. But, this, you know, George keeps it pretty clean. He's, he's more like, George's manager? Yeah. And so, you know, keeping it out of the uh, gutter.
2: That's right.
3: George leaves and, and then actually uh, Gene's on the camera himself. And he calls them both losers. He says, well, Elizabeth, heads or tails, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So George makes his way to the ring with his shirt on, although it looks like he's got a shirt on even when he doesn't. That's right. Jesse has the best line because, you know, there is a a third interview with just Gene and Liz. And as she walks away, he really takes a big obvious look at her ass. So <laughs> Jesse's coming, wait a minute, did you see that little pervert looking at elizabeth as she walked <laughs> away he's a disgrace <laughs> And I'd say I noticed it too. Yeah, like, yeah, Gene, yeah. you don't want to get caught looking. You're on camera?
2: You fool. I, I think he's doing it on purpose since we've seen it multiple times.
3: Right. <laughs> now, what I had never noticed until I watched it five times, there's some guy frog marching Elizabeth to the ring because I guess he's just worried about her safety, but he's pretty much got, he's hidden. If you go back and look, there's a guy who's got his head almost at her shoulder blades and he's ducking behind her, but he's kind of got his hand around her bicep. And it's almost like, He's pushing her with his head quickly to the ring so that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He doesn't want to be in the shot, maybe. Yeah, he's hiding from the camera. Yeah, okay. So there's a tennis judge-style chair beside the ring. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And they put electric tape to make it red, white, and blue. And Liz climbs up there to, you know, the prize is on display. George, you know, he decides to help Liz ascend the chair. Yeah, he's a gentleman. Not Macho oh Man, because uh, <laughs> for his efforts, he gets a double axe handle from the top rope to the <laughs> arena floor. <laughs>
2: That's right. And of
3: course, Macho Man's got his headgear on, so it looks extra cool because he's got the shades. match is
2: almost over before it begins. <laughs>
3: Headman and shades on, so haha, looks great. And now that he's got his robe off, we can see he's got his mustard yellow trunks on tonight. Yeah. So, George is on the floor, and Macho Man is like, screw this, he's going to remove Liz, you know, before the match can even begin. So, he, uh, you know, escorts Liz. He doesn't like the whole idea that she's a prize. I
2: almost got the vibe that he's like, uh, screw this match, we're taking off. <laughs> right. Either way, the music hits. The right music. Like who cuts off his escape? But...
3: <laughs>
2: it's Ricky Steamboat. Well, I love it because he jumps off of something. He doesn't just like appear in the aisle or run out. Oh, Did notice? He leaps okay. into it. He must be on a higher, like on a platform or something, because he jumps down of f- several feet.
3: Okay. He awesome. lands in his path. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks pretty cool. And the yeah. music, with the right music, it yeah gives, brings up all the feels, the memories. It was yeah. great. So, and then, you know, Ricky Steamboat, he, he turns his back for one second and he's looking at the crowd and Randy thinks he's going to get a sneaky attack, but nope, turns around and <laughs> Savage right. cowardly retreats back to the ring. <laughs> so all the refs come out, all the brand names, Morella and, uh, you know, Hebner's in the ring, but I recognize the other guys are, that are trying to deal with Steamboat and getting to, I guess, you know, go back to the locker room, but no, he wants to watch the match from ringside. So Savage kind of like is is concerned and his focus is on Steamboat and he's pointing at him and threatening him and he kind of backs his way into the ring while he's watching Savage and of course that opens him up for a big double axe handle club from behind from Georgie Animal Steel. <laughs> yep. And that knocks off his headband. This gives George the chance to punch Macho Man and bite him on the nose. <laughs> Macho Man ditches his the shades and he slams Randy Savage's face into the top turnbuckle. Then he does a little boogaloo, crazy dance shuffle at the ref. <laughs> yeah. The ref's complaining about all this cheating. Then he takes Macho Man and rams his head into the turnbuckle. Another clubbing forearm drives Macho Man to the canvas. George starts punching him. Macho Man's dazed. <laughs> so he tries to punch George. Well, actually, he tries to punch the ref. That's Whoops. right. I love it. Very yeah, common bl- spot. The blind swing. The blind swing at the ref. You got to be on your toes when you're refereeing a Macho Man match. So Macho Man gets rammed in the turnbuckle again. George doesn't have a lot of offensive maneuvers. <laughs> He's not going to put on an abdominal stretch. No, but he's hungry, and George has already eaten the turnbuckle. That's right. I'm pretty bored of this. <laughs> George attacking turnbuckles. But at least it gives Macho Man a beautiful opportunity for a running, flying knee in between the shoulder blades, which looks devastating. Great way to hit a vulnerable opponent. Unlike Paul Orndorff. Tap you on the shoulder. How That's you right. doing? Here I am. Hello, sir. Ding dong. I'm here to attack you. Oh, yeah? You don't say, do you? Smash. <laughs> Macho Man body slams, Georgie Animal Steel climbs to the third rope, and George climbs to his feet, so it's still no finishing elbow, but it is a lovely double axe handle. And then Macho Man chokes him with his boot on his throat, and he presses his knee on George's head while basically George's is kind of at, at, at the edge of the ring with his head kind of under the bottom rope. Yeah. Then Macho Man has a bad idea, he's going to grab George's nose
4: gives george an idea i'll grab your nose it's
3: the nose grab off a test of nose strength which macho man loses and so eventually you know he's a, a macho man goes from like squeezing george's nose to like trying to pull george's hand off of his nose but george has control so he box macho man into the corner and clubs him across the chest with his forearm. Macho Man, however, thinks quickly gives an Irish whip to George and then a clap clothesline but turns out to be a lunch. That's right. George
2: sinks his teeth into Randy's inner elbow and that hurts. He hates it. Yeah, the slap on the arm is more like when someone's checking the tenderness of a piece of steak. You know, like if, that's right. That different. Uh, you know, how how firm is it? <laughs> Tenderizing George's next. He's already had some foam. Now he's going to eat
3: Macho Man's arm. Uh, George hoists Macho Man up into that hangman clothesline where yeah, yeah. he's completely suspended off the ground and throws him the down. Joke, the joke. But George loves that foam, so he goes over and throws some into. I think he's he's onto a second turn He's. You you see it in the Battle Royal. There's lots of foam. Thanks to George. During this card, I think they come apart again or something and fluff comes out. (laughs) Yeah. So he throws some into Macho Man's face. Oh, have some, says Kennedy (laughs) McMahon. He throws some into the ref's ref's face, and Jesse's pointing out that he should be disqualified for that. You would think so. Yeah. George goes over to Liz decides that uh, he can claim his prize without having won the match. Mm-hmm. And it's great because he's not really being that rough, but Jesse's like, he's twisting her arm. Look at that, he's forcing her. And Elizabeth comes down off of that tennis judge chair. And it does, however, give Macho Man a, an attack opportunity from behind. And he clobbers once again with those trusty double ax handle forearms. He clobbers Georgie Animal Steel from behind. George hits the ground on the, on the arena floor. Macho Man picks up that big... Yeah. Tennis chair and clobbers him with the chair. Okay, rolls yeah. back in and he wins by a countout.
4: At so it least, least the match what, is.
2: Why wasn't he disqualified? <laughs>
4: Hit him with a chair <laughs> right in front, of the, right in front of the ref. Right in front of the ref. Right.
3: But he rolls back into the ring and wins the match by countout. And thankfully, we don't have to watch George Steele and Randy Savage wrestle anymore <laughs> after this. But <laughs> it's, it's George, a fun stuff. I think the fun. This is yeah. the best part. <laughs> well, so George throws the big tennis judge chair into the ring. That's right. And he's got a bigger weapon than Macho Man, who Macho Man's just got a belt, and he's going to try to hit George with the belt. But he does a really big telegraph. So I'm going to, yeah, like, yeah. wave it up high, stretch as high as I can go, and leave my midsection completely exposed. Hold,
2: so hold. right? Exactly. Like you're not allowed to hit him yet until yeah. he hits you. <laughs>
3: so George, of course, hits him in the midsection, which uh, foils the shot with the icy belt. And Macho Man, uh, you know, he retreats. He, he drops the belt and retreats. He does, but that uh, gives George the chance to pick up the belt and, str- and throw it over his shoulder and that strut around. That was my around.
4: favorite
2: part. When he flips that belt over his shoulder and popped me, I laughed really hard at that.
3: Yes. <laughs> then he has a poster of Elizabeth. Yeah. And he hugs the poster, ruining it, but he loves her. I think, let's see, what else happens?
2: Nothing. Right. We're going to go to a quick... Hogan in like a little inset promo right before they go to commercial. He's with his workout bar getting ready for all the different guys he's gonna take out.
5: Andre Orjoff Andre Hercules Andre Volkov Andre Andre Andre
3: <laughs> Orndarf. Why can't he pronounce Orndorf? What is wrong know. with Hogan? <laughs> he,
2: yeah, my best friend, <laughs> but I don't know his name. It's the second time he, he Orndar <laughs> Darf Doth. <laughs> Orndorff, Orndorff. And when they come back from commercial, it's going to be a battle royal. Okay, it's battle royal time. And for us on Legendary Wrestling Obsession, this is our first battle royal that we're properly covering. We've talked a bit about a bunkhouse match, which was sort of a battle royal of, of sorts. But before we dive into the Saturday Night's Main Night event version, this, this great battle royal, I just kind of wanted to open the door to like you know, what battle royals sort of, you know, it, to me, it's like, it was like gladiators, like, you know, the arena, you know, all these different fighters were in there and, and who's on whose side. Oh, for
3: sure. I mean, it was the most exciting thing about professional wrestling was everybody in
2: there at once. And the <laughs> as a kid, you didn't even realize the limitations that caused as far as like, there's not enough room to do all those fancy moves, but it didn't matter. <laughs> no, it, it was like input overload
3: sensory, just yeah. so exciting. Cause you could look at you know, any one of a, you know, a dozen confrontations going on, you know, That's it, right. It, yeah. it's just, it was so wild. And we got a lot of great battle royals here in Winnipeg as a kid. You didn't necessarily see full length main event matches right. on the wrestling show that we watched all star wrestling featuring the greatest from Germany, <laughs> France, <laughs> Japan, Mars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, um, It was something else. Yeah. And particularly, like, the the main thing about these AWAs, battle roles that I'm talking about that has in common with tonight. Yes, that's right. Hogan and Andre. Yes. And I'm talking about Winnipeg. That's right. They, these things happened here. And you can now go and have a good time googling Winnipeg Battle Royals and you'll see the superstars, like the biggest names. That's right. We're here in like 82 and 83 and, you know, and then Heenan family was there too. That's right, That's the other thing. I mean, of course, I mean, it's the Hogan Andre
2: and Bobby Heenan. That's right, I love the idea of like a team within a battle royale. like you'd have all these individuals and small groups, like maybe a tag team. But then if there was a cluster of three or four or five guys that were working together, I liked the concept of that, you know, like that it was right now I was patero actually ran with the Sheikh, but he was with Heenan at times, okay. yeah he moved around a bit all right. you're right. he was both, but there was definitely times when he was just with Heenan and part of the Heenan family. Uh, but there certainly was a stretch there where he was, you know, Sheik Patera. <laughs> right. But
3: the main thing in those days was that, uh, and and what we love, is was that Heenan had the gold.
2: Yeah, that's right. Heenan was like the manager of champions and... and- his men were victorious more often than not. It just never happened for yeah, him. Yeah, in the WWF, there's few moments. There oh, are. Like, there's a couple. We can point to a few. But I mean, when you look at the body of work, he's on the losing end almost all the time. Poor so, not.
3: especially when we look at JJ Dillon. You yeah, know, yeah. JJ's or, had it
2: everything. <laughs> that's right. They just had so many. Or even Jimmy Hart. Like I was so jealous of Jimmy Hart in in terms of Bobby Heenan. Like, you know, Good point. this just this era we're in right now, like Jimmy's gonna have two of the three belts That's and wild. Heenan's got none. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> why did, why was Jimmy the manager of champions when Bobby was clearly like Jimmy's great and we've we've gushed all over his abilities and you know the excitement he can bring, especially when he even gets in the ring and wrestles. Yeah, and, actually I
3: you know, check out the mid south for his finest in the ring yeah, work, yeah. I think, is and with Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Like such good comedy bits, Jerry Lawler, yeah, Andy Kaufman and Jimmy Hart. And <laughs> know, I mean, I, I I think
2: I've only scratched the surface. That's right. So, you know, I, I look back to, as you mentioned, like, AWA would have battle royals. For me, that mainly meant the weekly promo, local promo talking about the battle royal happening, and then that, that sacred little clip we would get on the show where they might show the end of the battle royal. I certainly saw that many times, you know, Hogan and Andre were taking on the world. (laughs) It's like everybody versus Hogan and Andre, and the AWA was kind of famous for, I think it was December, I could be wrong on that, it's not really important, but they kind of had a time of year where they would run a series of battle royals, like they'd literally take their show on the road, and basically take a battle royal to every, every major AWA town, Right. and that's when they they would always do that at the time of year when they had Andre, because they didn't. Andre wasn't there 12 months here, Andre was mm. there here and there. As a little kid, Andre was always there in my mind, but in reality, he was actually only in the AWA for small spurts here and there, right. but... They would base, or him being there around, you know, having battle royals and stuff like that. Right. And it felt like the Super
3: Bowl, because we liked wrestling, but when the battle royal happened, it it, it it was on another level.
2: Yeah, it just was very, sort of like, anything can happen, and can you, you know, can, can you keep up? Can your eyes keep up with everything you're seeing on the screen? And, you know, and all the things that are happening. And it it became, they became sort of maybe passe, I guess, but I don't think today they're really able to create a lot of magic out of a plain Jane Battle Royal, but... Um back in the day early 80s it was like they were super great.
3: Yeah, I can certainly remember seeing a tag team battle royal and King Kong Bundy was there as Boom yeah, yeah. Boom Bundy. That's right. I, I only, said that, yeah. yeah, I think we covered this on the show. Tiny bit, yeah. And he teamed with Jerry Blackwell. Yeah. And uh, I think they were quite
2: near the end. I forget the finish, but the Road right. Warriors were there. Yeah, I've never watched the video, but I came across it and I always mean to watch it, but it's like yeah, there's a lot of very big name tag teams whether it be really established tag teams or just two really awesome wrestlers put together as a tag team. Like it was, it was an impressive list, and this was like a Winnipeg card too, like one of these yeah. Winnipeg AWA cards. So I remember
3: being there. I guess I was like twelve or thirteen, and I was like, "Come on, Boom Boom!" <laughs> cheering for Boom
2: Boom Bundy. That's right. So then when I get into the WWF Battle Royals were like the WrestleMania 2 Battle Royal, the WrestleMania 4 Battle Royal. The early Coliseum tapes had a handful of Battle Royals on them. So those are the Battle Royals that I got to see like basically beginning to end. They often especially the Coliseum ones would be edited a bit, but you would at least get a flavor for it, you know, in the, the you know one of the one of the classic jinks they would pull is uh, a Jimmy Hart a Bobby Heenan or somebody like that would be in the battle royal but right off the bat they'd sneak out and they'd hide under the ring right <laughs> you know for like a good chunk of the match okay <laughs> that way they'd be around at the end <laughs> yeah
3: so battle royals have always been a special event yeah.
2: And so this is the first one on Saturday Night event and the first one for our show. (laughs) So we'll be pretty clear here. There's a lot going on. There's no way we could even, we'd be here for like four and a half hours if I tried to like make every mention of every little punch and kick and who's tussling with who. So just try to keep track of kind of the main things that are going on, the main storylines they're trying to get across because there's some feuds that are happening within this ring including the big feud but there's also it's interesting the way like when they switch camera angles how quickly things change like you know one moment two guys are punching each other and the next moment they're teaming up on somebody else or you know like or someone's like you see someone wrestling with somebody and five seconds later they're wrestling with someone completely different and so it's you don't know how much it's been edited I think it's more just the fact that they they switch from one camera to the next and it just takes that long to sort of turn around and engage with somebody else right so having said all that, the first half of any
3: given battle royal, nobody can do anything aerial, right? (laughs) No, no, not much. You know, you can't
2: (laughs) be doing hip tosses. You know, you you, you can't even really do drop kicks. Yeah, wrestlers always talk about a battle royal as being the most dangerous, and not because of anything other than the fact that you can't, account for where everybody else is like you can in a normal match and someone could fall on the back of your leg and like you know break your ankle or twist your knee or something like that by accident right so that's what they mean they don't you know when they say like they 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 make it sound like oh it's the biggest ass kicking worst thing to be in but the reality is it's just it's it's more like it's dangerous in an accidental kind of way absolutely yeah Yeah,
3: you know injuries you know twist a knee or an ankle everybody who's tried a little bit of sports or yeah can understand (laughs) yeah it's not somebody necessarily who slams into you, you know, yeah, and yeah. is trying to hurt you? That hurts you.
2: So here we go. We got a, a we got a screen overlay that has a, all the names of all the wrestlers, and apparently no particular order, other than that. I think it is ends up being the order that they come to the ring in. So we see that there's about uh, well, actually, let's go over the names first. So I did the math. There's ten good guys and ten bad guys. Ah, which I didn't think was the case, and I'll touch on that in a second. But at any rate, here we go. Hill Billy Jim, Cowboy Ron Bass. Sika, the Wild Samoan, The Islanders, that's Haku and Tama, Leap and Lanny Poffo, Hercules, The Natural Butchered, Reed, Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, we love him, Billy Jack Haynes, Coco Beware, Nikolai Volkoff, Black Jack Mulligan, the Bunkhouse Master, <laughs> he's yep. here to throw everybody out. Come to work as you are, Dave. That's right. Demolition, which is Axe and Smash, of course. And this is, this is one of my earliest memories of them. I saw their debut on TV. I saw the Rex demolition. but And in my mind, this was still the Rex, de- you know, this was still Moondog Rex demolition here, but it's definitely not. It's nope. definitely smash. It's definitely Barry. So our memories betray us. Honky Tonk Man, the Killer Bees. And they were in the WrestleMania Two Battle Royale, so they, they seemed appropriate to be, you know, in this match. Well, he,
3: Brunzel, would have been in those beauty AWA ones. AWA ones, ones too, yeah, was, yeah. he was top two. Yeah, it'd be
2: like, at the end, it would be like, High Flyers and Andre on one side of the ring, and like, you know, 10 villains on the other side. <laughs> right.
3: So yeah, Brunzel was really prominent, you know, Heenan, Andre, Hogan, Jim Brunzel, all these guys tonight yeah. were in the AWA. That's right. Exactly. Jesse! Yeah. On the mic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, but we're, it, but in Winnipeg, this. he was in the ring. <laughs> right. Yes, he would have been. He yep. had those great matches with the High
2: Flyers, Adrian Adonis and Jesse Ventura. So, of course, I yeah I mentioned the Bees, Andre the Giant, and, of course, our champion, Hulk Hogan. 20 men in total, and we see there's about seven men in the ring. Now, before we move ahead here, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't put Harley Race in this in this Battle Royal, and that we didn't switch up that Jake match. I think Jake should have wrestled Kamala, and I think Bundy should have been in this Battle Royal. It would have been one of the only times in this era where you actually put the Heenan family together and actually had them do something and right. what uh, and Bundy could have represented like this roadblock for for you know Hogan to get Andre and as much as you know heenan saying hey you're you're gonna hide behind all those wrestlers the reality is is he's using the heenan family to beat up hogan you know to sort of soften him up for Andre so I would have loved to have seen something something around that and that means you also could have replaced somebody else and put junkyard dog in here you know dog and and race could have been in there as part of their feud hogan could have had his buddy his his JYD Right. So anyways, but I won't complain about the star power because that's the thing that this battle royal has over most of the other ones we're talking about is like really good star power. Like you're starting with Hogan and Andre, you're already tippy top. And then there's, you know, some, you know, obviously some, some big names in here. So the next person we're going to see coming out of the ring is Orndorf. All these people have no music. So they're, you know, they're coming out one at a time, Billy Jack Canes, Hercules with his chain, but now we got to go backstage because Gene is with the giant and Bobby Heenan, and he's t- talking about how Andre has won more Battle Royals than any other man, and that's what I remember as a kid was Andre. Yep. If he was in a Battle Royal, he won it.
3: <laughs> that's it's it's so easy to tell the truth.
2: Yeah, that's right, and they're really pushing the narrative, you know, McMahon of the uh, and Jesse the, you know, the fifteen years undefeated, and how for three years, you know, you've been ducking this man and all this stuff. That's you know Heenan's line, of course. Heenan says, as I mentioned, Hogan will try to hide behind all those other wrestlers, and that's when Gene asks, "What about it, Andre?" And of course, I don't know why, Andre's not allowed to talk in this air at all. He just says, Hogan, I want you. And he points like he's uh, Uncle Sam or something. And that's as much as you're going to get out of him. And then Mean Gene throws it back to Jesse and Vince. And Jesse's got a great line. He's like, how come that little creep never throws it to me? (laughs) Yeah. So good. I love it. So now we're, you know, there's more wrestlers in the ring, Coco's in the ring, Demolition are entering, we see Jimmy Hart coming out with Honky Tonk, the bees jog out, and then of course we get that red sparkly jacket of Bobby Heenan, he's coming to the ring with Andre the Giant, and this is sort of the debut, I would say, of his, that singlet look for Andre himself. Now he wore it as part of the machines, but I think this is the first time we, I can remember or could find in anything we've been watching that we've seen Andre since he's come back, that he's wrestling as himself. And he's got the single strap, you know the. Yeah, the machines he had
3: full length pants. On, that's right. Like yeah. tights
2: yeah. And this is a singlet without legs. That's right. So it's this is the first time we see this particular look. He's got some back support on that. They're that's right. Trying that's to why. He, yeah, I think that's why he started wearing it for sure. We get that awesome visual where the camera is behind Andre as he's coming out and it just by the way they film it because I think they're slightly behind him filming up and then it just makes him look like he's like four stories tall <laughs> and just so wide and everybody else looks like an ant around him so he just looks so big it's, it's such a good way to do it and through this out throughout this McMahon is weaving a tale of resentment and jealousy for Andre of Hogan and what it really means what it's, what's really behind this and you know maybe Andre was a bad guy all along <laughs> all those years of him being a fan favorite mean nothing so of course finally the only one gets the music is Hogan so his music blares and out comes Hogan he's biting on his headband but without the pirate look his eyes not covered it's just uh, yeah, it's just up on his forehead nobody yank proof yank proof nobody his can that yeah. headband <laughs> so Hogan heads rounds to the stairs and this is an you know, iconic moment he goes to head up but he looks up and Andre's blocking his path yeah, Andre's standing cool over him and it's neat when Andre got in the ring essentially all of the other wrestlers shifted to the other half of the ring. So it's like, and then, so finally Andre is having to stare down with Hogan and he finally steps back and waves Hogan in and he lets Hogan get in the ring. And then he steps into the middle of the ring. So now everybody, including Andre is on one half of the ring and Hogan's like, you know, lone man, (laughs) all alone, obviously very orchestrated. I'm sure they told everybody to do that. It's pretty funny. And I got to see our our fit, you know, a good ref, John Bonello, he was like right at the post there waiting for uh, Hogan to get in the ring.
3: That's right. I wonder if this is his first Saturday night's main event or did we mention him?
2: Well, we just, we knew him from like the big event and we of saw course. him on some of the uh, other stuff we watched, but I think that was more like a but now match we're on, on time or we're something. We're on Bonello Watch, so I mean, on, this yeah, might yeah. be his, uh,
3: <laughs> his main event debut.
2: Maybe, it could be, yeah. Now that we're fans of John Bonello. For sure. So Hogan rips off his shirt and the bell rings. But there's sort of like this anxious moment of like what's going to happen between Hogan and Andre. So unlike normal battle royal, there's this little delay, a little moment of silence. And there's the big standoff and stare off between Hogan and Andre. And Andre starts to step towards Hogan and Hogan's starting to shake. He's starting to hulk up before there's ever a, you know, even a match. And just as they're about to fight... And I remember this, like, I wouldn't have, have ever have had to watch this again. I remember this clear as day, just as they're about to go at it. Paul Orndorff comes flying in with his running forearm and nails Hogan. It's so great. Yep. And the bad guys swarm Hogan yeah. and the good guys swarm Andre. Yep. <laughs> and and it's like, he's just like, you know, Coco and everybody got their arms around him. It's just such a good look.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I watched it. I must've had it on VHS tape and, uh, yeah, uh, Orndorf flying in there. It's yeah. like deja vu because I watched it so many times. It's great.
2: That's right. yeah, I love it. So yeah, there's just this massive bodies. So we got Orndorff, Hercules, and Hunky Tonk Man, triple teaming Hogan. I just love the look of that. Like, you know, he's getting beaten down to his knees with the three of these guys pounding on him. You can see in the background, Andre is grabbing Mulligan and Coco to smash them together. And Ron Bass is joined in to beat up on Hogan. Now, Sika... Oddly enough, even though I mentioned there was 10 good guys and 10 bad guys, the thing I noticed is Sika basically wrestles as a good guy because all he really ever does is interact with Andre. You never see Sika beating up, you know, a killer bee or an Islander or something. He seems to just be fighting Andre. So and I, I wasn't sure why that was. It was kind of odd. In my head, I thought, oh, there must have been more bad guys in the ring than good guys. And that was just a way to kind of even it off. But uh, no, it was 10 and 10. So, um, you know, his, his manager should have told him to stay away from Andre because it doesn't work out for him. Was the wizard there? You know, I didn't see him on the outside. We definitely saw Heenan and Jimmy Hart, and I'm trying to think if there was any other managers. But uh, I think Slick was out there. I saw Slick. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah. I wonder why Sika got such a short change run. Yeah. Because I can't even think who did he. Where was his heat? Who was his, his?
2: Oh, sorry, in the WWF. Yeah. He's gonna get a. He's gonna get a, a main event against Hogan coming okay. up. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, you know, he had... Um, if know, the only life stand- were that easy. What else do
3: <laughs> I want? <laughs> <laughs>
2: he had the longstanding relationship with like, you know, Vince Senior, like, you know, as part of the Samoans and everything. So I thought, you know, when I guess they just brought him back in to give him work and just, you know, run him around the circuit and let him beat up jobbers and lower card guys and, and right. you know, lose the odd feud. <laughs> okay. So Hogan's just starting to get up off his knees as he's, as he's being pounded on. But this is where Hogan finally rallies and he pushes everybody off and he starts laying out those right hands, one after the other, bang. Bang, bang, and he's knocking everybody back. And basically, at this point, you know, even guys like Reed and Butch Reed and, and Smash come in to start trying to beat up Hogan. But he's, he's he's rallying too much. He's throwing too many punches. And Billy Jack Haynes comes in there to kind of help him about. And he rakes Orndorff's eyes, Hogan does, to get him out of the way. And then surprisingly, it's not long, he lifts the honky-tonk man with his suspenders and just easily flips him over the top rope with a body slam. For the first elimination, and as a kid, I just remember thinking like, "Oh, I guess he's I guess he's nobody." Like this really like didn't look good on him, like because he'd been kind of protected on TV to this point, and he was just eliminated so easily, you know. <laughs> like, and I was like, "What what's going on here?" Like, and I didn't think anything would ever come of the honky tonk man, which of course would go on to be very very wrong. But obviously, they didn't have any real plans for him at this point. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I probably was like, good. That's, I knew oh, it. yeah, he's I hated it. him. So, yeah. He's a pony. I knew it. Get him out of there. Get him out of there. Yes. <laughs> so Reed and Ornder for double teaming. Hogan in the corner. And Andre is choking someone on the far ropes. I think it's Sika. You can't even see who it is. And he's ignoring attacks from Blackjack Mulligan. Mulligan's beside him, like hitting him. And Andre's not even looking at him. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Jesse keeps talking about like all the huge men in the ring. Dwarf yeah. by Yeah. That's right. Of course, Mulligan, uh, you know, is... Reported to have tried to fight Andre. That's what I
2: was gonna say. It's not gonna didn't go. well. Yeah, it didn't go well then, won't go well now. <laughs> so Hogan Hercules joined in on the triple team on Hogan. There's you know, they always have to keep multiple people on Hogan to try and keep him down. And I love seeing Hercules and Orndorf working together, like as a team in this for much of this battle royal. they they coordinate their attacks on Hogan for most of it. And like I said, he didn't get a lot. There's a there's a little snippet from a Billy Jack Haynes Hercules. Uh, match I think that was on one of the cards where they bring Orndorff out as an observer <laughs> you know like so that's some of the only times I can think of where like again the Heenan family didn't run around like you know as much as they were all under one manager they weren't always out there supporting each other or or you know attacking guys for each other so
3: yeah, it would have been great to see those guys have a little title run Orndorf right. and Hernandez
2: yeah yeah they both in this era you know just they were near top guys and, and look great together so more of that please so Tom of the Islanders attacks Orndorf and Hogan starts battering Hercules. So every time like an extra good guy can get in there to distract somebody, then Hogan can start, you know, throwing punches and doing good. And we see Andre throwing Sika by the hair over the top rope. It just, the camera switches to them and there's not much about it. All of a sudden face i don't know i don't even know how to describe it this is andre's go-to move in this in this battle royal is just grab you by the hair and then just lead you to the lead you to the ropes and let you jump over it <laughs> pretty much i think it's like the back thing he can't really lift people so he's right. not yes. trying to avoid that so that's and he looks so big that it looks believable that he could just grab yeah. you by the head and throw you it's funny <laughs> haku can be seen standing behind Orndorf as hogan is blasting him with right hands and he just got this look on his face like he doesn't know what to do <laughs> like he doesn't know who he's supposed to go to it's like haku hit somebody <laughs>
3: Right, Yeah, that's more than once where there's somebody's got their fist clenched and they're like, oh, no, that's a face, that's a face, that's a face. I like, I need a heel. So, someone, make right. some heels around here to punch. That's
4: right.
2: So the camera flips around and we see Ron Bass and, and Blackjack Mulligan are trading blows. And of course, we expect them to be going at each other. And Jim Brunzel's trying to lift Butch Reed over the ropes. So Andre's mugging Kill Billy Jim in the corner. He just looks like he's killing him. And as the camera pans and spins around we can see Andre with it. like it's weird because he's like I said he's just beating up Hillbilly Jim and then as soon as they like they go to one camera angle and then back to a different camera angle and now it's Andre's got a double nerve hold on Tama <laughs> like, and Tama looks so small compared to Andre like with his hands around his neck it's like yeah. it's like an elephant stepping on him or something like that and then and so it's really funny in comes Haku to the rescue so there's the colossal collection you know <laughs> at odds <laughs> and Indeed. Haku, Haku's trying to attack him so Hillbilly Jim and Mulligan move in as well and Andre could be in trouble. Like, you basically got Mulligan, Hillbilly Jim, the Islanders, like, this, whatever other guy I said, there's like five guys there. But then the Islanders just walk away. And it was like, no, no, you could have thrown him out. Like, you got to get out the big guy. How are you going to get him out otherwise? So once they leave, that allows Andre to overpower Jim and Mulligan for a double noggin knocker. And we see that Hercules is close to elimination by Hogan, but Volkov comes in and saves him. And it's not long before Haku gets that Sika treatment. We come back to Andre giving Haku the one-handed toss over the ropes. Poor Haku. I love him.
3: Yes, indeed. Well, they'll patch up their differences. That's
2: right, yeah. There's <laughs> there's time for them to work all that out later. So we got Volkoff and Billy Jack Haines are squaring off when Andre comes across the ring and he runs into, uh-oh, Poet Laureate, what is it, the Poet Laureate? <laughs> yes. Lanny Poffo. <laughs> indeed.
3: Many wrestlers are afraid to see this man across <laughs> the ring. <laughs> leaping Lanny Poffo. Well, the most notable about this, you know, exchange is the fact that uh, Poffo
2: blades. Oh, my God. He goes... Andre gives him a headbutt, but it then holds him in place. Yeah. He gives him another headbutt, and you can see it. Like, I don't know if it was a hard way or if Lanny expertly bladed himself somewhere in there, but yeah, his he's already like blood from you know forehead to nose and before he's even thrown over the rope.
3: Right, yeah, so that's got to be scary. With all those bodies around to bump you and you were trying to blade, that's Yeah, I'm wondering if it was was a hard way.
2: Maybe Andre accidentally headbutted him too hard. Could be, you know, we see a lot of uh, blood. I can't see them planning to do a blood job like this. They were really, you know, on Saturday night event. On the other hand, they had the stretcher. Yes,
3: so they were really, you know...
2: They wanted to sell this. They wanted to sell yeah. this Andre headbutt as being like, you know, a car wreck.
3: So that makes the, you know, the intentional blading seem likely because they had a stretcher when Lanny gets eliminated, which we, of course, that's what happens after he takes these, you know, whether we said it or not, indeed, two big headbutts and he's on the apron bleeding profusely. And then, you know, the stretcher guys take him out and he's just like clutching him, is clenching his fists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind well, of he almost... He just looks so injured. Fetal yeah. position practically. yeah.
2: Yeah, it's interesting when they carry him off. He's like he rolls over on his side, which somehow makes him look even more injured than if he was just laying on his back. <laughs> yeah, very convincing. I was yeah, like, they wow. really do a close up to get in right in yeah. there, and I'm like, that's why I'm surprised. I'm like, I'm surprised they wanted to put all this blood on on Sirens Man event, but hey, we'll take it. It it gives it adds the flavor to to the battle royal. Right. Well, ten thirty on a Saturday night. I guess different. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's, that's, that's an excellent point, yeah. Uh, you know, once we see that happen, Tama comes off the second rope to the back of Billy Jack Haynes' head. So we got a good guy attacking a good guy. I thought that was, you know, worth noting. And Andre and Mulligan are squaring off again. But, you know, the cowboy can't win the fight in the ring or in real life, as Jeff mentioned. Right. <laughs> Andre's looking for that plate glass window to throw him yeah. to. <laughs> Crash. Send him to the hospital, then send him back to the bar. So a group of heels have Hogan tipped over the ropes as they do it typically in a battle royal. You get a bunch of guys to like hold a guy up while he's holding onto the ropes with his hands, kind of resting his back against the turnbuckle. Rest that's hold. kind of a little rest spot where they yeah. kind of hold him there and make it look like they're struggling to throw him out, but they're really actually just cautiously making sure they don't throw him out because that's yeah. not what's supposed to happen. <laughs> So it's really funny, he's, Hercules is engaged in this Hogan lift and he's, his hands are all tied up. So Brunzel comes over and is taking free shots at Hercules because Hercules can't defend himself. So I love that. And Brunzel makes me laugh a couple of times in this. He's pretty good. We see Ron Bass comes over and he's getting some free shots on Hogan while he's being lifted up. Uh,
3: but he's bigger than I thought, Ron yeah, Bass. Yeah, oh, he's a big guy. I, yeah. I didn't realize that until he was standing next to Butch Reed and I was like, ooh, he's bigger than, he's like taller. Yeah,
2: yeah thicker, much thicker. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Not not sculpted, but yeah, very. Much, he's bigger than I thought.
2: So Andre's got this big choke on Mulligan going and he's just choking him out on the ropes and uh, B. Brian Blair comes in to help him out. And it's really the first time I kind of noted B. Brian Blair even being in the match. I kind of did never see him. He was kind of behind people the whole time and Andre just throws him away, just shoves him, just gives him a shove and he just pushes him like across the ring. It looks really funny and he just keeps choking Mulligan. So Coco and Tama and Billy Dak Haynes have all come over to clear off the heels from Hogan. So Hogan's finally you know down out of that corner and you know here's where we get to see they go to outside the ring for puffle on that stretcher and that real close-up on the blood and how rough he looks. And McMahon's really funny. He says, look who Andre's picking on. He's getting all mad. He, Why didn't he pick on Mulligan? And it's like, he's been beating the crap out of Mulligan the whole match. What are you talking about?
3: <laughs> Indeed.
2: And here we go. Butch Reed and Ron Bass are mixing it up. They're throwing some punches at each other. And I was like, whoa. Just like Jeff said, the, you know, A, Ron Bass is bigger than him. And, two, and B, two heels hitting each other. So that's the neat thing about a battle royal is that we get to see different things we normally don't see in any matches. And then immediately after that, we see Butch Reed and Ron Bass double teaming Hogan. <laughs> so they go from like landing blows at each other and then like milliseconds later, they're, they they got Hogan. But this is the part where Hogan's being held open, you know, for some punches and stuff like that. Butch Reed is holding Hogan's arm so that Ron Bass can land some blows, but Hogan gives them the butt bash to break the hold. And then basically Ron Bass gets a little overzealous with his punches and Hogan's able to like duck one of those punches and essentially, like, Fireman carry backflip him out of the ring. And Ron Bass, the cowboy, is gone, mustache and all. There's a really funny spot. Blair's being beaten up on the ropes. And then someone walks away from him and without changing positions cuz he's sort of just hanging his ropes over the, his arms over the top rope to hold himself up. He just looks to his left and like Tom is being lifted up by some other wrestler to be thrown out. So Blair starts putting his hand on his leg to help him like lift him up but without actually like, you know, turning his hips or his shoulders. Like it's this he's like, "Here, I'll I'll lift one finger." Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. It was really funny. I'm like, "What do you Sounds doing? heelish. A little bit. Yeah, there's there's moments where you see good guys and bad guys trying to throw each other out. So Demolition are in one corner and they're double lifting Hillbilly. But uh, one of the bees has managed to get in there and, you know, in for the save. And as we flip, Andre is hip-tossing Mulligan out. Get that window over there so he can crash through it.
4: Hmm.
2: No bunko champion tonight for our cowboy, Blackjack Mulligan. He's gone. So Andre then is headbutting his former machine partner, Axe, beating up the superstar. <coughs> and Hulk is punching Volkov, who just looks completely out on his feet. So Hogan easily, fireman, carries the Russian over the ropes, and it's great. He does like a little cartwheel. He uses his cartwheel skills to get out of there. He puts his hand on the apron as he's going over and lands perfectly on his feet. He literally looks like he's doing a cartwheel. Who? Volkov. Ah, right. (laughs) The master of the cartwheel.
3: So Andre threw out big machine, and then he goes after super machine.
2: That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All the machines are getting it.
3: Blackjack was big machine.
2: That's right. So Blair eats two massive headbutts from Andre and is tossed out just really easily out of the ring. Another one gone. And so Coco decides to try his luck with the giant. It just looks so ridiculous. He runs up and it's like he's hugging his leg, you know. Yeah.
3: (laughs) He's like, You weren't invited to this party. Go on. Shoot. Here's the door. No wrestling hold. You know, just like,
2: Yeah, go, go, go. (laughs) Orndorff and Herc are just expertly double teaming Hogan in the corner, doing all their great strikes and, you know, just signature stuff. Hogan's looking really beat up, and he's lifted in the corner by Heenan's men. So Brunzel comes in from off camera, and this is the spot that just really popped me. So he comes in, and he grabs Hercules' hair, and he starts pulling Hercules off of Hogan. He's trying to peel him off of Hogan. And then these unbeknownst, like these hands, who we don't know who they belong to, I think it might be Butch Reed, they come in and grab Brunzel's hair, and they start pulling him off. And the look on Brunzel's face, he does the greatest, like, oh! Like, you know, <laughs> it's super right. funny. I just love the camera work of it and just the way it's all framed. It's hilarious. So Hogan kicks out of this whole situation in the corner, gets these guys off of him, out of the grap- grasp of Bobby's goons who've been beaten on him. And Andre's ramming the heads of Haynes and Hillbilly together. So Heenan's men, you can see that somehow they again have gotten the advantage on Hogan and they whip him from diagonally across the ring to the other side. And this is it. The moment we've all been waiting for. This big collision. Between Hogan and Andre, which sends Andre staggering back into the corner. And Hogan, as beat up as he was, immediately like wakes up. Someone gave him smelling salts. He's ready to you know he's standing tall, ready to go. And so finally, after all this time, and you can see even some of the wrestlers stop fighting and they're watching like they're fans. Like they're like, oh my god, these two guys are gonna fight. So Andre goes and raises that big right hand to try and hit Hogan, and of course, it's blocked. And then Hogan starts landing right, one after the other. And then Coco Beware jumps on Andre for some reason. So Hogan keeps punching him. And Andre shoves Coco out of the way. And there's about one more punch. And then a swarm of heels and a swarm of good guys get in to break up the action. So you have Orndorff and whoever else beating up Hogan. Andre's being distracted by his guys. But Hogan gets the advantage. And oh, the part I didn't like, Mr. Wonderful gets lifted into the body slam position and tossed over the top rope by Hogan. For you know, I guess to give Hogan like this really signature important elimination, I was kind of always like too soon. He should have been. Orner should have been in. Yeah, Orner should have been in the end. Like you could argue Orner should have won this thing. Like there's all these different things you could say, you know. But but yeah, it was too bad. But I guess it was a way of giving Hogan something, make him look good. So just as Hogan vanquishes, you know, one of his greatest ever foes, the giant comes from behind and signature stuff right in the middle of the ring, grabs Hogan from behind, rams that giant head into the back of Hogan's head and he just sells it like he's been destroyed and it's a hand on the trunks and hand on the back of the neck and he just basically guides Hogan and tosses him over the ring and someone says like so much garbage.
3: (laughs) Unforgettable. Yep. I certainly can picture it every, every move.
2: Yeah. So Hogan's out. Andre takes a moment to look at it and then kind of just does this gesture where he just kind of shrugs with his two hands like done with you yeah enough of you
3: really awesome yeah, yeah.
2: and what a great way to set up like Wrestlemania 3 is their encounter is despite the fact that there was other people involved didn't look good for Hogan you know like no because in really, my pants like I have to agree with you very easily Dispatch yeah. to the champion it really opens the door to the idea that like Andre can beat Hogan because yep. he just Absolutely. manhandled them. Well,
3: Flair wins a belt in a Battle Royal, well, the Royal Rumble, yeah, but course, it yeah. still is a Battle Royal. Yeah, just makes you think, if Andre can do that, he could be the champion. All he needs is a Royal Rumble championship That's right. match. Yeah. <laughs> and then he can win it without needing two Hebners.
2: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So they go to commercial and Hogan's being escorted to the back by a bunch of referees because he's insisting that he's going to get back in the ring and fight again. And Andre's, you know, in the ring, looking at him, talking to him, going, yeah. and it's great because, again, Coco, I don't know what he's thinking. He comes up behind Andre and he's kind of hugging his, like, you know, his hip. And it's like, Andre doesn't really move much, but he just kind of like one elbow, quick, low, short back elbow and, like, <laughs> and Coco just goes flying. And then what I didn't expect to happen in this match, because you kind of think at this point, well, we know who's going to win now. So Andre turns back to the middle of the ring, and Jim Brunzel comes flying out of nowhere and, like, tackles him and jumps on Andre and essentially knocks Andre over, which I don't think was supposed to happen. I think Andre lost his balance. But Andre manages from that position as Brunzel hits him to spill Brunzel over the top rope and uh, eliminate our AWA favorite. But now Andre's like down on the mat. He's like down in the ropes, kind of almost all the way down to the mat. And he's like vulnerable. So Hillbilly Jim and a bunch of wrestlers come in, including Hercules. And they like, it takes a little while, but they very carefully twist and rotate Andre over the top rope so he can get down onto the apron on the outside and lower himself down and land on his feet. And they eliminate him. And I was just shocked because remember when I said how like they let Sheik win that bad, the the Legends Battle Royale because he couldn't take the bump on the you know to eliminate right, him so it's like we yeah. gotta let him win. I kind of thought that with you know, with Andre like to not risk his back like why not make him just win this thing.
3: I suppose yeah.
2: But it was neat that he did because then it it kind of all of a sudden then it was like well now what's gonna happen because <laughs> now that the now that the two favorites are out now now we don't know what's you know what's gonna go on. And it's really great when when Hogan's getting eliminated, McMahon has this sort of totally epic, like, no, like, you know, like it's seeing his house burned down or something.
3: Stock price falling.
2: Yeah. And I don't understand why Hercules wasn't helping him. It's just really strange that he kind of, at one point he sort of just doesn't, he's kind of neutral, but at the beginning he's actually, seems like he's trying to push Andre out and it's like, Shouldn't you be pulling guys off? <laughs> like, I thought you guys were a team. Come on. So once we get past this, things really pick up from here. So we very quickly see Hercules firing Tom over the top rope. He really just throws them and he goes flying over the top rope. And at that same moment, Hillbilly Jim dumps Axe over the top. And we're picking up the pace here. We're going quick. So Hillbilly Jim is measuring smash. He gives him a few punches, but he overextends on one of those punches. And it's ducked. And Smash is able to back body drop Hillbilly Jim out of the ring, eliminating our country boy. So now we got Coco and Reed. They're kind of heating up their WrestleMania three feud. And Billy Jack Haynes is watching on as like Hercules and Smash are, you know, jawing with Hillbilly Jim from the outside. You know, I don't know, they're yapping at him and stuff like that. So Reed looks like he's setting up Coco for the elimination, but instead he just whips him to the ropes. And there's a duck and Coco has managed to turn around and drop kick Butch Reed in the back and send him over the top rope to eliminate him. Crazy. Add some you know, fuel to their, their, uh, feud for WrestleMania three. So we're down to a, a, final four and Heenan's leaning in, t- talking to Hercules, telling him, don't trust anyone. He's is what he's telling him. So the two bad guys we got are Hercules and smash and our two good guys are Billy Jack Haynes and the unlikely Coco beware, the small man making it right to the very end. So smash charged at Haynes to eat a boot and Hercules and Coco lock up. But the Greek God just quickly beats him down. He's just totally punishing him. Just killing him with the kicks and knees but Haynes comes over very quickly to Coco's rescue and because he's just being destroyed. And the crowd is hot for this. When Billy Jack Haynes starts punching like Hercules, you notice like, the crowd really fire up. They really want Billy Jack Haynes to beat up Hercules. Smash cuts Haynes off, allowing Hercules to almost dump Coco. But again, Haynes fights his way free and breaks that up, saves Coco again, but smashes into his eyes and rakes his eyes and distracts Billy Jack Haynes. And Coco's up, gets his punches going, gets a bit of that... Coco beware dancing going on and stuff like that. But very quickly, just the strength of Hernandez. is too much. He lifts and dumps Coco over the top rope. So now it's two heels versus one good guy. It's a double whip and a clothesline to Portland's finest from Oregon, Billy Jack Haynes. And you see Smash kind of patting Hercules on the chest, kind of like encouraging him to get up and help him throw Billy Jack Haynes. So they're just beating on him for a little while, but 30 seconds, several blows, Really beating the man down, and here we see Hercules, the ring general. Apparently, he's instructing that there's going to be this big something. I don't know. He's flexing, he's showing smash. I don't know if it's clothesline or what he's saying.
3: Yeah, you do the drop over, yeah, drop, yeah. you know, that'll <laughs> really fool him, so, you know. Yeah. Drop under, and then he won't know what's going on.
2: So Hercules does an Irish whip, and then inexplicably does a drop down, which I don't know what that was supposed to do. <laughs> Befuddle. And Smash is waiting for Billy Jack to. <laughs> Supposedly do something to eliminate him. I'm not sure what that would be, but well, he's see, waiting I for him. I drop down, you see. Yeah. And then, um, well, you see. But Billy Jack Haynes manages to sort of counter this and just run through Smash with this like sort of clothesline that actually puts Smash all the way over the top and out and eliminates him. And Hercules is unaware of this. So he turns around stunned to see his biggest arch rival waiting for him. And again, the crowd's super excited now. We've got a WrestleMania three, you know, finale here. So they start going at it and Billy Jack Haynes has the advantage, but Hercules does rally. He's not like he's not totally gonna chicken shit it. He starts getting in his blows. But Billy Jack certainly is on, you know, has an advantage. He's got Hercules up against the ropes. He's giving him chops. He's giving him punches. And then our man, Bobby Heenan. He's gotta do his work. He's gotta get to work here. Yeah. So he jumps up on the apron and Billy Jack Haynes is like a dog seeing a squirrel. <laughs> He's like, as soon as he sees Heenan, yeah. he not only does he go over to get him, but he like lunges over the top rope, diving at Heenan, taking his own feet off the ground. Right. So Hercules is able to come along and easily just give Billy Jack's feet a little flip and out goes the jerk. <laughs> Billy jerk is out and Hercules Hernandez is the winner and I'm going to say it right here. This is the biggest win of Hercules' career in in the WWF. Like it's the most, it's the biggest visible win he ever has. Yes, I will not contest that. I love some of his stuff with like power and glory and whatnot, but I can't, you know, got to say, because this is just, this battle royal is so important. Look at all these guys that were in here. like, any, yeah. But yeah, I don't know why it was smash. Why couldn't that have been Orndorff? Why why wasn't it? Also, you know, why wasn't there the $50,000 paycheck,
3: you know, that oh, they're always yeah, you, yeah, they didn't usually really get into that. that was hey? a, yeah. know, often the storyline well, is the winner course, receives a big, yeah. you know. Chunk of the change, the ten thousand,
2: the twenty thousand. They also would sometimes in the storyline say that it's like they each paid a thousand dollars to be in it, and oh, then the wow. winner winner take all. <laughs> so it'd be a twenty thousand dollar battle royal where every guy paid a thousand dollars to That's be in hilarious. it. Hilarious. Yeah, it's like gambling for wrestling. <laughs> wow. So yeah, we're gonna. Ta- you got to hear it. I love. There's a. They very quickly they show you some stuff from them, the, some replays, but they very quickly go to the back and Mean Jeans with Andre, but. Bobby Heenan comes in right away And he is fired up This is like Heenan on Piper's Pit When he's mad about Orndor firing him Like That's how like fired up he is And just like Jeff just said, Heenan never wins So Heenan finally won <laughs> Hercules won So it's so great, he's got the winner So we go to the back and we're going to get this awesome audio I'm going to stick it in here because he's just so excited And it's just super awesome, I love it
1: Giant. i cannot believe that spectacular battle royal hercules coming up the winner andre the giant your thoughts on it all i have two things to say you take eight prisoners to get andre the giant out of the ring i take only one giant to get art organ out of the ring now wait a minute andre i'm gonna take we it Bobby we Eden did I... it
0: we won the battle royal we did it andre <laughs> i told you i was gonna do it i told you i was gonna do it and we did it you know what amazed me out there like he says, eight eight of the toughest wrestlers on earth to get him out of the ring one giant one giant took hulk hogan through that three hundred and some pound big pile of blonde garbage out of that ring to the cement floor the whole match from the start of the match till the time he was ejected hogan hit and you hit well dummy you hit behind every tough man in the world but he walked through them all he waded through that mass of humanity and when he put his hands on your busted up carcass you went out of there your eta was about four seconds and like i said this man 15 years undefeated is going to remain undefeated and by god he is going to become the next heavyweight champion of the
1: world let's go team effort i guess you'll have to say for bobby heaton andre the giant i thank you very much vince i don't know what i could
2: tell you back to you i just love how fired up bobby Heenan is <laughs> he's all disheveled his hair's all sweaty he's just yelling up a storm
3: that's fantastic. Normally, uh, Heenan has always been in the companies where the, he's just always got the short end of the deal. I always wondered, like, how come he doesn't have J.J. Dillon's success? Exactly. You know? In the AWA, he had uh, Bockwinkle. Yeah. So, um, and he
2: had tag title runs and different yeah. people. And I mean, he did have a couple of belts here and there in, in the WWF, but he just, they should have given him more. Absolutely.
3: So it's a rare victory celebration, uh, and Andre's well spoken. You know, right. like, yeah. you know everything. There, he doesn't stumble and stammer like you know a lot of wrestlers. You know, can flub. Even Hogan will sometimes. You know, <laughs> put a word wrong. And Ultimate Warrior is complete gibberish. But he's not on the scene yet anyway. Anyway, it's it's fantastic. And and what I like best. Well, I'll say that because. Uh, but the, it's the last thing that he says that I like um, the best. But and I also love how Andre's like, yeah, he's all about the team.
2: That's right, yeah, yeah, we won. <laughs> yeah,
3: and he doesn't have a hint of caring that it was yeah. he was eliminated. And he apparently
2: doesn't care that Hercules was kind of giving him a bit of a push to get him out of there, too. <laughs> like, yeah, now, all the better to overlook that. Hercules better hope that Andre doesn't watch the replay. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. So my favorite part is that Heenan pledges that Andre
2: will, by God, be the next champion of the world. <laughs> and he's right. <laughs> that's right. It's another promise he gets to keep. That's right. Hulk, uh, Andre it will be the next. It happens slightly differently than he's uh, imagining. <laughs> Unimportant. Physicality. <laughs> that's
3: right. He makes a claim, and he said it was good. I said what we we're going to do it, and we did it. So then Hul- <laughs> says there, Andre the Giant, by God, will be the next heavyweight champion of the world, and it's true. Won't be a very long run.
2: No. <laughs> no, shorter than uh shorter than he deserved, but uh it does set up a pretty cool story. So from that spot, that high point, we get into the graphic overlay for the Jake the Snake match. And I love the I can't remember if we've even already talked about this, but it doesn't matter. I love the graphics. You know, this is yeah. again this is the whole graphic overlay of every wrestler's got their own little logo and Jake's is cool, but Bundy's is cooler. <laughs> Yeah, well, go ahead and describe it. Yeah, so the Jake the Snake, the J and the S are sort of an intertwined snake, let's say, that make up those two letters, and that's kind of what makes up, in the rest of it's just lettering. But Bundy's is like this sort of cartoon drawing of Bundy, but... His outfit, his trunks, his double straps, they kind of become the King Kong of his name. King Kong Bundy is built into the outfit, and even the way his arms and his hands and his thumbs come down create like the notches of the letters. It's a very clever little logo.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, you spent some time doing graphic design, didn't you, Corey?
2: Yeah, I, I came out of high school and did some fine arts and later on did some, some production art and all this different stuff and found out that they paid minimum wage for <laughs> apparently having some skills and training, so kind of got away from that path because it was there's just too many people trying to do it and there was no uh, compensation for doing it, so I right. had, had to move on.
3: Well, you made a poster for me anyway. I appreciate that back in the day. <laughs> That's right. Uh, as for the match, well... The, uh, everybody's caught up to me, the genius, uh, <laughs> heel cheering young Jeff Hughes, who loved Jake. But now I look back and I realize that anybody watching that Jake Savage match, I, you know, they fooled me because... Both McMahon and Ventura said we thought the crowd would cheer for the macho man, but no, they love Elizabeth and they hate Randy That's Savage. Right. she didn't have a chance of being cheered in that match, you know <laughs> hiding behind Liz and and Jake with his deadly DDT I mean, like I was putty in their hands. Of course right. you're gonna cheer for Jake. yeah so I maybe I wasn't so special or so smart after all yeah. but
2: anyway, I was a dedicated Jake fan and, and, this, and this match gives us a little peek of his December because he has several host show matches against Kamal and Bundy. On, in December, Jake does. Yeah. So we never took a look at any of those. I didn't see any of those come up on Boston or Philly or any of those. So uh, this is, you know, this gives us a look at what it looks like. I will say something, and I'll save it for the next Saturday event, but there's, there was a move I thought I was going to see in this match, and it's not in this match, and I was like, huh? But I'll talk about that at the next Saturday's Main event. Right. Well, tonight, Jake is wearing, he, he's got a white snake
3: wrapped around his red full-length tights. Because Jake mixed it up all the time. Uh, he uh, He's ditched his hospital orderly, you know, trunks uh, yeah, right. or, or the tights, you know, that he used to wear. And uh, he's always got now some shiny spandex. Uh, but he mixes up the colors and there's always a snake raptor on one leg or both legs. It actually starts with me and Gene. And then Damien sticks his head in the frame. <laughs> and Gene jumps because he gets spooked by Damien. Jake goes on to tell Gene that we're hungry and a lot of references to just how big yeah, yeah. Bundy is and That's that they're right. going to eat him. <laughs> you know, Gene says, well, what about a little foreshadowing, actually, to the earthquake uh, Damien right, yeah. you know, storyline years later? And Gene uh, says, uh, well, aren't you afraid that uh, Damien might get squashed or, you know, Bundy will splat? And he's <laughs> like, no, 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 of course not. Um, we're going to go out there and take care of business. So Bundy doesn't get an entrance or he he didn't have music, but he's already in the ring waiting for Jake, you know, and uh, I mean, this was the headliner, the last WrestleMania, this was the top heel. So you you can tell that uh, this is Jake's on his way up and Bundy's now, you know, not in the title picture, you know, so too bad for Bundy. But anyway, the crowd is really excited as Jake makes his entrance. Uh, They're just, they're hot for him. They're super excited. The DDT has just captured their imagination like it had caught mine. So when the match starts, Jake immediately gets, gets Bundy's arm, puts him in a little wrist lock, but Bundy's so big and so powerful that even though his arm's kind of twisted and stuck straight, he can still kind of just take a step back and Jake goes with him. Yeah, and, you yeah, know? You drag him around. <laughs>
2: exactly. So he's dragging Jake around, even though he's in an arm bar. Yeah. I remember Animal doing that to Kurt Henning in a match we talked about several weeks ago. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, Kurt Henning's got control. No, he doesn't. <laughs> right. And Animal's just too big. Yeah. Bundy just basically drags Jake in and clubs him across the back a couple of times. So uh, Jake's got to get out of there. That's not going to work. Right. This battle of former Legion of Doom partners, stablemates.
3: Yeah, good point. No kidding. You know, all we're missing is Road Warriors and uh, Paul Ellering. Like,
2: <laughs> Yeah, I think Matt bourne and a couple other people are in and out, oh, okay. but uh, yeah, yeah, there's uh, something there.
3: We get another collar and elbow lockup, but Bundy's so powerful that he's able to back Jake into a corner. Only thing is, Bundy doesn't know which corner he's back Jake into. <laughs> Bundy rears back for a huge clubbing forearm and Jake ducks out of there, even though he's probably taller than Bundy. He's yes. lean. Yeah, so he sneaks yeah. under that arm and it's Jake's in the middle of the ring bundy spins around and roars. I, I love the way Bundy emotes and sells and the noises he makes he's like he's a great storyteller with his sounds and his body and his I mean like he's one of yeah. the best like as far as being yeah I, I I didn't realize how much I liked and him. like I
2: said like an 85 and stuff he's still so mobile yeah um his ability to like sort of hit the canvas and get up really quick on his feet is like actually really impressive for his size right
3: good opportunity for me to say that he doesn't go to the canvas very often that was <laughs> like right, yeah. you know the when they when they were building him for hogan nobody oh, yeah. could knock him off his feet that's right yeah he's like a wall that can't be moved exactly but but i love the way he um i like the duke of dorchester pete doherty i love the way that he growls and yells and and (laughs) and vocalizes like i I really like bundy's his face is always in it it's it's his storytelling with with you know everything yeah he's he really is i didn't realize just how good bundy king kong bundy is so so Bundy, you know, he's missed Jake and he spins around and Jake's in the middle of the ring. Yeah. But Bundy's still in the corner and he's mad because he's missed. But then Jake just like d- wags his finger and points at Bundy's feet. That's Bundy right. looks down <laughs> and then there's,
2: you know, this 12-foot boa constrictor in a canvas bag. And so Bundy scrambles. <laughs> yes. The big man Pretends to be scared it's like, it's like he realizes He's standing barefoot on coals so Yeah It's
4: great He sells
3: it so great So he scrambles And spins out of that corner Just playing it great And guess who John Bonello Yeah that's right Yeah Our new favorite ref And they never But what I don't like Is that They name every other ref In the, the damn business You know you're, you're, Hebner's name is no stranger Danny Davis Joey Morella We know all these You know Names yeah. of referees Why? What was their problem With John Bonello Why wouldn't know. they You know yeah. Say his name he's, So he's like this I
2: mean it, later on they're gonna to get to a point where they refuse to say anybody's name their Their refs have been nameless for like 20 years now or something like that right. or 15 years
3: well it stinks because we now realize how we this Benello guy's great. He's yeah, as he's good as any ta- of them. Yeah, he's very
2: talented. He's very. Really, yeah. He knows how to. He knows how to be in all the right spots so that it looks like he can't see what he's not supposed to see. and, yeah. he, and he knows how to get in, in there and grab Hogan's hair. And, and I mean, like <laughs> you know, we
3: sought this guy out because we liked him. And at the big event, he was yeah. so good. Uh, telling Orndorff he was going to kick. Uh, oh, shit, I was t- and then Orndorff's like scowling and mad, but he's just standing up to <laughs> right. Orndorff so well. Like I'm the referee. You know what I'm was like, I right, right. just. <laughs> I really think he's awesome. So it sucks that they never say referee John Bonello in between Bundy
2: and 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 Jake. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. But we're fans of John Bonello, who uh, we Corey discovered was a former NWA Tag Team Champion.
2: That's right. To my surprise.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, one day we'll go and look up a, uh, a match and and call a Bonello match. Yeah. So uh, back to the action. We get another collar and elbow between Jake the Snake and King Kong Bundy. Jake puts a side headlock on the big man, which after a few seconds, he easily pushes Jake off and into the ropes. So Jake slingshots back towards Bundy, but he sees his big clenched fist on those ham hock coming at him. So Jake <laughs> grabs the rope and he doesn't get yeah clobbered, clobbered. yeah <laughs> clobbered nice double clobbered and he's you know it's the whole outsmarting him too quick and so Bundy's like Rar! he's so mad yeah, that he yeah. can't get his hands on Jake and, and he's skillfully he to, he av-
2: snap that little twig <laughs> that's right he's skillfully
3: avoiding him um, so I love Bundy's tantrum and he's angry at John Bonello he's like Rar! he's complaining to John Bonello that he can't <laughs> get his hand. so, Jake, so John goes to the Jake hey no you know you gotta, you gotta <laughs> fight the man <laughs> come on yeah. come on come on stand up and fight <laughs> from Punch Out so uh, Jake gets a little chat. Another collar on elbow. Bundy puts an arm bar on Jake. He's got Jake controlled. So Jake starts kicking him. He's just uh, one one leg up. he just starts boot, 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 and these uh, yeah. really swift kind of like karate short kicks into his hip and his side. That until Bunny just lets go. Because... Yeah, he's kind
2: of roaring the whole time. Too. Yeah, rawr, rawr, rawr.
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, like the hippo with the the fly buzzing around his <laughs> yeah, head. He can't do right. anything. So he finally lets go of that armbar. And then, here's a bit of a silly part, and we'll give you a little bit of Jesse the Body's opinion, because Jake's going to go for a test of strength with King <laughs> Kong <laughs> that's Bundy. That's
2: right. Stupid. <laughs> hey, so, he's a good guy. He's got at some yeah, point he'll win. <laughs> that's right.
3: So anyway, insert Jesse's thoughts.
2: Jake now
1: over in the corner next to Damian. I think he's trying to sort of maneuver King Kong Bundy into
0: that corner. Well, this is a dumb move on the part of the snake. He's trying to match up strength on Bundy.
1: Again, remember the leverage.
3: Look at this.
0: Well,
1: look at that. Look at this. There ain't no leverage. That's sheer power, McMahon. Bundy, displaying enormous power. Count of two. You'll never pin him that way. Oh, yes. He could very well pin him that way.
3: They go for a knuckle lock. And Jake, you know, I don't know why he wants to do this. But by the the time they get into it, uh, Bundy overpowers him easily and presses his shoulders to the mat. Yeah, that's right. And actually he gets, yeah. And he gets a one count and then a two count. And the match could end here because, you know, Jake is on his back. He's got the knuckle lock. He's lost the test of strength. That's for sure.
2: It would have looked a bit more convincing if Bundy would have went down to one knee or something. Because the way he's awkwardly bending over to put, like, it doesn't look like he's actually got much of his force on Jake. Jake's Jake's holding himself down. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Anyway, Jake uses the same tactic as the armbar to escape. He just starts kicking Bundy like, thwap, 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 thwap. And, you know, and Bundy, of course, (laughs) sounds great until he lets lets go of knuckle lock. Jake gets back and he's got the psychological edge in the match because he's overpowered. So another collar and elbow. Bundy clubs Jake across the back and rams his head into the turnbuckle. He clubs him up on the fore uh, his chest with his forearm yeah. a couple of times and then he puts a front face lock on Jake which in Bundy's hands is a submission that's right it's so <laughs> tight over. squeezing him so hard that Jake goes limp yeah he, Jake you know he's so long and lanky he looks like a you know a big spaghetti noodle he's he's getting <laughs> choked out so we get the arm up once. And the arm up twice by John Bonello, the arm up a third time, and just as it's almost down, like the three-quarter point, no, he's shaking his fist. He doesn't spring it back up. He just starts to shake the fist right (laughs) down, like where's the three-quarters, and he's no, he's not done. Jake is going to come back from this deadly front face lock. (laughs) Jake gets back up, struggles to his feet, but Bundy clubs him, and then Irish whips Jake, it looks like Jake's going to take a back body drop, but no, it's a beautiful Ooh. knee lift. Oh, yeah, man, yeah. Jake just did the best knee lifts. Yep. They were awesome. So Bundy sells that really well. And then we get Jabs,
4: trademark.com. <laughs>
3: he gives these just really quick shots. Bam, 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 bam. Five shots. Hits the ropes. Comes in with a big right hand, and Bundy hits the mat. That's he right. drops yeah, yeah. Bundy with a punch. Yeah. Wow. Bundy's selling for Jake. And Jake's fired up, covered in sweat. He points to Damien. It's he doesn't want the win. He wants to he wants to eat Bundy. Damien. Yeah, he wants to feed Bundy to Damien. That's you know victory. So he's pointing the crowd. He's pointing at Damien. He goes for Damien, but Bundy kind of looks up and whoa, he grabs Jake's ankle and pulls him back away from Damien because yeah. he doesn't. he's scared of the snake So of uh, Damien, so he grabs Jake's ankle and pulls him back into the center of the ring so that the match can continue instead of Damien being released. The snake versus King Kong, King, <laughs> the, the, uh, the giant ape.
2: That's right. He's going to get up on the uh, top rope and start swatting down planes.
3: Heenan decides to get involved here. Of course. Yeah. He steals Damien and, and unlike oh, Savage, yeah, Savage yeah. puts Damien under the ring yeah, You because know, right. he hasn't got much time and Elizabeth's not strong enough to take, but Heenan, is, he's got the muscle. That's he right. takes Damien to the locker room and runs that's away right. and we get an ad break.
2: Yeah. And J- doesn't J- like Jake chases them to the of back. Of course. Yeah. So, I, when they come back from commercial, I'm like, and why wasn't he counted out? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, what we're witnessing is because it's a TV ad here. This is probably, I think, history's longest successful sucker chase. Because yeah. he, he goes and he gets Damien <laughs> back from Heenan. He puts that's Damien right. back where he goes, and he rolls into the ring. And as he's rolling into the ring, guess what happened? Bundy clobbers him. <laughs> it's right. the sucker chase. You, how come you baby faces are so stupid? You fall <laughs> for of the sucker chase no matter. Every variation of the sucker chase works <laughs> on good This one was good like guy. a reservation. He booked yeah, it in advance. <laughs> that's right. TV commercial and all, and it comes. Past I can, 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 you know, Bundy gets the advantage because Jake rolls into the ring without realizing the bad guys waiting for him to sabotage him. Bundy gets him and he punches him and he boots him and he puts his foot on his throat and he's choking Jake and he's squashing him and he's suffocating him. But he stands him up, Bundy whips Jake into the ropes, and then a massive clothesline. Jake just looks like he can't last much longer now that Bundy's actually starting to get the moves on him, yeah. starting to flatten him. And uh, now that Heenan has gotten involved,
2: now <laughs> Bundy
3: can shine. Bundy's taunting the crowd. He's so good. Yeah. And just the way he he can read an audience, he's got great pacing and, and, and the sense of right. flow. So I'm glad he had his run as top heel and then he had WrestleMania too. I, actually I I I am I'm starting to revise my opinion of King Kong Bundy. He's he's more of a gem than I realized. So uh he gets up real Jake's getting up real slow. Bundy floors now Bundy decides to just like take two steps and flatten them with a shoulder block. Yeah. No whips, just just like left, right, clobber. And Jake hits the ground, and then Jake's up gets up again and, and Bundy just has to walk three paces and th- Lean into him and, yeah. uh, and Jake goes down again But on the third attempt Jake st- sidesteps him
4: <laughs> And Bundy
3: goes crashing into the corner Of course and, and down Because he was really leaning into it So when Jake's not there He's like whoops And, yeah. and you know He takes a Bret Hart style crash You know Not yeah. running But just you know yeah, With all yeah. that muscle So, so Bundy's down <laughs> When he gets to his feet We get the Jake Jabs Seven punches In his speed of light Bundy goes down and now Jake gestures for Damien. Ooh. And he gets over to Damien. But the ref is like, hey, you can't. Or John Benillo Yeah, That's like, right. He's not
2: going to fall for this. That's right. His
3: so, what does John Bonello get for his law and order? It's crazy. The babyface knees him in the gut. Yeah. So, the heel <laughs> tactics are still there. You know, yeah. beating up the ref is okay, according to Vince McMahon.
2: It's kind of like the Savage uh, Snake match, you know, the ending with them both beating up the ref. You know, yeah, <laughs> like Hebner right. just gets like murdered yeah. <laughs> by them.
3: Villainously, Jake does knee our poor John Bonello, and that allows him to go for Damien, but he does get disqualified, naturally, as he should. Yeah, as he should. So Bonello calls for the bell. Um, But there's now a back and forth between, because that prevented Damien from getting released. So there's a back and forth between Bundy and Jake. Bundy actually body slams Jake and looks like he's going to, you know, the match is over, but it looks like he's going to, you know, put him out with a uh, big elbow drop. Yeah. But Jake rolls out of the way. That's right. And so when Bunny hits the the canvas, he's pretty hurt. And then Jake gets up and he signals again, but this time he signals for what the crowd really wants. That's right. The damn devastating terror. (laughs) And- They they like the snake. They love the move. (laughs) That's right. And he lands it. He he, he teased Bundy. Now,
2: minor botch. His (laughs) arm
3: slips off, you know, maybe minor mid-level. That sweaty head comes out. So it is kind of funny
2: to keep yeah essentially King Kong Bundy gives himself a DDT pretty much because <laughs> Jake's it's, already going down and he doesn't have Bundy with him anymore <laughs> yeah yeah the timing's off
3: his arm slips Bundy's off still and Bundy... still <laughs> yeah so we can forgive it because it's all just you. you it's live
2: for these people so you, you yeah, yeah, move yeah, on yeah, yeah, right yeah. it's like a video game glitch where the characters aren't actually close enough j- j- to a strike but the one does the move and the other one takes it even though they're like not close enough yeah anyway the crowd loves it yeah, they, yeah. They, well, they, most they just, people in the audience I'm sure couldn't see what happened yeah. you know the way it didn't work yeah some people probably could, but who knows?
3: And then, uh, you know, there's Bundy, you know, virtually unconscious. Yeah. So Jake is now like, now the snake. And Vincent Mann is just, you know, Hilarious. like a 14-year-old getting his hands on his first Playboy. He's just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh, I'm yeah. so excited to see the snake. What a change of pace. He is such it's- a... You yeah, know. our 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 chaotic good, he's he's, uh, he's... he's he's insincere. He's like a year ago, he's like, ah, it's disgusting. Oh, 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 disgusting. I can still hear McMahon complaining <laughs> about the snake
2: on a jobber. Disgusting. What kind of a man? Or on, on Ricky's Steamboat, <laughs> Yeah.
3: And here he's like, I want to see Damien get somebody. That's and Jesse's right. like, why don't you go in there, yeah, right. <laughs> I love it
2: because I... They, I think they have uh, Heenan. I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's yeah. a couple more spots. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah. Heenan saves Bundy from the snake.
2: Yes, he rolls. You know, he, he, quote, he taps Bundy's leg, which, yeah. which Bundy wakes up and rolls. <laughs> and yeah, he rolls him.
3: How do you roll 450 pounds towards you when you're not even Heenan. in the ring? That's he right. just puts his hand on his ankle. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like this way. So Bundy rolls out of the ring, and Jake's gonna get him anyway. Heroic John Bonello that's tackles right. Jake. That's right. To save Bundy. <laughs> so I'm waiting for the tag match next month. You know, Bundy and Bonello versus, you know, Jake and Damien. in a special yeah. cross <laughs> animal human tag match. Uh, no, I'm not. We all know I like John Bonello. So yeah, he ends up getting the snake, John. I
2: know. And the best part and of it is Vince like, is is cheering Vince it is like on. get him,
3: get him, get, get him. She's <laughs> like,
2: I can't believe you, McMahon. Yeah, it's, it's
3: pretty hilarious. So what a great match! You know, this is what I was wanting, just wanting as a big Jake fan. He, you know, it feels like he won, even though he was yeah. disqualified. Yeah, got his move off. Yeah, so great he the, match. He had the last laugh. <laughs> Love
2: it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really well done, and it sort of, st- I mean, it started in December, really, but as far as on TV, this kind of begins this trend of Jake versus. Some type of a giant. <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> you know, Bundy,
2: Kamala, yeah. Andre, or eventually Earthquake, like, you know, yeah. and, and other, and I'm sure there's others. They loved putting Jake in the ring with really big guys. Well, he was so tall. And Jake was so tall that it kind of looked like he, and he had to move. So, yeah. he, like, you know, he those, were his, <laughs> those were his, how, how could he fight these guys? Yeah. That's how.
3: Uh, with different booking, I'm sure Jake would have been my favorite wrestler of all time, you know, just not for the bad luck that that he never got his you know but also i I love Randy Savage because of his humility and his willingness to lose for the greater good, yeah as a performer also a guy with a big ego i just appreciate somebody who's like no you know put your ego aside and and like it's it's about the show right so you know now that i'm older hopefully my egos doesn't interfere with my decisions as much but but yeah savage's greatest moments were his losses and like you know he didn't care he was uh, th- so i i don't know but but um i'm not saying that uh, jake made any mistakes by uh, at any point no. that i think that like oh jake should have said i'm willing to- lose. It was bad luck that he was I kind of really wish that Vince had turned Thunderlips heel and let Jake Babyface and just see what that, you know, like Jake yeah. said, give it a try. I you can know.
2: understand why they they didn't do it, like why they, at that time they didn't uh turn Hogan heel. It makes sense why not, but yeah, they could have they could have had them wrestle. They could have had them wrestle more publicly in like a, you know, even if it was just a spin event match or something. didn't happen. Wish it did. So this we're going to go to a Heart Foundation inset promo before we go to commercial because we've got an important tag team title defense of these bastards, these undeserving champions. They're coming... To tell you they're wearing pink, That's and right. I'm probably not supposed to like that. I guess <laughs> In 1987. To... Yeah,
3: <laughs> but then again, I'm glad they stuck with it because Bret Hart made pink and black really cool. Oh, of course, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was guess, yeah. actually kind of like by '89, it was yeah. it was all the rage. <laughs> yeah, so it was awesome. What what was once maybe like a. a not cool to be shaming feminine things turned out that brett was able to masculinize and make cool something that would might have been yeah I mean, uh, he was mocked. able
2: to even go like full pink basically like he yeah. didn't just have like you know, some pink highlights he exactly. had like you know majority with his outfits were pink and he looked fucking awesome <laughs> yeah for sure it's my first time is it your first time it's
1: my first time is it your first time it's my first time it's our first time <laughs>
2: So we're back from a commercial break and McMahon's letting us know as he's talking about cheap victories. We see the highlights, the painful highlights of the Bulldogs losing those titles to the Heart Foundation. And Jesse again doesn't uh, is always protesting over any of these kind of comments. And we go to the back and it's Mean Gene is with the Heart Foundation. And it's pretty funny that the way they kind of lay it out. So Mean Gene's like the consensus is that if it wasn't for Danny Davis, the now suspended for life referee, the Bulldogs would still be champions. But Jimmy Hart ensures to avoid bad refereeing and outside interference, they've instituted a new policy an outside official observer <laughs> <Da-da-da-da-da-da>! Danny Davis <laughs> so he comes in the big hug up
3: <laughs> yeah yeah well okay just to make it clear that Jimmy Hart's got a new plan not that's the right. WWF yeah yeah you know, Jimmy you, Hart yeah, yeah Jimmy, exactly Jimmy's like, plan, yeah, so yeah. Jimmy's saying I know how to exactly and yeah. then Danny to make pers- sure
2: there isn't any outside interference a exactly. bad referee
3: <laughs> yeah yeah this was Vince, uh, Jack Tunney saying no, no, okay no, no. I'm gonna have <laughs> Danny Davis at ringside to keep things yeah, yeah. law well in order yeah sorry that's just the way you were explaining it yeah so and then yeah he b- jumps in <laughs> and all and loving the- yeah, no, it's, fucking, it's great, and uh, you hate him. <laughs> yeah, oh boy, they were so successful. Could not stand Danny Davis. I thought he had no business there. Didn't want him in the ring. Didn't want to yeah, watch yeah, him. Yeah. You know, like I Just wanted to beat up. That's right. And congrats, Danny Davis, for on the job. Well done. <laughs> that's
2: right. And Mean Gene looks all like just taken aback by this. And uh, what qualifies you?
3: <laughs> but they're. You know what? He can't bring them down. They're no, all. No, they're, no. Just, they're all having they're so much fun. fun.
2: Yeah. And Danny Davis thinks about it for a while. He goes. My proven impartiality in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just yep. great. <laughs> so yeah. they kind of laugh it up and laugh their way off the set. And we get back to the ring and we see our man, Tito Santana. He's in a dark gray. Well, did you did you skip the whole It's my first time. Is it your first time? That was yeah, the I mean, appro- That was. We already did that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah I mean, heavy innuendo. I was just, even though I was, I was a kid, I was like, is that guy losing your virginity with <laughs> the Weird ass promo. Get out of here, you yeah. stupid heart foundation.
2: Yeah. I I'm inserting that earlier, so that's why. Right, d- I'm not sure I gave
3: my full thoughts on it, but that's I was. Right. I'm sure he, whatever I said earlier, I wasn't.
2: No, no, no. We, I'm saying it hasn't been like you know we didn't talk about it because it's no? just something that's going to be added in. Yeah, d- exactly.
3: I, I, to this day, I remembered it without watching the show. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. They, they that promo. Oh, yeah. stands out.
2: It's my first time. It's your first time. Because well, we, well, the he funny he thing was was so is, mad. those things are written by NBC, like Dick ah, Ebersol or whoever else right. wrote that. You know, yeah. like
3: well, he knew how to write dialogue for Jimmy Hart. Yeah, because we were annoyed yes. that the Bulldogs weren't champions, and then this promo was like unforgettable and irritating, and like thirty years later, I still recall like the three of them there, yeah. like as if they were going on their high school date, and it's just <laughs> mad that they were the champs, and yeah, and they're wearing pink. What is it? Get out of here! Get out of here! <laughs> Bunch of jerks! <laughs> now Danny Davis, what? Hate him.
2: So they start. Oh, uh, but the, I love
3: his outfit. He's got yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We talked about the, that before. Yeah, A long tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, the, I mean, the extra like vest
2: jacket or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
3: And he's wearing like the you know the tuxedo with tails, right? Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. We talked about Grant. Grant wore tails too. Yeah, his. Yes, yeah, right. right. Yeah. That's right. To your grad. grad. Yeah. And I wore a Jake the Snake <laughs> <laughs> pirate vest and a Jake the Snake gold <laughs> snake wrap around my leg. <laughs> well, what a bunch of weirdos we are. <laughs>
2: So they do start bringing up the Tito and Danny Davis connection to the Randy Savage title switch, which of course we've you know talked we about have, before it's just we've set the
3: record straight. Yeah, Danny had nothing to do with was, that. He was full
2: on baby, baby face face ref. <laughs> ref, but it's just brilliant to like, you know, in the highlights you can see him, he's there and Rewritin'. Savage does cheat, so you that's can right. you can just put it together. So that's pretty good. So we can see Danny Spivey. So he's sort of still sporting something that looks a lot like his U.S. Express. I'd like to look. say, Tito.
3: I say, you look at him. You look at this footage, Tito. Yeah, you yeah. blame him. Look at him. He cares about you. <laughs> yeah, he tried he's, to he's, help you. He's he's, he's got your
2: <laughs> he's got
3: your life in his hands. He's looking for help. He's <laughs> he had nothing to do with that Macho Man title stealing.
2: That's right. <laughs> So my first question, of course, you know, looking back at this is like, why this pairing? And this is why I think a lot of people aren't going to remember this match is because Tito Santana and Dan Spivey as a tag team doesn't really make any sense. Give us Pedro. Yeah. And that's, you know, so here's something to sort of look at. So on February 19th, I noted the first. Or
3: Rotundo with Spivey.
2: So here's what I'm getting at. So uh, February 19th. SD Jones subs for Mike Rotundo in a match against the Islanders. Babyface versus Babyface. Dan Spivey and SD Jones in for Rotundo. So you're supposed to be US Express. And then I noticed it's one after the other after the other. Somebody subbing for Mike Rotundo in these matches with Dan Spivey. Pedro Morales is one of those guys that subs in for for Mike Rotundo with Dan Spivey. And their second match is this taping of the Saturday Main event on February 21st. That's when the Saturday Main event on March 14th, which airs March 14th, but is taped on February 21st. So they're thrown together. So that's the first thing. Was this match supposed to be the Hart Foundation defending against the U.S. Express 2, the American Express? Or because they like the Tito connection, would Tito have had a different partner? Would Tito, would they have thrown somebody else with Tito, and then Dan Spivey wouldn't have been in it if Mike Rotundo was still around? So Mike Rotundo at this time he leaves and goes back to Florida and wins the regional NWA Heavyweight Florida Championship, you know, right around this time. Okay, and is never you know until he's until he's IRS. We don't see him again in the WWF, that's for sure. So this is kind of this interesting thing of like. It's it's an odd look, the two of them. They're you know the odd odd couple, but it, it kind of works. I think this match is super awesome. I don't think a lot of people are going to remember it, and I think on paper, if you heard it, you'd be like, oh, that does, that sounds terrible. But uh, stick with it. It's it's pretty damn good. So uh, yeah, we have to hear the dragon do his inset, his breathing fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> comes up on the they're screen. Never never great, poor Ricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the match goes. So the two biggest men in the match start out. Jim and Spidey. They they're together. Dan towers over everyone. He's so tall in this match. He just really looks like awkwardly tall. You know, like yeah. he's like, how's this guy get on a plane or he he eat, just eat at a like, restaurant? <laughs> just like young Hulk Hogan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe not quite as thick. Yeah. He's, th- he's, he's a lanky tall, taller Hulk Hogan. Exactly. Taller. You think? More, Than, yeah. Originally oh, yeah Hulk yeah. Hogan in That's day? right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They list Hogan as six, eight, but a lot of people say he was only about six, six. Spivey's probably really six, nine or something like that. Woo. Yeah.
3: Wow. That's a lot bigger.
2: Yeah, he is. He's he's really tall. It's very noticeable. So Spivey takes a quick headlock, and this leads to a push-off. Anvil, uh, quicker than you think. He does a drop-down, and there's this surprising crossbody by Dan Spivey. It looks really weird. Anvil hasn't, like, almost fully gotten up, so it's like crossbody usually dive into the air. Spivey looks like he's diving down. <laughs> like he's crossbody on a smurf. <laughs> he's jumping into bed. That's right. Yeah. So uh, that gets a two count. And after a couple of more things, the sequence repeats itself. So again, Spivey takes the headlock and pushes him down, except for he switches it up this time. He, he adds in an extra drop down by rolling from his stomach to his back. <laughs> and Spivey's just like, you know, sprinting back and forth along the ropes right. until he gets caught with a clothesline.
3: Running the ropes is a lot more impressive in person, just yeah. because of all the noise in the big arena. Boom, 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 these footsteps because exactly. it's so percussive and echoing. And blah, 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 yeah. and you can almost feel it.
2: And when you hear people that train, it actually hurts to hit those ropes. Like like when you first, uh, yeah. you, have to, you have to build up sort of calluses. Like your skin gets all ripped up from doing right. it. So if you're just regular Joe Hammenegger, get in there with your shirt off. <laughs> it's like, you think this is going to be fun. It's like, no, that's, that's not going to feel very good. So Anvil, with this advantage now, calls for Bret Hart's boot because he wants to try and sp- send Dan Spivey's head into it. But it's reversed, so Anvil's eating Bret Hart's boot himself. Oh no! And then there's like a, an atomic drop, and as big as spy is, he looks like he's having a hard time lifting the you know the very thick anvil up off of the canvas, but he does it. Crashes anvil into his own corner. So he makes the tag and Bret Hart comes in and it's pretty funny. Bret Hart throws like one of the biggest right hands you'll ever see, but it's the most like completely blocked punch I've ever seen and Bret Hart is basically stuck like a glitch in a video game or something. Like he gets blocked and then he just waits and waits and waits and Spivey starts like punching him in the face over and over again and he's you know, he's not moving at all to defend himself. Good.
3: Beat the hell out of these two pink clad jerks and their little weasel manager <laughs> and Danny Davis send them packing. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you know, you get you get excited for Spivey and Tito pretty quickly. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. The crowd's with them. The crowd's the crowd's liking this. Yeah. So Spivey Spivey hits Brett a couple times, and then he whips him into the waiting punch of Tito Santana from the apron, and it's great because the momentum of hitting Brett Hart actually knocks Tito partially off the apron, but he catches himself with the rope. He's hanging onto the rope to you know prevent himself from falling off, and Brett you know crashes to the mat from that punch. It's really good. Tito is tagged in for the double team. There's a whip and a. Double back elbow. Anvil's trying to come in, but Tito's ready. Duke's up. He's he's not going to get caught. Come on. Yeah, and so Anvil chickens out. He doesn't want to. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't want to actually face Tito. Change so. my mind. <laughs> later Jesse challenges Vince at this point when they're talking over what is a legal double team and what isn't and you know you I want you to remember that, that later i remember this you
3: remember that I know they start getting into a bunch of legal kind of you know conundrums like if you guys were right it would be really boring matches <laughs> you know like, I mean to say if they you know both of them want of course yeah. it's okay when their guy does it uh, yeah. however as we've said Jesse tends to be the one who gets to make more, more matter of fact he, and like, yeah, he gets kinda... to make hay out of the fact that he was a villain wrestler Yeah, you know and it's McMahon who's always is calling and cheering the cheating. That's
2: right. <laughs> so Brett pushes Chico off of a headlock and executes a leapfrog. And he's quite like pleased with himself on this. But Tito's waiting for him and scoops him up and slams him with authority. They bring Spivey back in and they do a whip. And then Spivey does a shoulder tackle off of that Tito whip on Brett Hart. So he bounces off and just you know runs into Spivey. Looks like he just gets killed. And breaks up to two count here. And that one little forearm shot is all it takes to knock this big man down and keep him, you know, hurt. So Spivey's in trouble now, and the Heart Foundation's going to go to work. Uh, well, you, Jim had been holding his breath, you That's see, right. and just really got him. <laughs> you really got him that yeah. six foot nine, two hundred and eighty <laughs> pound guy. Brent does an elbow drop, and then a, there's a double team in the corner. Anvil switches back in with no tag when the ref isn't looking. This leads to this big scoop and neck first top rope clothesline, which looks really devastating on Spivey because he's so big so that it really, you know, it looks like it really hurts him. And then Brett slipping in a dirty kick behind the ref's back. They're getting as much cheating in as they can. There's a quick tag to Brett. He's in with some strikes and a headbutt. And then Brett delivers his famous cradle backbreaker. But again, it just looks ridiculous him picking up like this really tall guy. (laughs) Like it looks so awkward for him, but he does it. And he gets it. Now we get an awesome Heart Foundation double team move. Brett tags Jim Neidhart, who's out on the apron. And we get a slingshot in for the big splash from Jim the Anvil Neidhart. So impressive. Like, Jim was, like, quite a, you know, he did drop kicks and things, but, like, this was probably his, you know, finest bit of acrobats, yeah. you know, like... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. I always liked how the... Heart Foundation would tag and then yeah, it's kind Brett of a baby swings. face move and especially when they were good guys, you know they would get the pop for doing this. So it kind of looks funny when they were doing it as heels because it's you know it's.
3: I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, it, it plays either way. It, yeah, it's not really cheating. It's
2: uh, no, it's not cheating at all. It's like yeah, it's like look, it's, it's like look smart, how talented we are. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah.
3: You, I always, it was. nobody ever questioned their finisher, though. No, no. Hate them or not, they were yeah. like, that's a devastating finisher. Yeah, it looks, it looks amazing. awesome,
2: yeah. There's a two count off of that splash, and McMahon was sure it was over. He's, he's, he's certain it was going to be over, but Spivey does kick out. So Anvil cuts off a crawling Spivey and fires him, in, him headfirst into the heel corner in that turnbuckle. It's another tag, and Brent comes in and lands a punch, but Spivey starts returning fire. And I love it. Anvil does a great job. He's out on the apron, and he just suddenly reaches in and grabs Spivey's trunks from, you know, behind the ref. The ref can't see it, so he pulls him into the ropes to, like, that kind of allows Brett to get back on top of things. So Brett is choking him right in front of the ref, uh, and there's more turnbuckle and blows for Spivey. But again, he starts firing back on, on Brett, and he's really hurting him. But Anvil, this time from the outside, grabs Spivey's arm and just holds him there. And at this point, Tito charges in to stop all this cheating, but he has to be escorted back to his corner. Here's where we get a setup coming up for the Front elbow delivered off the second rope, the Brett rope. As you <laughs> Brett's, said. rope. Brett's, rope. Right. Brett's rope. Brett's rope. Brett's rope. Yes. As McMahon corrects Jesse that the name is Tito, not Chico. <laughs> right. Yeah, we've covered that before. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So here we get a two count. Brett uses a front face lock for a while to kind of slow things down. And Spivey is inching towards the corner. You can see he's about to make the tag. So Anvil comes in for distraction, which leads to that tease tag. And the crowd kind of pops, but you realize that Santana's not going to be able to stay in there. And Morella holds back Santana. And while that happens, the heart set up Spivey for this big shot on the ropes. So Anvil's holding up Spivey on the ropes, arms open. And Brett does this big bounce off the ropes and goes for this big, huge, high-flying knee. And Spivey dives out of the way and crashes into the Anvil. They both look murdered. Brett's all tied up in the ropes, laying upside down. Anvil's on the canvas looking all beat up. So they're all they're all quite hurt. Not Spivey. Of course. Yeah. Well, Spivey's still hurt from being beaten up. Yeah, so he's but he cr- ducked the attack. So Brett hits. Exactly. Exactly. It backfires. Totally backfires. Yeah. And yeah. now Spivey's got a chance so to. So here we go. Spivey's crawling to the corner. Anvil recovers enough to get in. And he grabs Spivey's tights. But it's not enough. The tag is made. I'm going to tell you, this is my favorite hot tag, I think, in wrestling history.
4: Wow. Like, it's
2: fucking amazing Tito Santana comes in and this isn't bottom of the card Tito Santana this isn't mid card Tito Santana this isn't jobber Tito Santana this is icy champ like should have could have been world champion Tito Santana he comes in so fired up and the crowd is so hot for what he's going to do
3: I was believing that title change oh, I, yeah. was like, like I was the, like the belt hey, should have changed hands You're yeah, like, yeah. oh
2: my god I was I believing it I was like
3: yes give them the belt give them the gold he looked
2: amazing. Yeah, and sorry, it was it was Brett going for his trunks, not not Anvil. Okay, whatever. Brett, Tito's in. on. Yeah, Tito's, Tito's in. Fire. He's on. Yeah. He's, he's fucking amazing. So they go for they go to the Dukes right away, and Brett lands like one punch, but he, he can't stand up to Tito. No. He just starts taking punch after punch in the face. So he comes in and just the crowd wants this out of nowhere. Like,
3: huh? That's but right. It's yeah, incredible. Like it's all the more special that the, there's no story, there's no heat here. So here
2: we go. Well, I guess the heat is Tito versus Danny. Tito brings Brett out of the corner for like a whip, but un- it's different. He runs with him like he doesn't let go of the arm it's like he's it's, it's like he's winding up the whip for like half of the ring instead of whipping him across the ring he runs with him and he, he whips him so by the time he lets go of Bret Hart, it's only a few steps to the corner. And I'm going to say it again, this is the greatest Bret Hart sternum first crash into the into the buckle ever. Like, there's nothing that ever looks like this. And as good as Bret does it and all those different times you've seen it, this is amazing. He looks like a crash test dummy going like 80 miles an hour into a, you know, into a brick wall. He just flies off of that turnbuckle. He looks so dead. So at this point, the heel's got to do something because, like, Tito's going to win the title right here. So Jim the Anvil Nightheart comes in. But Tito's ready for him. And he does like a three-step flying forearm and just drills him. So it's not like a full power flying forearm, but it's enough to knock Anvil out. But our special observer, he's here to like make sure that something's not going to happen. And he gets Uh, up on the apron. uh and. Tito charges over a running punch. It's not a flying forearm, but it just looks devastating. He drills Danny Davis, and the crowd is bloodthirsty for this. Like, they want Danny Davis bleeding. They want his arms broken. <laughs> they want to see him laying in a pool of blood. It's so awesome. It's not over. He picks up Bret Hart, bounces him off the ropes, bounces off those same ropes so they can meet in the middle for this violent collision, and I'm going to do it the third time I'm calling it. This is the greatest Tito Santana flying forearm of all time. It's amazing, and I think part of it's because Brett, like Brett just takes this so well. He jumps in the air, times it perfectly. He just looks murdered. So, Unfortunately, take the title, take it, Tito. Tito's just too worked up. He's too too excited. Cover him, He's too excited. And Jesse calls it right away. He's like, oh, what a mistake. You should have covered the man. So Tito signals for it and puts on the devastating figure four leg lock. And immediately, the camera follows as Jimmy Hart has handed that weasel, that jerk, I don't want to say weasel because that's Heenan, that No good. Big mouth. Big mouth. (laughs) Danny Davis, pardon me. Not Tito. Danny Davis is sneaking around the ring with the megaphone, and you can hear McMahon, get him out of there, keep him out of there. So Anvil crawls back in all beaten up, and Dan Spivey goes over and beats him up, and that distracts the ref long enough for Danny Davis to come in with the megaphone, crack Tito on top of the head, and Brett, who is beaten up as he is, rolls on top of Tito for the cheaty one, two, three win, and the Heart Foundation as undeserving as they are at this moment, remain tag team champions.
3: But what a show! Everybody involved like stepped up and put on a spectacular match. I uh, had forgotten; I, I didn't remember this being so outstanding. Yeah. But yeah, Tito lands that forearm, and you're like, "That's it! They've won the belt." Like
2: you've, we've all seen Tito send into a flying farm. That's not what this one looks like. This one it's looks a, like yeah. this one looks like he just killed him. Like yeah, yeah it looks so devastating. And this is like a six and a half minute match or something. Like this right. isn't some 25 minute match. Like they could just build up so much off of like that one hot tag.
3: Yeah. Well, I always thought that the flying forearm was kind of a, a special and fun finisher because lots of, like it or not, Paul Orndorff wasn't the only one who used the Paul pile driver. Pile exactly. Driver, you yeah. Know? And, That's right. And the the body presses, you know, there are variations. There's Ricky yeah. Steamboat off the top. There's, you know, but, yeah. um the uniqueness, uh, I just felt that there was a certain, yeah, a distinction.
2: Yeah. And he did it different because his was sort of like a flying punch. So the other guy that did it quite well, but, but in a different way was Terry Taylor would do the five arm. He called it. And, uh, and, but his was more of like a forearm elbow, uh, whereas his Tito's was sort of more like he flying like Superman. He had his, you know, his arm, you know, well, it,
3: yeah, but it's, but he's, of but course, he's it's called the flying yeah, like yeah. The palm, yeah. the forearm, the everything. Yeah. 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 So that's right, you know, a whole lot yeah. of surface area, like a plank of wood. Yeah, so you, like, not just so, a fist.
2: yeah, so basically, like Tito's is the underside of the forearm, and, and then the palm. Terry and then Terry and, did Terry your Taylor's upper, like yeah, okay. more like the European uppercut. Fly, and he, it was more like he just ran at you and then jumped in the air and just right. you know forearmed you while you are moving the
3: momentum, you know that, yeah. uh, and the you know the synchronicity because like yeah, Tito and his opponent hit the ropes at the same time, yeah, and then they charged towards each other, yeah. I mean, like it was. Two people could be standing still slapping each other and then Jake slaps to the DDT on you. Yes. But you both need to be two grown men, 500 pounds yeah. of meat, you know. To get uh, the maximum effect of the forearm. They yeah. both have to be running. That's right. Top speed. And uh, yeah, I never saw a better one. Like, I, I mean, those are some bold statements, Draper. I've thought this my whole life. <laughs> okay. Well, wow. I'd forgotten. uh, so not just the forearm you said that was you also called the hot tag the hot tag and the the
2: sternum first I don't remember My favorite hot tag my favorite hot tag my favorite Bret Hart sternum first and my favorite Tito flying forearm all in this match well
3: it's the first one that's the the, the most crazy claim because of all wrestling that's your favorite hot tag I can't think of
2: another one where I I guess it's just what it leads to like there's it's such a clean sequence of like he just like bang 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 you should be the champion right
3: (laughs) and also we've complained about not enough Tito love even though he takes the megaphone to the head they made Tito the hero Yeah, he and looks like the a killer all reigning champion can take out Brett can take out Jim yeah. all he needs is to get his hands on them in the middle of the ring yeah and he can win any belt that's at right anytime yeah. and so it was a lovely little tribute to To Tito Yeah
2: this is like Really nice to look back I would love to You know Watch him watch this match Or whatever Talk about it Or something like that You you almost
3: got Like did you ever Did you ever get As much respect From the WWF (laughs) As you did right here In a sense I mean post you know once he lost his IC belt right yeah exactly because he becomes the Wrestlemania jobber to our
2: unfortunately you yeah. know. he puts on good matches he helps people he builds people you know he yeah. makes Shawn Michaels he makes you know these guys because the, you know those are big wins for different people against him puts people over he puts people over yeah
3: yeah which is the best thing you can do and that's uh, what you should do and I mean Hogan did eventually do it for Lesnar we watched Oh yeah, we, yeah yeah we, we, I, I turned my gaze back to the wrestling <laughs> for a little bit and I saw that yeah and and uh, at the time i wanted hogan to to, to drop lesnar and win but <laughs> it was the right thing to do you know yeah i think didn't lesnar put a Bear hug on and Hogan like started like bleeding from the mouth. It yeah, was like, you know I really? heard
2: about that match. I don't think I've ever actually watched it. Oh,
3: I thought we watched it together. Didn't maybe you bring we that tape? Yeah, oh, I mean, I, maybe,
2: maybe. You yeah. brought the tape
3: over because okay, that's the so only then, way I yeah. was watching wrestling in those days. Was yeah, thanks yeah. to you.
2: It's funny. I was listening to Hogan talk about his stuff with Lesnar in the last couple of weeks, and in, it wasn't like what he was talking about wasn't ringing a bell. But maybe, maybe he was uh, saying it like differently than when it actually happened, and that's why. But yeah, we were. Those uh, wrestling in those days was sort of a blur because it was never never saw anything more than once. Yeah, <laughs> and then fast forwarded through half of it. Well, Hogan came out with the full length tights that were red and
3: yellow tie dye. Yeah, yeah. you know, okay, he had yeah. the red bola. That look, you yeah, know, yeah. he was red and yellow, but it was you a know different. Yeah, yeah, different red and yellow. He was going back to Superstar Billy Graham, the tie dyes. <laughs> That's right. You know, yeah, because uh, there was a big inspiration there.
2: Yeah. Okay, that leaves one match and one more important segment for the card, and that brings us to. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat coming back from his injuries on national TV. Many people thinking this might be his first match back, not knowing all the other stuff that's happening. Versus the Iron Sheik.
1: And Spivey trying to make a tag and does. Now Chido there's Santa. a legal tag right there. That was legal. Santana hammering it out with the hitman, Bret Hart. Has him in the corner. Santana hammering away. Santana reeling. Oh! Whoa! Bret Hart hit hard. Head up. Oh. Got that, Danny Davis. is that beautiful? What a beautiful oh, shot. Oh, I could
0: see you're of Matt McMahon, totally. What proud reaction to that? Cover that man. Cover that man. Oh, he's not. What a mistake on the part of Chico. He's looking for crowd
3: approval. So, we're getting ready for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat returning to action in the ring, even though on TV, I yeah. should say. On
2: national TV. <laughs> That's right.
3: He's wrestling twice, twice a day on Wednesdays and... I mean, Hogan was saying, I think he wrestled nine times a week or something, like twice yeah, a week. They, sometimes, yeah, yeah. They,
2: would do double, they would do two shots on the weekend.
3: Yeah, more than seven wrestling matches a week, yeah. you know, for for these guys, especially at this time period. So, Mean Gene Okerlund is interviewing Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and uh, it's not that I want to pick on Ricky, but he just can't get the words. You know, I guess he maybe he gets nerves or something, but he's always some kind of flub. So, in this particular case, he describes something that's physically impossible. Okay, you know, and not only that, he makes a questionable. He what he says is he's pointing out. He he says every time I step into the ring every wrestler in the world is attacking my weak point but like as if like the whole stable not just yeah, like yeah, he's yeah, facing yeah. the Heenan family but every wrestler in the world Hortles, is there yeah. going for it. but and he points out his, he's, and not only that he's saying I got a weak point I'm yeah, like yeah. what kind of you know yeah, tell yeah. everybody <laughs> like
2: everyone's coming after my hurt ankle <laughs> that's right
3: <laughs> So I'm just like, oh, Ricky, you need a manager. (laughs) You know, he really needs a (laughs) manager. He he just would have been so well served by somebody who was better on the mic. Even though, like, he's got a heart of gold, but, you know, just little things, you know? It's
2: interesting, too, because there was a time when babyface managers were more common during, like, you know, Arnold Skoland and some of those earlier managers. But during this era, it's all heel managers. So he would have needed a change of alignment to uh, get himself a manager.
3: Yeah. Well, there was Captain Lou
2: that's correct I, I I misspoke there you're right L- Captain Lou did was the holdover who uh, you know turned baby face and, around now he departs yeah. he's gone now for a little
3: while <laughs> 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 okay so slick is looking good he's a tall well-dressed man yeah. he's got a brown suit nice purple shirt lovely tie hat and shades handsome slim yeah. you know he looks good Iron Sheik, uh, he's got the blue tights tonight. I know you you. You love these logos, these Chirons. Yes, yes, the, right? uh, the Sheiky boots. <laughs> you want <weren't> to weigh in for <laughs> Yeah, these. yeah, yeah. So
2: we get one, and it's kind of confusing me because Sheik's is great. Because Sheik's, it says, uh, it says Iron Sheik, but to the left of it, there's actually the, you know, the, boot. Uh, the drawn boot with the curl. It's awesome. But Ricky Steamboat's is kind of, is a little confusing because it kind of looks like something somebody would hang up on their door. Uh, You know, there's... There's, it's a different language. It's there's, there's, there's the writing, original, and we're, yeah. we're t- we, off-air. We were talking, we're like, we're not sure if it's Chinese or Japanese. Script, but, yeah. Script, or, or, but we also know. know that Ricky Steamboat is portrayed as being Hawaiian, so we're kind of like, okay, wait a minute.
3: So I mentioned that the dragon, Bruce Lee, is Chinese. Yeah. I And, and then I don't really know why Japanese, just
2: Japanese is such a big well, culture influence. I, I did go look because I've always been curious, so it's fairly well known that Ricky Steamboat's proper name is Richard Blood, which would have been an amazing wrestling name, by the way. He started in the AWA under that name as a baby face, quickly got switched to Steamboat because he looked like a Steamboat. There was another famous Steamboat at, you know, wrapping up their career around that time. And so Eddie Graham from Florida decided that, hey, look at this guy. He looks just like that guy. So that's why they called him Ricky Steamboat. And he stuck with that forever. But I looked it up and he is, he was born in the United States and he's not Hawaiian. <laughs> he's of English and Japanese descent. Ah, Okay, so maybe it is Japanese writing. We're, we're pardon, didn't get pardon our the ignorance of, of not pardon me. So we we don't know what language? I don't know what that script is. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so about we don't know
3: that. what yeah. language it is, but we it's mean, bigger. Some, a lot of people would know what it is, just not us. <laughs> so you got a very small the and a very small dragon, and then yeah. a giant. We assume the dragon scroll in a different <laughs> yeah. language. Yeah, and the scroll look so yeah pretty cool. So there's a uh, you know a talented graphic designer who's um,
2: Dick Ebersol. He's got all the tricks. That's right. They throw in a quick uh, Hot Rod insert. We'll just hear that. And from there, Hot Rod is going to join us. Roddy
5: Piper! (laughs) You think you've seen a fanfare so far? Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just stay.
3: When we come back though what the heck macho man is there That's in uh, right. in uh, street clothes uh, sort of <laughs> yeah exactly like macho man's version of street That's clothes right. like I would I tried to make my street clothes a little bit macho man but you know, <laughs> so he's got you know jeans he got jeans on but there's with some spangles and sparkles I mean the, the man's an entertainer always looked jazzed up and like a professional wrestler It was pretty cool ready for TV <laughs> yeah um he's got a rainbow do rag of course. he's he's already on the apron causing shit up and he's like
2: pointing and causing a fuss and you know and uh, so we come back and and then there's just chaos everywhere and the savage point is almost like a special maneuver in its own right you know (laughs) yeah he used it a lot and uh, Vince is furious what business has he got here and Jesse
3: rightly points out like well hey wait a minute the steam you know the dragon came out and interfered with his match that's right so turnabouts fair play (laughs) Macho Man makes his way to the announcer table a little foreshadowing yeah even-
2: proving that this isn't overlaid. Sometimes this kind of stuff would be like the announcers wouldn't actually be there. They'd add it in afterwards. But when Macho Man walks up and sits yeah. down with them, you're like, Okay, no, they're yeah, they're they're hundred percent there. <laughs> yes. Now,
3: um all his threatening and bluster pointing at Steamboat does give Shiki maybe a chance to get a little early right. advantage. Yeah. Now, we don't actually get to see a lot of it. So you have to imagine. You can hear thumps. You can hear the bumps <laughs> in the background, but you can only see the whips and imagine, like, what was it? You know, yeah, yeah. backdrop, hip toss. You don't know. Yeah. But what we do know, I mean, what I was able to uh, determine was that Shiki he rams Ricky's head into the turnbuckle and uh, he also hits him with, uh, off the ropes, a really nice clothesline that drops Ricky. Yeah. So we we, I, we either we see or it cuts away, but you get to see enough of, of these moves as Macho Man makes his way, and he puts on a headset. He gets on there, and he says,
5: Ricky, it's not fit the time in shoes. What
3: about the body? And then Jesse gets in there and backs him up, and <laughs> and uh, we settle into Macho Man on commentary for uh, the rest of this uh, competition between Iron Sheik and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And Jesse, of course, is going to agree with Macho. That's right. Meanwhile, the Iron Sheik goes to that beautiful curly boot in toe, That's And right. he uses it, as it a wep- yep. uses it as a weapon right away. And uh, he kind of slams Ricky's head into his... He, he, he attacks Ricky with his boot. He Irish whips Ricky and gives him... Uh, throws Ricky over the top rope. Wins the battle royal. Collects a $50,000 bounty. <laughs> bounty. Done. All yes, done. that's it. <laughs> but no, Ricky uh, suddenly... Ricky skins the cat. I'm like, the Battle Royal was earlier, guys. <laughs> you right. know, like yeah. So he skins the cat, which means he doesn't actually leave. He grabs yeah. the top rope and it looks like he's Never touching the go. floor. Yeah, exactly. And then he comes back up with a crazy chin up, which yeah. flips him. Like v- reverse a, flip. <laughs> yeah, almost like a 360 degree. Suddenly he's facing the crowd again. Yeah. But back in the ring. Meanwhile, it's Kameramazum. <laughs> he's got his back. Up to the skin in the cat and he's flexing and he's posing and then you know these people you need to learn a good sneak attack you get me the man in the back with the oh, flying yeah. knee <laughs> instead is so it's very silly he does the baseball slide between uh-huh. Shiki's legs and he stands up I'm here in front of him that's right and then you know so Cosro
2: would have clobbered him as he was getting up
4: <laughs> yeah exactly
3: or just boot him as soon as he's like he's on the ground you know just like stomp him with that curly toe Cosro Kaz- get him <laughs> so he stands up and then he waits and so you know Yoshiki obliges him with a big roundhouse that spins him one eighty. Yeah, and then we get the old, you know, what's it going to be? Backdrop or I mean, sorry, yeah, back suplex or atomic drop? What's yeah. it going to be? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it ends up being the back suplex. Yep both guys get up, and Ricky starts with his chops, his knife edge hand karate chops, those Japanese Chinese the dragon and Hawaiian chops, Hawaiian punch. <laughs> Remember Hawaiian yep. punch? The
4: drink? Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. We're gonna go Hawaiian. goes hawaiian
3: hawaiian punch is more than just a cold drink it's seven natural tropical fruits come together with 10 percent fruit juice for the taste everybody loves
4: go hawaiian go hawaiian
3: yeah that was uh something i got to indulge in um iron sheik is gets you know dazed and staggered by all these blows from ricky the dragon he's also chopping him in the chest iron sheik gets Down on his knees and he's begging and praying. He's like, Oh, <laughs> throwing right, yes. and saluting, like, Oh, you know, like, Yes, Master. It's, it's hilarious. Like, he's just, <laughs> he doesn't give up, but he's yeah. just like begging for mercy. And, uh, you know, we're not worthy. That one, you know, yeah, we're yeah, not yeah, worthy. Yeah. We're not on his knees with his <laughs> hands and the whole bit. But it's not working. It doesn't work. Ricky's <laughs> punching him and chopping him. Puts him a side headlock on the sheik. Sheik <laughs> pushes him off onto the ropes and he takes a shoulder block and the sheik goes down. She gets back up. We get a criss cross. We get as we were saying the it it looks more interesting when you're in person. Sometimes you get bored with running the ropes, but but it works. So they're running the ropes. Sheik is over Steamboat. He's under Steamboat. And then he's gonna give Steamboat a hip toss, but instead, yeah, Steamboat just does a little one two and he hip tosses Iron yeah. Sheik. And the crowd is really hot for this. They're so excited to see Steamboat back in the ring that like right. they're just on his side and ready for him to go on to take care of Macho Man up there at the announcer's table. <laughs> the two men start grappling and they actually end up on the rolling underneath the ropes and to the outside. Sheiky Baby uses a cheap eye rake to slam Steamboat into the stairs. You don't see that often. That's
2: right,
5: yeah.
3: Yeah. Ouch. Now Macho Man is saying, No, right there's where I went to the top rope. Yeah. I'm taking out
5: right there. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Not Cosgrove. He's not jumping off anything. Uh, <laughs> not with those legs. You got a
2: leapfrog. That's about it. <laughs>
3: yeah. So Macho Man could come down 17 feet, but uh, Top Rope is not on the menu for the Iron Sheik. No. (laughs) But he does climb back into the ring, and he's posing. Uh, Ricky makes his way slowly back into the ring, and uh, he stands up on the apron. And you actually think this might be a chance for Ricky to get the momentum back, but no. Iron Sheik goes over, clubs him, and then gives him a beautiful vertical suplex to bring him back in, and, and Steamboat just takes it. Looks great. One. Two, But, oh, no, this is the Steamboat is going on to win gold. He's not going to lose to a vertical suplex to the Iron Sheik. Never. But Macho Man points out, No, I will hook that leg right there. Yes, what I want to do? Not going to happen when I'm in the ring. <laughs> so Steamboat starts to make a rally. No, it's an eye rake. And Iron Sheik keeps the momentum. And then we have, oh, my God, the most deadly move in professional wrestling, the one that cannot fail. <sighs> The abdominal stretch. (laughs) Oh, Jesse, he may surrender.
2: Monsoon will pop his head up to talk about his leg not being hooked. <laughs>
3: uh, Vince McMahon, have you ever watched wrestling? He may yeah, surrender. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. This is exactly. you know. So, I don't even think someone I'd... out
2: there in listening land. If you find go go Google for us and see if like is, did anybody ever submit to the abdominal stretch? Like when the when the move first got invented, let's call it. I'm I'm sure somebody must have won back then. You know, like it must have been a at a time. There must have been a time. Sure, the, the body slam stretch. was a finisher. Exactly. At yeah, yeah. Time, you know? The drop kick was a finisher. So yeah, the abdominal stretch probably did get some submission wins. Back back in the day but we've never seen one until they watered it down well the ddt got watered down yep. everything
3: gets watered down that's right you no know, it's just the way it is we want to reset
2: exactly wrestling fully needs that they totally need to reset it make we the don't body need, slam a finish we it. don't how. Well, maybe not we don't we don't need that much of a reset but side headlock to, and i'm out we need to dial it back we need to dial it back and get it back under control because this whole 85 moves before a match can end is just yeah it just takes away from any kind of uh, building or anticipation.
3: Well, he couldn't be more wrong, Vince McMahon. Ricky Steamboat will not surrender to this abdominal stretch. And guess what? It ends with a uh... hip toss.
4: <laughs> but the crowd loves it because yeah, right. you know, <laughs> chopping I mean, right. again. it's just
3: me that's bored with a hip toss out of an abdominal stretch but anyway who cares this match is red hot we get some chop drops where you know Steamboat is standing up the other guy's on the opponent and he kind of like falls to the mat as he's chopping yeah. him on the top of the head Again, a couple of those. He picks up the Iron Sheik, the former world champion, the former world tag team champion, gives him a body slam, and then Ricky Steamboat climbs to the outside to the third rope where you think he's going to deliver his flying body press, which, you know, is a, he goes kind of sideways, and yeah. the guy takes it, and usually, but no, it's a chop to the head, and he covers the chic for the one and the two and the three. The and three. At this point in his career, that will just the chic is going down. It's it's a finisher for it wouldn't take out the macho man. No, it would not.
5: With the iron chic, he's a great wrestler, but the macho
3: man's a different caliber. Yeah. <laughs> So Macho Man's upset that Iron Sheik That's loses. Right. He takes Bennett. off his jacket. Everybody
2: says something like, what, what is this? He's like, he's,
3: he's like, <laughs> You're wrong! You're wrong, baby! Mui! <laughs> and he picks up a chair because Ricky's going to come to the, you know, That's so right. Macho Man gets That's scared right. and grabs a weapon. That's and right. the ref holds Ricky back like, no, no, you can't do that. And the ref kind of like pushes Ricky towards the dressing room, which is where he goes off to. Right, great build for WrestleMania three, the greatest yeah. match of all time, they say, and uh, I'm, I'm going to go with it. But you do need to check up, uh, or rather, uh, go investigate all the rehearsals, warm ups, and uh, the practice runs for the greatest match of all time, which would be Macho Man versus Jake.
2: Yeah, and some of those, some of those Macho Man versus Ricky matches that happened yes. in those months. Yes, they're, they're working on some of the, some of the, some, working out some of the kinks. But at the yeah. Same time.
3: That's right. But those those are house shows that you're not going to be able to see.
2: There's a couple. Like there was the Philly one. We didn't like go blow for blow on it. Like we that was the one where he, Savage did the, uh, the handful of tights to reverse the roll, the, the roll up and get the pin himself. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And stuff like that. So, I think this might be I want to be careful cuz I haven't looked ahead at the May 87 main event to cuz there's a lumberjack match. So, it's quite possible that Sheik is a lumberjack in that. I don't I can't remember. But this might be Yaron Cheek's last appearance, so I'm sorry it's been event.
3: Oh no, Now the oh, that's heartbreak. The OSW boys are always on top of that. Every time you yeah. watch one of their things, like, okay, by the way, this is the last time we see blah blah blah. And yeah. the other guy's <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, yeah, oh yeah. no. <laughs> and it's sad every time and they're like, and this is Jesse's final WrestleMania, and they're like, Oh shit, oh yeah, shit. Yeah. Oh, that's shit. Right,
4: yeah
2: because <laughs> so there's we'll always
3: see. somebody who's going away and That's doesn't right. come back yeah, you yeah. know so and this
2: would be uh Dan Spivey as far as I know his only appearance in Siren's Made event because yeah. he's not really around for much of uh the run right he has a late run there when he comes back as his uh Cape Fear character uh with the, the dark hair and the did you ever see I'm totally blowing his name at the moment but we'll figure it out but um, he had this great character, but he was so injured <laughs> that he, they couldn't do anything with him. Like oh. his knees were totally blown at that point, but uh. everyone loved this character. They did all these vignettes of him doing like the, sort of the Robert De Niro from Cape Fear, like kind of style right. promos and people just loved the character. And if they would have had like a 1990 or 87 Dan Spivey body <laughs> to go with the character, the, the, would he would have been something <laughs> mm. big. And then we'll go to Hulk Hogan with Mean Gene.
1: Confrontation. All right, with me at this time, the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. Hulk, earlier on, we spoke with Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant. Heenan stating that Andre would remain undefeated and that the next time we saw him, he would indeed be the heavyweight champion of the world. Your reaction?
5: Well, you know, you don't become champion of the world by doing things halfway, Andre. You don't stab friends in the back. You don't stab generations of little holsters in the back. You don't throw people with a top rope from behind, man. That's only half What has it been with you, man? Has your whole life been a lie? Fifteen years undefeated? Did you cheat every single time you got your hand raised, man? But we were in that battle royal, man. I got a chance to test you. I got a chance to feel the fifteen years of undefeated obesity, man. I can handle it, brother. It's all the spark I needed to face you in that one-on-one confrontation.
1: You know, Hulk Hogan, when the two of you locked up in that battle royal, it was like an explosion. It was like a collision at 100 miles an hour.
5: Well, you know, now that I know where he's coming from, now that the whole world knows what he's all about, the next time, Andre, you and I lock up, not only will you feel Hulkamania, not only will you feel the 24 inch pythons, the psych, the thousands, the millions of Hawkamaniacs, the big brother upstairs on my side, I'm gonna steal all the power I can, man, because you gotta play this one straight, man. To be the world's champion, you gotta beat me face to face. You gotta put me on my back, brother. And when you're on top of that mountain, when you feel the real power of Hulkamania, don't slip and fall, brother, because it's a long way down.
1: All right, still to come, the ultimate confrontation, Vince McMahon, let's go back to you.
2: I love it, Hogan saying did you cheat every time, man? (laughs) Which is so funny when he's saying that to Andre because, like, as we've talked about his baby faces, baby face Andre, baby face Hogan, the two biggest cheaters in all of wrestling. So, like, for Hogan to say, like, did you cheat, man? It's like, well, you cheated. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, we know he was choking. We know Andre was cheating. (laughs) He's coming up with, you know, choking Bundy with his own straps. That's that's right. That's right. Hand on the throat. Yes, he was cheating. We all saw it. (laughs) But so are you. That's
3: right. You're you and you're scraping back and raking eyes
2: <laughs> okay that almost wraps up the saturday Night's main event a couple of small pieces of course we're not done we've got a retiring man and by the name of roddy piper so they're going to come back it's mean gene with piper and he's comparing piper to rocky marciano and how he was world champ and you know when retired as the boxing world champion piper looks quite humble and appreciative of uh, that kind of comment and Again, it's interesting to think about what we know about what's going on at this time that he's sort of given this kind of attention. It's great that he at least does have this appearance because if he wasn't on it, then this would have sort of actually. They already did break his streak. The April eighty six main event, Piper's not on that one after WrestleMania two, so it's sort of like WrestleMania two is the heel Piper swang song, and then by the time he comes back, you know him and Adonis are at odds, and you you're switching Piper. Piper says he's real proud of his sport and he's at the peak of his career, but he's going to Hollywood. He's going to give it all he's got. Yeah, I love it because
3: this is real.
2: Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it does, sincere. It's, 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 it's very sincere. Yeah, he, when he says, "Sometimes so you guys were chucking eggs," and then he kind of pauses and he looks like he's almost crying. And some sometimes you're, sometimes he was chucking roses, and it, it was yeah. wonderful.
3: Yeah, I also loved. it. He said the, the WWF gave me everything I ever had.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's just like yeah, so yeah, humble. Wrestling like, saved my life. You know, like, uh, you know all this stuff. This here. got to me even yeah. before the music. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's So good. Yeah, Gene tells Roddy he's proud of him. I like that. And uh, Gene says they've got a tribute together to Frank Sinatra's My Way. And the network version has this awful song, which we'll hear for a couple seconds now.
4: But
2: (laughs) but we're not going to listen to that, because fortunately we have the full show and the proper one. And this is one of those ones where... There's certain songs in wrestling where I don't always 100% remember what the real one was, but I know when I hear a fake one. And this was one where I didn't have to go look it up or figure it out. I remembered. I could have told you any any day of the week, could last, you know, 30, you know, 8, 30, whatever years, uh, that, that it was Frank Sinatra, My Way, was the song that they used for this, you know, this tribute clip. Yeah, yeah. unforgettable. Yeah. Unfor- I mean, just burned absolutely
3: because we weren't listening to crooners I now enjoy a bunch of different music uh, now that I'm you know I turned 50 and uh, 50 plus (laughs) 1 you know so I like you know Dean Martin and you know and and some of these guys like uh, there may be trouble uh, ahead the credit card commercial was a pretty good one anyway yeah I wasn't into this stuff at that time having said that so we're 14 we're not Listening to Frank yeah, Sinatra. Yeah, Are like you
2: kidding he, me? I, I know the song as yeah. a kid, but I'm not. Yeah, it's not vaguely aware of it. Yeah, you're not going to be like excited about it.
3: But Piper's comments and his demeanor was disarming right there, and you didn't think you were watching any more cart. You weren't watching a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, it was honestly like it felt like behind the scenes. Like they weren't. And we knew that the stuff wasn't real, in the sense that it was written out beforehand. We knew that it was. Uh, and, and that they also weren't trying to end each other's careers. We knew that. Yeah. we It certainly, I would never say it was fake because those guys are taking bumps and getting injured and, you know, and, then they, all, and they don't like to hear that. So yeah, wrestling is not fake, even if it is scripted. Yes. So we knew that. But this interview, I know I guess I'm beating a dead horse, but it just, it didn't feel like anything phony. It felt like the most real thing I'd ever seen yeah. ever on wrestling, ever. Yeah. Because I'm hanging up, I'm not going to wrestle. I'm going to go to Hollywood, which was true, and it was because he wasn't telling any lies. Yeah, he was saying, "I used to be booed, I used to be cheered," and and he's saying like how grateful he was for the job. I mean, like yeah. I, I just, he was amazing, and it was uh, humble, and and uh, but and so I, I loved it because I, there was no piper in the whole setting up Andre and Hogan. That's he right. was there as, a, as, as as you know just a prop and. Anyway, uh, and no disrespect because those are magic yeah. moments, and Pipe right being there was good. Even you know, yeah. and it was good when Hogan was on his knees, and he's you know, I, I, I guess I'm being a little harsh. Yeah, you know, he was like, oh, you're bleeding, man. It was that was cool. These two rivals. Yeah, it was a yeah. good scene. They just didn't need. I, I I remember I registered my protest at the last bit where they 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 flogged it. They'd already captured that yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They could have just got on with like, I'll beat his ass. Yeah. Point being that music starts, and like I would rather listen to rock and roll all night party yeah. every day. But the the tone, the mood was set. Yeah. And they show every clip of every yeah. Piper's greatest hits, yeah. including all the cow, the cowboy Bob, Bob Orton stuff, stuff yeah, that we're at, yeah. that we're predisposed to because yeah. that's our favorite Piper stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so and like shit, I got emotional watching it again yeah. just now. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, it goes on for like two minutes. And yeah, uh,
2: and I mean, it's, it's repeating like every spot we've seen, but it's, you know, it just ties it all together really nicely. So, of course, they got the bagpipers. They got that horrible TNT Scrooge skit where he's in bed, like pretending to be Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, the <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> yeah.
3: They, every, they, they use every clip. Yeah, but it's really effective and all the
2: Adonis stuff, him kicking Morales out of the ring. You thank know. God, yeah, you ouch! Out! <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. thank and god, Orndorff, the, the, the tidy blueies, <laughs> yeah. he's about to get piled front. The white <laughs> yeah, front yeah, yeah, the Y front, yeah. Um, it was
3: brilliant, yeah. you know, made me, uh, d- and not only that, it's just like, okay, so we're 14 at the time, right? This was like. Mature stuff for us, not like mature, like violence or mature sex, but mature, like just like
2: people terms with change. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Like there goes Piper. Like when we came in sort of 12 years old and like Piper's a cartoon character on Saturday morning and now they're like, they're dropping the pretense. I'm going to try something else to make a living and thank you very much. So, and, and the music was stirring and sincere and thank God we were able to find the real footage because what a disservice to you know, show yeah. that, that cheesy elevator music even, version. They were even
2: able on the network to, to edit out very smoothly so you don't even notice it if you didn't know. They edit out Mean Gene saying... Saying the name of the song, like or that they're going to play the song, you know. Yeah. It, well, you
3: won't get a rewritten history here in legendary wrestling obsession. If we can avoid it, <laughs> If we can avoid it. You're going to get our memories. Yeah. And uh, hey, here's a good plug. We want your memories. We've had two letters so far, so tell us your memories. What made you emotional, or you know, brought a tear to your eye back then, or or made you think twice? And it wasn't you weren't just watching clowns throw a pie eating contest or something like. You just you know, <laughs> it's it, it made you think about life and stuff.
2: That's right. Bundy and <laughs> Captain Lou, deep thinkers in their Pieting contest. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, write us uh, legendary wrestling obsession at gmail.com.
2: That's it. Yes. Here we Just go. Got it. Okay. So that's going to wrap up uh, that part of the show. They're going to go to. Uh, of course, they actually, they, they fade out on, uh, it's pretty perfect, they fade out with Piper when he's got the red Hulkamania shirt on. <laughs> I, I never realized
3: the significance that he's got, you know, like back in the day, yeah. like I sort of had no, yeah, I didn't realize at the very last shot, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Hulkamania shirt, is yeah. a great finish.
2: And he's doing the Jimmy Snookapoo. Pose. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. Oh, wow. He's getting both his big rivals at the same time. Yeah, pretty genius. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse warns Hut uh, Rod, there isn't room in, for him and me in but, Hollywood. <laughs> He's meanwhile, Piper, he, Piper you're going to fail miserably.
3: <laughs> yeah, that part made me cringe a little bit because, you know, I wish I wish that Piper could have had a bit more success in Hollywood. But, you know, what is success in Hollywood? He got paid to be in some movies, you That's know. Right, yeah. He put food on the table for his family. He left lots of money behind for his wife and kids. Yeah. And, you know, so what is success? I mean, geez, I've had by some... Measures a successful career in entertainment, even if there wasn't a lot of dollars. You know, it, it's all relative. Yeah. But Jesse had the success that Hogan couldn't That's really, right. especially and, in that era. <laughs> yeah, and Piper, you know, Jesse was he made the coolest movies. Yeah, so he was the one who had the best claim to you know acting.
2: Yeah, I, I think the one thing Piper could claim over Jesse is that Jesse never got to be the star of a of a hit. Jesse's best movies, he's not the star. Thank he's, you. He's well a, put. You know, I he's love like it. a. He's, he's a supporting character. Ca- character. Yeah. He's an important character, but yeah, he's a yeah. supporting character. Oh, very good. Whereas Piper Piper with They Live is the 100% the lead. A, the lead, Okay. and it's a huge, and it's a big cult classic, and people still love it to this day. Hell comes ah. to Frogtown, he's the lead, but it's not as successful, you know, it's so... I've never yeah. seen that. It looks oh, fucking yeah, yeah. crazy. That's how it got him the role, apparently, he said, is like, you know, John Carpenter saw him in Hell... Comes to Frogtown and said, That's who Have I want you, this movie. Did you
3: watch Hell Comes to Frogtown?
2: If I did, I don't remember enough about it. Oh, wow. yeah. It looks freaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> At the same time, the two of them made a pilot.
2: That's right.
3: Called Tag Team. That's right. Yeah. That I saw clips of. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. We talked about it on the show. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it looked really, you know, hokey yeah, was, and silly, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> so clearly they actually were. Uh, Trying to make it go a bit together. That's you right, know? yeah,
2: yeah. And they were Two. almost a tag team in 86, so. Yeah.
3: Well, they didn't they tag up against with the Hillbillies? They well, of course, hill. yeah, yeah, and a couple of other matches. You, and, I you see know. what you mean. They yeah, like yeah. A, More of a, almost as in like a, a force to be
2: reckoned and with. Our favorite, football. they teamed up to bully
4: Billy Red Lions. <laughs> yeah, that was, are you done yet?
3: <laughs> huh, what, what? Yeah, oh, that was so
4: good.
2: <laughs> I'll show you how to use a mic. Yeah. <laughs> So they do a couple of these quick go to commercials and comes back. Vince and Jesse wrap some stuff up. The highlights, of course, of Andre dumping Hogan again. Beautiful, looking good. Uh, And Vince McMahon announces that May the 2nd from Notre Dame University is going to be that next Saturday's main event. And then he looks at Jesse and, Jake the Snake is still looking for you. (laughs) And then Jesse tells him, I'll tighten your tie. Get off my case, man.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're quite the pair. Gold.
2: So that's going to wrap up Saturday's main event 10, which is going to take us... The next time you hear from WWF from us, it's going to be the setup show to Saturday's main event 11. But, you know, part of that setup show, of course, is going to be skipping on by WrestleMania 3, <laughs> the before and after.
3: Yeah, it, it may seem a little odd, but that has been our um, precedent to uh, not actually cover the pay per views. Because, you know, why is that, Corey?
2: Mainly because I think that that material has been covered. You know, there's hundreds of wrestling podcasts and that stuff has been covered by a lot of people and we reserve the right to come back and cover that stuff whenever we want. <laughs> Very <laughs> we, good. We, we make up the rules but for now we're kind of sticking to the Saturday's Main Event stuff and televised stuff and, and sort of access Hidden Dream fan. Matches, Philly,
3: MSG. That's Max, right. Spectrum TV in Philly.
2: All right, we're going to take a little quick pause and we're going to come back with, we've got a lo- we haven't had one in a long time. We're going to have a what if section and uh, Jeff has something else he wants to bring up and we're going to stitch it all together and wrap up the show. This week, I saw a lot of advertisements for the fact that it was sort of an anniversary date of the release of They Live. We've been talking so much about Piper, it kind of sent us down this road. And so that brings up the whole idea of how his movie career ended up sort of impacting his wrestling career. And I can understand, you know, from his point of view, maybe changing his schedule for his family Maybe, you know, trying to avoid taking some crazy bumps, you know, might have helped extend his life if he had been more of an actor, let's say, than, than a wrestler for some of those years. But it did affect our, you know, viewership. Like, as we were watching as kids, you spoiled, you're greedy, you want your favorites to be there. Uh, so we're going to listen to a quick clip. It comes from a shoot interview, I believe, off the Howard Stern show. Basically, Piper talking about how it came about. They live, and then that impact with between him and Vince McMahon. What, what happened? Yeah, Was there a I'll falling you, out?
5: No, I'll tell you what. Um, when WrestleMania 3 and the Silver Dome, 93,000 people, uh, John Carpenter asked me to do the movie They Live. And Vince McMahon Jr. got mad at me because he said, I'll have another movie for you in four weeks. I said, Not with John Carpenter directing it. Right. So. He sent a message via my lawyer that Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon are the only true blue WWFers. The falling out really
1: occurred when you got offered your movie. Yes, and sir. Vince said to you, don't do the movie. I'll put you in a movie. Yes, sir. Because you didn't comply with that. Yes, sir. You I fell out of favor. It. Exactly. And so, therefore, you become persona non grata. You can't come back can't. to the WWF. No,
5: go away. you know. Uh, leave at your own chosen speed, but do a faster run.
1: Did you say to Vince, listen, Vince, I just want to do the film. I God love the WWF. You, I, I want to talk rationally here. I don't want to be out, but he
5: would not hear you? Yes. And also, two or three days ago, I FedExed a book to Vince, And as nice a letter as I could put, saying this to him, capsulized, Vince, I don't want anything from you. Your league, it's are way off. I gotta make it real plain that I was the sickest of them all. Okay, you seem
1: like a crazy guy. Uh, (laughs) Quite frankly,
2: I don't think it's an act. Video. I don't think you took your medication today. I think you're. Are you on any medication? Do you have to take medicine? No, 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 no. you're not going to take medicine. So really, the gist is, is that you know, once McMahon found out that he was going to want to leave, that he'd been offered this role. McMahon's first response was, you know, don't take that. I'll, I'll get you a movie next week. I'll, I'll get you a movie. He, he wanted control of that and he wanted to be involved in it. But Roddy Piper thought too much of John Carpenter and that opportunity. He's like, you can get me a movie, but you can't get me John Carpenter. So we end up with this, what he ends up saying is, you know, McMahon pretty much writes him off at that point. Like, you're not welcome here anymore. Leave and don't come back. And we know that's not how things, you know, that's not going to be forever, but it's, it's for now. And, so Piper does go off and make his movie and it's you know quite successful, all things considered. And it's and it sort of, the more time goes by, the, the more people love it kind of thing. It's one of those movies that becomes more regarded as time goes on. But my what if is sort of like, what if Roddy Piper had never left the WWF in 1987 and he didn't have that movie career if he just stayed focused on wrestling and may, maybe more importantly, how does that impact not only his storyline, but like others' storylines? So I got a couple of big thoughts, but I'll just open the door there in case you have anything else to say first or, or just well, any you context
3: know, uh, context. So he's feuding with Jimmy Hart's broken bones club band. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And right into WrestleMania three. Yeah. And uh, WrestleMania three also marks uh, JYD's taking a knee, bowing to the king. That's right, yeah. And so after that, you just you uh, you don't see him as an A.
2: Yeah, he's still around into eighty eight, but you're yeah. definitely right. He's he's taken and you know he's going down a notch. <laughs> yeah, a couple of notches.
3: That's right. Did you take, he's putting he put Harley race over. So all respect yeah. to him. I mean, we're not obviously it's, we're not criticizing JYD. No, you know? no, no. no. The man's gonna make his paycheck, and you know, huge crowd. Like you're gonna say no to that. you yeah. know. To do him the job, and he, and he
2: does get to have a little heat back at the end, you know. He, he yeah, gets, he gets pinned, but he at least he chases Harley off at the end and gets to.
3: Plus, it's Harley Race, which was harder to appreciate when we were like, oh yeah, yeah, we want our baby faces to win, you know, yeah. and we were. It was guys, a shock. We know better, you know. I, yeah,
2: I, I looked at Harley Race in magazines, but he he didn't command that kind of respect from me. He didn't. He was like, he can't fight those guys.
3: <laughs> yeah. So therefore, JYD goes down a notch, which means Piper's got to take over the feud with Jimmy Hart, you right. know, yeah. and, and, and has, you know, yep. and and. And that's what WrestleMania 3 means. So that's where he leaves, where where he's, you know, he's feuding with Jimmy Hart. Yeah. And so what's next? I don't know. But the the, the main, now we discuss, what about that tournament at WrestleMania 4? Piper would have either had to have been in it or something else. So,
2: yeah. So I think this is where I'm trying to come from in my head is that, like, I'm going to argue that Piper, and if you look at his placement, even as a heel in Saturday main event, and then especially, you know, in 86, the summer of 86, fall of 86, He's still in my mind the second biggest star in in wrestling in WWF at that time because he's because of the amount of exposure he gets. You know the amount of like he's the one with multiple other than Hogan he's the one that gets the multiple you know segments on Saturday's main event or he always gets extra. He's always kind of oh, considered he was all over those early ones. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that the thing about him sticking around is, and I know it sounds crazy because of how great the story ends up becoming, but I wonder. If Piper's around and then they find out Hogan's taking his leave of absence, if Roddy Piper doesn't end up becoming the person to usurp Hogan's spot for a little while as the top babyface instead of Randy Macho Man Savage and that WrestleMania Four is somehow... Roddy Piper being crown champion, and WrestleMania Five is this like never happened? Roddy Piper versus Hulk Hogan showdown, and I know you know like that obviously takes away. What this. gives you the right to go and change history? I'll slap your face right there, you pipsqueak! Put you through that closet, yeah, break your neck,
5: macho man, win the belt, and always will win the belt.
2: Dang it! I'm not gonna say that it's. I'm not gonna say that Piper being in that position would have been better. Probably actually wouldn't have been. But I just wonder if, because he already was sort of, let's say, above Savage in terms of, like, pecking order in the company or whatever. You know, McMahon obviously trusted him as, like, drawing power and star power and all this stuff. I wonder if that would have clouded the judgment and kind of maybe made Savage stay at that intercontinental level longer. Probably. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think so. And uh, I like our angle of Piper... You know, playing that Orndorf friendship angle, yeah, you know, and uh, would have been as great as it was, yeah, you know, it's kind of, it kind of seems like that was Piper's journey, really. I mean, That's like. Right. Because I've said it so many times, it must be boring. But we came in, and it was all about these two for- forces. You know the, yeah. you know the bad guys were led by Roddy Piper. They weren't led by Paul Orndorff. No, no. So, uh, but but Orndorff was great, and we and, and no complaints there. Really, just it, it didn't seem like what they were promising. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that stuff played out. I would have liked to have seen uh, the excitement that the crowd had when Hogan and Piper teamed up.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. Against Harley Race and Paul Orndorff. Yeah. Uh That could have been captured at a WrestleMania with Piper and Hogan, one of them at their best Healy. Yeah. You know, a good heel Hogan or our beloved heel Piper. Yeah. Uh, at a WrestleMania. That's right. It should have been as memorable. Without,
2: as, without Mr. T and everybody else in the way. That's right.
3: <laughs> Would have been, you know, the proper build up to... The Andre and Hogan because, you know, Andre being what he was, he wasn't just a professional wrestler. Yeah. He was a sports entertainment, he was an entertainment draw, he was an attraction, as we've said, in a way that, that nobody, that Piper was not. Yeah. Without any disrespect. That's right. Uh, So having said that, Piper and Hogan properly written would have been the greatest WrestleMania until Andre and Hogan clashed for all that attention. (laughs) And it's not that their match was the greatest, but I mean, it was the, uh, Anticipation. Yeah, and what does the word great in in this case mean? If great means big and grand... Yes. ...then it was the greatest WrestleMania ever. Quality of matches being a different thing, and we still... Then there are people, you know... You can still give them Savage and Steamboat for the greatest match. (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
2: Look over here. (laughs) Yeah.
3: So, yeah, I I still feel there was an uncaptured potential. And it's a shame that we didn't get to see... You know, Piper and well, we got that hidden dream match. You know, I checked that out. The crowds are they're just so excited to see, you know, uh, Piper and Hogan team up against, you know, like the evil, evil heels. Yeah, he begrudgingly work together, <laughs> and the tension was just so good. Yeah terrific
2: yeah you, you almost could have ran Wrestlemania 5 baby face, baby face a year before Hogan Warrior we could have had Hogan Piper like good guys oh god
3: and just imagine how much better that would have been because of Piper's work ethic and his you know his attitude towards the business and everything like that I still enjoyed Warrior and Hogan but yeah you know I think Piper had a love for the sport that, that uh, Warrior didn't yeah
2: yeah it's clear yeah and most most wrestlers unfortunately had a greater love for the sport than Ultimate Warrior I mean he's, yeah. he had a different mindset for about why he was doing it and what it was, what it was for, and yeah, but
3: Hogan and Warrior was exciting, and and I didn't complain at the time. I, I sure. was yeah. I was right there, loving it.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Pat Patterson, <laughs> for was, making yeah, yeah, what probably his... was a dog and <laughs> turn into a really good match.
3: And they sure did, yeah. Yeah. All the build was great.
2: Yeah. So all that time, what you know, the what if, and you look at it like Piper comes back at WrestleMania Five, does a Piper's Pit, ends up fairly quickly, I think, into a feud with Rude. That's kind of his big thing when he first comes back in '89. That stretches through like Survivor oh, Series God, and
4: all that stuff. I've forgotten
3: and, it. That's terrible.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah.
3: Oh, that's that's heartbreaking. Just for you to tell me that he feuded with Rude, I'm like really yeah I because yeah. I, I, I don't remember that and uh, <laughs> I will remember it when we go back to it but yeah. like if I have forgotten, then that's already kind of a
2: condemnation yeah he flips his uh, he flips his his kilt up and moons rude <laughs> a match distracts them and all this stuff so yeah it's fun stuff For you know we got we got in you know, and Roddy Piper wrestles for a long time I mean he's part of that whole WCW resurgence of like all the all the old <laughs> golden oldies of the WAF go over to WCW and take over. <laughs> and, and make all these things, but, anyways, that's gonna wrap up that part for uh today. So, we'll we'll turn the mic over to Jeff. He said he had a segment, uh, he's surprising me with something.
3: Okay, so, um, we had a little break in our recording, and in the interim, unfortunately, bad news for Corey he lost a kitty cat, uh, a family member that he uh, it was a package deal when he met his <laughs> lady wife before Cole came along. There was a cat, and that's right. sadly. Uh, Her her time has come.
2: I lost a couple cats in the the last two or three years. But anyway, tell us about Zoe. Yeah, Zoe was Candace's, uh, you know, first pet baby, and (laughs) she was... Kind of ageless, I don't know, she found the fountain of youth, like she was 15 and a half, but she still acted like she was four, like she could just clear jump to like the super high counters and she'd rip around at night like she was, you know, on catnip extraordinaire, even if she wasn't.
3: And she was more of a Big Bubba Rogers of a cat than a Rick Yeah, Flair. we'd
2: had her on a, a weight management plan for several years here, so she'd lost some weight over the last few years, but she was still a, a bigger cat. Yeah. yeah.
3: Now, I better pray Giannis doesn't hear this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <That's> right. Which doesn't <laughs> know who
2: peace. Big Bubba is, but I guess that kind of speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah.
3: Anyway, so rest in peace, Zoe. Also, Ember, and also Harry, but uh, there is some good news in the world in the last week, as far as the wrestling mm-hmm. uh, and our imaginations go, and uh, really uh, uh, completely trivial in every other way, but... I am going to take credit to Genius Wizard, just like Ed Sullivan presents the Beatles. (laughs) Jeff Hughes presents his greatest discovery. Okay. All right. You always wanted it? Well, I found it. They did make another wrestling game that looks like Superstars. Oh, wow. Yeah. And not only that, it looks like Corey Draper could have been credited with head team lead producer. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. blah 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 blah. this is not you know my name wouldn't be there and i'm not gonna you know and i'll just get right to it it's not i'm just gonna say this it's not perfect (laughs) yeah that's
2: right yeah
3: so lay your eyes on i hope you got that clue
2: yeah yeah of course what platform is this on
3: just watch and get your mic put the mic get your mic on (laughs) get close to that mic so we can hear it
2: I don't think there's any audio coming out of it.
3: It doesn't matter, because it'll be just like, da-na-na. We don't want the audio. Just watch. Okay, right. Just watch. I see what you're saying. You don't get any voices.
2: <laughs> Looks like we got Hogan and Mr. Perfect loading up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I can see, like, the similarity to the art style. I wonder if... Okay, so
3: give it to me, because now, yeah, yeah, yeah. now let me tell you a little bit about this. So, do you remember Double Dragon? Of course, yes. Oh, yeah, so those are the guys that made these video games. Okay, yeah. And, uh... At ringside, not only have you got, you know, uh, they, they put... It's like the Exciting Hour thing. Yeah, they, well, they're there, like ZZ Top, Darth Vader, they're, all, <laughs> they're they're in the WWF crowd. Wow. Yeah, you can't see them, but they're in the background, they're not yeah, as prominent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stevie Wonder's there, yeah. watching the wrestling. That's right, yeah. But Billy from Double Dragon is there. Okay, yeah. And he actually stands up and cheers you, mm-hmm. like, um, when he's on the left side of the screen, and they, there's a clip on this video that I watched, which is a whole 20-minute video about yeah. WWF superstars. Wow. And there's another big surprise coming for you that you'll enjoy because I'm sure now, like, you're probably like, yeah. I want more answers, but let me just. <laughs> and you've you got questions and I got answers. So there's a little clip on this video where Andre's outside with you. He whips you into the barrier, yeah. and Billy, you know, in his blue vest and his blue pants, okay, yeah. he's standing there, he's, he's standing up cheering, right? Yeah, yeah. So Andre whips you into the barricade, and Billy, yeah, yeah. Billy goes flying back into his chair. <laughs> takes wow. a bump. Yeah, he takes a bump. <laughs> Billy takes a bump. So Double Dragon was this awesome video game that we oh, all yeah. loved. And and they... I loved the predecessor. Yeah. Well, you... Well, Renegade. Yeah. So Okay, so Renegade, the guy's dressed like a character from the Warriors. Yes. Got the vest and the kind of dark, the brownish yeah. pants or whatever. So that's a Japanese import. Okay? Yes. Okay. And the guy fighting all the gangs in Renegade, in the Japanese one, he's got this like slick white martial arts, uh, you know, the very classy shirt that's got the buttons in it yeah. you could yeah. wear it to uh, a formal or you could kick some kung fu ass that's t- right yeah. <laughs> in this, you know long sleeve white yep. and unadorned but anyway so there's a guy out over in Japan I'm forgetting his name but he was the fighter in Renegade right and he became like a Mario style uh, you know mascot right and so he's they, they only changed his clothes for Renegade right. so that guy went on to be in among other games the dodgeball game that we yeah, was a big hit around dodgeball. here yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he was on the Chinese team, okay. I think, and unless it was Japan. Anyway, we'll move on because the important thing is that um, they're all tied in. Exciting yeah. hour. When you watch this thing, you're going to see that exciting hour preceded WWF, but yeah. as you know, the, the controls are virtually identical. Yeah. Anyway, so of course you want to know who else is in the game. Yes. Obviously. So... You are gonna. It's. I've already told you the best part. Yeah. Okay. Because your favorite wrestler. Yeah. Is yeah in there. Mr. Perfect. Now, now the bad part is that oh, did we? Uh, yeah. That's right. I had you watch, but I don't know if our listeners yeah, know what's Hogan going on. Hogan and Mr. Perfect were yeah. in the
2: match we were watching there for a second.
3: So the bad side is is that you choose. You don't get to be anybody. Yeah. You can only be. Let's, let's just for the uh, for the time being, you got Hogan, and then you go for the belt, and Hogan fights Perfect first. So that's the bad okay. part. Yeah. And then he goes on to fight. I mean, um, the warlord. Huh? Oh, okay. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And he looks more like uh, Stone Cold. Like they didn't, yeah, make, yeah, him, didn't make him make very big. No, they, they should have somehow. You know, sized uh, him up. Sized him up. Yeah. And then you. Uh, then we have a familiar one, Teddy Biasi, who's in the original. Yes. Yeah. Then we get the Mountie. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, yay Canada, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this game probably banned t- in t- Canada. Yeah, the
2: timing of when it came out is how dictating who's yeah. on it, right? So.
3: Released. Yeah, it was 1991. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I think Savage is in the crowd. Okay. Because yeah. there's a guy with kind of thinning hair and yeah, shades yeah. and a beard, and he's yeah. watching. And like, <laughs> this is right after WrestleMania 7. Yeah. So He's, re- uh, he's retired. <laughs> he's retired. He's on commentary. So uh, after you go through DiBiase, then you, right, I said the Mountie. Yeah. And then Slaughter. Okay. But, so there you have, now I've listed six of the wrestlers. You could also wrestle as the Ultimate Warrior. Right. Because he is really prominent. He just retired Savage. Yeah, yeah. And you can also be Sherry Martell.
2: You can be Sherry Martell? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But she knocked out Hogan that one time, <laughs> yes. so I just thought you'd believe me for a second.
3: Because <laughs> Hogan said, he, she knocked him out. That's clopped, right. Clipped him on the ear. has got, got some power in that punch. That's right. No, here it is. This is why I said... It would, well, I'll show you. Actually, right. produced by a company called Ocean, and I think Twilight was another name is I this saw.
2: An, is this some stand-up arcade game?
3: No, you could play it like on this the um, the Atari Q Seven or something that you never like, saw some or heard of. That came
2: out after like Super Nintendo or something, or e-
3: yeah, that's right. It wasn't because you've never seen it before. I've never seen it before well, or I, heard I, of I'm it. I'm
2: trying to figure out if this is the game I saw a review of that like looked good but wasn't good like the people didn't like the gameplay but they liked the look of it but I think that game what? only had three wrestlers in it so you've already yeah. listed off seven guys yeah. or something so Not it, because it can't be that because no, I know you. there was one that was like Hogan Perfect and a third and maybe Warrior and that was it <laughs> like yeah. maybe Davy Boy Davey Boy was in it you know oh wait,
3: to spoil my fun you jerk
2: okay well, <laughs> there maybe, he is. well maybe this is this game that didn't that I saw a review that didn't get a great review <laughs> Here's my boy. Well, who
3: cares about Davey the boy. review, yeah, Davy right. Boy Smith? Davey boy your Smith. two favorite wrestlers, yes. Mister Perfect, and well, we know that uh, technically his favorite tag team is the Bulldogs. Yeah, but this is as good as you're gonna get.
2: Yep. And so this is because Davy Boy kept wrestling longer. Davy Boy sort of supplanted Dynamite. Like, I mean, yeah. again, Bulldog's my favorite British Bulldog. I probably favored over Dynamite just because he wasn't around as long
3: yeah so that so you were vaguely aware of it yeah. but let's just play along yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> shut the fuck up yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. so well th- why didn't you mention that because we had talked about like
2: because i never actually played it so i only saw one video on it a few years ago kind of okay well then it. that's
3: why i'm like i we talked about there being yeah. that game and yeah, yeah, yeah. so it exists so i i uh, i guess you didn't recognize it for what we were talking about because yeah. this is the style of WWF right the, the, superstars the look, the look Of the, the animation look. is very and similar, where yeah. you and I were both dreaming of, uh, you know, having the entire 80s roster, so this is 1991, yeah.
2: But I'm sure still, I consider it still part of that 80s boom, yeah. <laughs> and it's
3: got perfect and Davy Boy, so yeah. uh, that's why Corey Draper could be credited as like, I've got two, and insi- I, I demand Mr. Perfect and a Bulldog, and those <laughs> right. are hard and fast rules. Yes, right. And, like, the thing is, it looks like the coin op game. It
2: definitely, yeah, the look of. And they, they made it. I the mean, one, the one little clip I saw of, of, I guess it was Hogan pile driving Mr. Perfect, it looked like the way the Superstars action yeah. worked. Yeah.
3: So I doubt where we're going to get our hands on it to play it. I'm, I'm not really, you know, you said you saw a not so good review. Well, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, somebody, game, somebody
2: just went on about it. Yeah, like, well. But I, I don't remember their review even having, like,. A Slaughter or a mounty like who they were fighting. It seemed like you just had those three fighters that could well, fight each, you're each other. You're talking to
3: a, a non-believer. That's Whoever right. did this guy's busy playing the one with axe and smashing the road warriors, and he's got no time for nostalgia for oh pure God. classic eight-bit.
2: They're loading up Davy Boy versus Mr. Perfect.
3: That's right. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Now here's a, the downside: is I couldn't find a perfect plex, yeah, or like a running power slam per right. se, uh, and um, you know it, the game doesn't look so great because this guy in his playthrough. He just wants to win. So he's like, you know, he's going through the hacks. So yeah, Davey Boyce got this weird, win, yeah. a fireman's carry throw. And he yeah. just does that over and over and right, over and right. over. And it's not that exciting. But it is cool to think that somebody did do the thing that we kind of dreamed of somebody doing. And it's not the wrestlers that I would have chose, but yeah, I don't, I don't object to. This fireman
2: carry slam is funny because the initial little graphic of it looks like the way in Superstars that Warrior leans in to pick the gap for the. Press slam, which you know, yeah. David Boy press slam. Sure, go for it. Yeah, uh, but instead well, maybe, of press slam, he just does a little.
3: Maybe David Boy does a press slam. These yeah. this is just a guy doing a playthrough, yeah. and he doesn't show. You know, I want to see care. all the moves. Yeah, yeah.
2: He doesn't care about the moves. He's yeah. just trying to win. Oh, there's Warlord. Yeah, loading up. No, yeah. it's it, I mean, it's tough to get them to invest money in old you know, <laughs> you know the old stuff i mean they like to include them as like you know some kind of downloadable character or something but i don't care about these new hammond acres <laughs> yeah
3: i think it would make money if you know like uh, it w-
2: we'd we'd put in the 20 or 30 bucks you know
3: to play a 20 wrestler 8-bit you know game yeah 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 that. yeah yeah exactly yeah anyway so uh I didn't know that you were aware of it, but now you see it, It what it... What I, it
2: I definitely didn't see as much as that. The, and I think the review I saw was more like screenshots and like just someone sort of recording out of their, you know... <laughs> well,
3: I'm just looking at this, you know, 8-bit Davy boy and I'm thinking that's what I always wanted.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was, you know, there was different... I think home video games that you could build the characters, they wouldn't include them, but there was ways to, they kind of cheated and added, like when you went into the, you know, create a wrestler mode and it was like, sure. well, wait a minute, that outfit is obviously this wrestler or that wrestler. And right. they kind of gave you, they led you to water to let you create your own old wrestlers, even though they weren't technically in the game. Right. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Um. Yeah. Just, I wasn't, I've been so out of video games for so long that it's so, I miss so many of them, but yeah.
3: Look, there's, there's Savage. He's got the, Look in the crowd, yeah, yeah, like yeah, a purple right shirt there, and a gold yeah, necklace, Can of <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's got to be a macho man. has got shades on. His hair is
2: even thinning a little bit. But it's it's interesting as time goes on, it's like they never really figure out. Sometimes they make a game really good, and then for 10, 12 years, they make sequels to them that aren't as good. And it's like, why can't you just? Like we had that 93, 94 glory area of like NHL hockey games, and then from like 95 to like 2000 and whatever, they were struggling to make a game that was playable, that was fun as competitive as those, those early ones to the point now, I think even in like 2015 or 18 EA sports would still like release. Like when you buy the current year NHL game, there's a little mode where you can play like the, you know, the 94 <laughs> game or whatever. Cause they just, and that's the same with wrestling. It's like, they've been, you know, they've been creating all these wrestling games, but for the most part, it's, they focus way too much on making it look like a movie and it's like, I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. They, it doesn't
3: have to look like real hair. Yeah, exactly. You know, it actually looks faker, you yeah, know, exactly. when you try to make you know, them like, look like their hair give me my is. my little cartoon guys bashing each other. <laughs> That's right. I love this 8 or 16 bit version. I, and I wish that, um, you know, they'd, they'd gone a little further. And certainly I wouldn't have put Warlord in there when like you think about 91, who they yeah and you know, what they could have done. That's right. I'm not thinking off the, the necessary like, so who? Who
2: else in 91? Well, Jake's not gone yet. And I mean, Sid's just coming in. Flair's just coming in. Uh, Piper's there. Jesus. You know, like there's lots of big, yep. big names. Rick Martel's in a good, pretty good spot at that point. It's the model.
3: He pretty much fits their template wrestler, you know. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. So here's what I would... Like to see. I would like a Double Dragon combined with the WWF Superstars game <laughs> where you, you go along in these jobbers, you knock them out with one or two shots, and then yeah, you get yeah, to the yeah, boss, yeah. and you get in the ring, and you got to have a, a wrestling fall. I
2: saw a game that was like that, where, you know, there was like the, the giant characters in Double Dragon? Yeah. Well, I saw a game where people replaced the giant characters with, like, Ultimate Warrior and Hogan. <laughs> so it was the same game. It's just, but... <coughs> But those giant characters look like wrestlers.
3: Well, somebody should be able to do that because like the, the all the, the software is the same, right? Like yeah. Yeah, the, the developers are the same. So some, one of those guys could have
2: easily like, Oh yeah, let's change yeah. Out Hogan,
3: Hogan for Andre.
2: I still remember we were coming back from, I must've been Florida. We must've been on a layover in the States. I don't know if it was Chicago where it was and the airport had an arcade and my mom let me go in and I saw that screen of renegade. And it just pulled me in. Like, I just, from really far away, I was like, what? Ultra violence. <laughs> like, what is this? Like, it was so, what? if you've never seen this game, like, the moves he does, he literally, like, gets down and he'll go down on the ground and mount the guy. Yeah. And, like, pound the guy's face. Or he gets him by the hair and knees him in the face. And you're just like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to be, you know, glorifying... Um, this, but it's just, you know, as a kid, as you know, I think it was in grade eight or something like it was just seemed so cool. Like, you know, we did diving, kicking and all this stuff. And yeah, it was just so neat. And there were so many different things you could pick things up and hit people. Like it was, it was like sort of a, a new evolution of video game of like arcade games for me because the games I'd play didn't have those sort of extra wrinkles of all these different types of things you could do, like grabbing somebody and doing yeah, something to I them. got
3: my hands on a chance to play Renegade recently and I, I couldn't finish it. It was like, I had, I think, uh, Obviously, if I if I would have eventually, but the last one, the guy shooting. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, I couldn't get that boss because just yeah. you get die, you got die instantly. Oh, one yeah. hit and you're gone.
2: Yeah, the Nintendo put out a weak version of Renegade. I mean, they tried <coughs> the story of it and the platform of it and like the you know the each level was the same. Like they, they had the one with the motorbikes, you know, and they had exactly like you were talking, the one with the woman, (laughs) they're throwing shoes at you or whatever it is. I can't remember. But there's the, you know, and like you said, the last guy has a gun and it's like, if you don't know the secret trick of like left, left, right, right, something, something, you just, there's no way to beat him.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Good luck, kid. And like the title screen, you, there was a kind of like the big words and then a Jake and a Hulk on the bottom left of each yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, but in the little animation, Hulk walks over, clobbers Jake, and he falls down. And then like that's the pose, Jake on the ground, while Hulk's like, ha. Ah. And it's almost like maybe Hulk got in there with his creative right. control. So it's like, all right, I want to flatten Jake in the that's
2: title right. of this video <laughs> game. <laughs> You've got to give me heat back, brother. That's right. <laughs>
3: That was from the video uh, that was about where I discovered that you know Perfect and Bulldog were right. In, in, you know they they had a Superstars version of of a bunch more wrestlers. I mean I just wanted to see what it looked like. I wanted yeah. to see how somebody would make a Junkyard Dog look if they put him in Superstars. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Or Paul Orndorff. You yeah. know, yeah. It which should have been easy because you That's know right. you didn't need uh, to you didn't need to build a samurai armor. <laughs> You know, I mean, he was a wrestler, right? That's right. Just like yeah. a physique, a good physique.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if they could get honky to shake his hips, I'm sure they could get a lot, a lot of these guys to kiss their biceps or, you know, like whatever yeah. whatever the little spots were. So I still
3: want to know if that game had perfect plex or bull, or Davy Boy, you know, if, if he yeah. could do his running power slam.
2: Yeah. And then what about...
3: Um, well, what would the warlord do? I never. He had knew. running power slam.
2: That was his move too. He no full, Nelson, full Nelson and running power slam. And then what did the Mountie do? Sleeper. The Mountie. I haven't seen a Mountie match in so long. Jeez. I'm trying to think what he was using. Uh, I think it was he some sort a of, of a cheating, sleep. but then it was definitely some cheating. I mean, near <laughs> the, the end the of his run, or? he basically was zapping people yeah. and then and then <laughs> and then yeah. pinning them off the zap. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a we'll uh, we'll take a quick look, and before we go off the air, we'll make sure that we can properly correct ourselves on the Mounties, you know, because I'm thinking of like you know okay what did the Rougeau's do but it's like yeah it definitely wasn't it wasn't the same moveset like he, okay he basically brought in something I think it was sort of like something along the lines of a sleeper because it was supposed to be police control kind of thing like he's an RCMP officer so he knows how to
3: okay and then uh, hopefully they gave Sergeant Slaughter a Cobra clutch
2: yeah yeah that's right yeah, that looked good in the uh, Royal Rumble game when Slaughter was giving you the Cobra, Cobra clutch.
3: Yeah, that's the, the the WWF game we talked about, really overshadowed by a later game that was much better. But yeah. you know, we loved the first one for what it was. Yeah,
2: because the timing of when it came out and just and, and how groundbreaking it was. Yeah,
3: and uh, and like I got screwed. You know, there's no Road Warriors and no Randy Savage in the one that I showed you today. But that's it had right, your, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. all your favorites: Bulldog and, yeah, and yeah. Perfect. <laughs> There you go. Macho Man's watching from the side. <laughs> He's there I'll in spirit. Will still be participating in the ring. <laughs> Howdy, folks! This is Sam Elliott taking over the microphone for a couple of seconds for my good friends at Legendary Wrestling Obsession. A lot of folks are asking how they listen to more legendary wrestling obsession with a good sarsaparilla. Well, you want to get down to the refrigerator and pop yourself a tall, cool one and go down to patreon.com. That's right, patreon.com slash legendary wrestling obsessions where you can hear all the extra bonus content, maybe spare a few bucks for the boys so they can buy themselves a frosty sarsaparilla. Now, the bestest, freshest, most first place to post our legendary wrestling obsession is at podbean.com. So that's where you can go to make sure you're first in line and subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is available for your download. And that's legendarywrestlingobsession.podbean.com. That's where we go. We get pay them the big bucks to get the legendary wrestling obsession to you. Now... Here's the real tongue twister. We're on Twitter, formerly known as Twitter. Now they call it X. And that's where we tweet the guys who are going to get us the big ears, the big numbers, the big fans, the big books. So I can't say it. <laughs> it's a horrible curse that will summon Cthulhu to consume all the human souls. So it must not be spoken. It can only be kind of explained. At leg, that part you can probably spell on your darned own self. Now we got some goopiness re-obsession. That's re with a capital W, so L E G W R E, O B S E S S I O N, and some of those s's I forgot to to, to, say, to say them like Sham Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> so a for at or each at leg rush. No, never mind. You heard me the first time. At L-E-G-W-R-E-O-B-S-E-S-S-I-O-N. And that's how you can tweet us. I mean, X us. And X you while I'm at it. And everybody else.
2: To heck with this. We invite you to join us next week when we travel back to Jim Crockett Promotions. We're not done. We're going back to the summer of 1986. That Great American Bash tour, we left it unfinished. There's too much to look at. So we're going to go back and get to the July 26th Great American Bash and all the great shows in between. I was really impressed when I watched the first of the three World Championship Wrestling episodes. It looked like I was watching a Clash of Champions from 1986.
3: I can't believe this is on regular TV, like pay-per-view. <laughs> D-
2: damn you guys. <laughs> Superstars of Wrestling never looked like that. It was just crazy. I was just super awesome. We'll talk about it next week. but yeah, Well, we eventually... You know, eventually we got Saturday night's main
3: event, of that's course. Right. yeah, but, exactly. You know, took, took a while. <laughs> yeah.
2: So anyways, that's where we'll be next week, and we hope you can join us. Spread the word. Help us share things. Follow us. Send in those letters. We need your help. But we appreciate all the listens we do get and people around the world that are listening. So it is appreciated and it is noted. Take care.
3: Thanks for tuning in.